warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. That was the best in unison intro I think we've done in over 150 episodes, Jake. Yeah, I'm here for it. It was at least a nine. Well, how do you funk that up a lot of the time? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't, it's, it's a pause. I mean, and we kind of do the pause different every time, or at least I do. And that's how I fuck it up. Yeah, we're, two, like, we're 285 episodes in at this point now. And I feel like feel like 25% of those, you've missed the mark, sir. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. It's gotten a, a little bad lately. <laughs> I've done it, too. There's been times I just didn't care. So it's not fully on you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot. definitely a lot harder when we're not live with each other hitting that part off. Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Neil. Hi. How you Glad doing? To be back. Yeah, you're a last minute edition. Yeah, that's. I have a little bit of time today. I'm like for the rest of the next couple months. So, yeah, I'm really glad to be back again. Ah, uh, do you remember? Did you get laid off? No, no, no. I have a bunch of work and and theater stuff coming up. So I have like, the next couple months are going to be really busy. And this was the one day that I could do something. Jake, you said that like you were excited that he got laid off. Possibly <laughs> just the way he said he described what was going on. I was like, what What is happening here? He's like, all of a sudden, I have free time, and I have free time for the next two months. And- hey, Neil, uh, did, did your life fall apart? 
<laughs> shortage of income maybe maybe some financial disaster headed your way i'm here i'm here to mine whatever material you'll, you'll give me <laughs> I, I guess when it comes to like the well-being of our guests i mean maybe we shouldn't like delve into that one i don't know <laughs> i guess it is only our yeah. one. Oh man I, and I, like next week we hear fucking neil calling Susie orman <laughs> How much money? I've got three million dollars. Oh, yeah, you still need a nest egg. Fuck you, Susie. You and your fucking nest egg. You look like a goddamn bird. Anyway. Also, <laughs> what has happened? Hey, uh, we've got, uh, we've also got Neil, we've got Neil, and we've also got, uh, Tristan Brown. Welcome back, Shifting Tristan. Hey, Shifting back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm only here in case I shift too much. Um, you know, um, that's the reason why they brought Neil on. And if I shift too much, I'm going to get axed out. James Bond. <laughs> James Bond would be pleased to have a martini made by you. <laughs> <laughs> shift and not stirred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like Captain America, you got that reference. All right. Oh man, he has to hold it for like three hours, but when it's done, it's perfection. <laughs> I want to see like Michael J. Fox and Tristan in a martini contest, martini making contest. Oh, he said it. Oh man. Oh, he oh, said God. it. I just got that. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was going to say Catherine Hepburn, but she left us many years ago. <laughs> So Michael J. Fox is still fair game. I love him. I loved him. I actually just watched them do a cameo in a movie this week. Well, we might talk about that one. Oh no, I don't. I don't even have it in my good pop, bad pop. I saw. Did anybody see uh, See You yesterday? Mm. No. On Netflix. See You yesterday? No. Yeah, it's the new. Uh, it's basically. I don't. It's a time travel movie, but they it mixed in. It felt like they mixed in elements of that movie, The Hate You Give, where um, the young. Uh, a uh, black teenager gets uh, shot by the police, and then you've got these uh, two teens. Oh, yeah, I saw the preview for that. That's yeah. the time travel one. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It's got kind of like yeah. the Back to the Future type rules and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they neglect the in-game rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, There's I, a Michael J. Fox cameo in it? Yeah, at the very beginning. He uh, he does a cameo. He plays uh, one, of the, one of the students' teachers in it. So it was... Uh, what did he say? I think he said Great Scott or something like that. He he, he bust out a uh, Back to the Future line in his cameo. Calls mm. the kids slackers. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, slackers. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What was the principal's name in that movie? It's Strickland? Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Strickland. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Mr. Strickland in Back to the Future Part 2 where he's got the shotgun on the porch. <laughs> yeah, he's all riot zoned out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite Strickland. So the racist Strickland, yeah, he's ready to shoot anyone that goes on his lawn. <laughs> the old, the old curmudgeon. Oh man. Uh, let's see here. Let's uh, let's move on into uh, iTunes reviews for this week. This one, uh, this first iTunes review comes from MDDubu1. 
MD Dubu One. Uh, it's titled "I Tupperware This Podcast," and it goes on to say, "This podcast is like Avengers Endgame in the sense that it's really long, but is so entertaining that it doesn't seem like it." I enjoy the show. I enjoy the banter. Fantastic podcast that comes from MD Dubu One. It's a five star. Yeah, that's a great review. Not much to say about that. I'm, the Avengers Endgame reference is pretty funny. All right. That was, uh, I don't know, it didn't give, it didn't give us a lot of material to go on there. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. I don't know. Even the name was pretty vanilla. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fine. Just, hey. Yeah, all right, for whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. I ain't got nothing with that one. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone crying during PCL, though. Like, like what's going on during Endgame. There is a no, he, in this, he says in the sense that it's really long. No, oh, just in that. He sense. didn't okay. say like, yeah, in every aspect. This, you know, <laughs> uh, we've got cameos from raccoons. You know, I, it is, I mean, just in the sense that it's really long. Jake is what he said. There we go. We yeah. mi- we mined that one for material and got it, didn't we? <laughs> I know we did it. It's hard work. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh man, fishing for anything out of that fucker! All right, let's see. Here. Next one's titled "Awesome," and it comes from Creed N Three, and it goes on to say, "Been listening for a while, and in my opinion, one of the best podcasts out there." Brian, Jake, Rebecca, the British people. Oh my, love the long format and look forward to it every week. Thanks for entertaining me. P.S. Oh yeah, I'm not going to read the P.S. I announced that on a, another episode. Don't worry about it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we don't talk about that anymore. So, uh, it's, I, I addressed it, I addressed yeah. it, it's something I addressed on another episode and I said I'm not ever going to talk about it again. And then it, it, this shows up in the PS. So this is what happens when you use a skip button, people, and you don't listen to the whole fucking episode. You miss out on shit and then you make me look like a fucking idiot on, a, on my podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that was super cryptic. Let's just move on really quick. Yeah, I'll tell you guys on break if you remind me. Next one uh, is titled, Hold On, Hold On. This is a great podcast. And it comes from Sin City. And it goes on to say, Not liking a lot of the negative reviews about the Endgame podcast is arguing with your friends is what makes this podcast the best. Everyone comes with their own views, and sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. It's when they don't, when they have excellent conversations and bring new light to TV shows and movies. I love you guys and look forward to listening every week. And it comes from Sin City. It's a five star. Yeah, that's that's a great review. I love that one. I love that he's super down with when we, you know, get on each other with disagreeing with stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Another one. That, I don't know. Give me something, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus, I feel like I'm in the back seat with a virgin. What the fuck is going on here? The next one comes from uh, Be Free Cloud. Uh, it's titled... Uh, I almost titled I almost read the title as the date. It's titled May 18th, 2019. Um, no, it's... <laughs> That's bizarre. I know. It's like, I'm literally having to make these iTunes reviews more interesting than they are. And that's <laughs> that's pretty sad. It's titled It's, and it goes on to say cool in the review. So that's the entire fucking review. It's a five star. <laughs> yeah. Wow, the old title into the review with only two words. Mm-hmm. Well done. I know. I know. <laughs> it's uh, original. 
God, I, I hate I hate this episode already, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I've been um, putting on some flying circus on Netflix for discomfort food every now and again the last few weeks, and every episode of it starts with the big it's. So I thought maybe that's where we were going when that review started, but it did not go anywhere good like that. Oh, man. But that anecdote went all the places that I wanted it to go. <laughs> you took me you took me on a carnival cruise set. <laughs> who, who was it? Kathy Lee Gifford? Was it Kathy Lee doing those carnival cruise line commercials for like 15 fucking years? Oh, commercials are my worst area of pop culture knowledge. God damn it. I mean, at first I had to listen to your Monty Python rant. Now I got to listen to you talk, your, uh, point out your shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, it's the DVR generation. I haven't looked back. Oh, man. Okay. And it, neither Neil or Tristan are chiming in, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. Kathy Lee Gifford, yeah, it was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shifton's just being a yes man. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm, re- I'm really not sure. I do know that Shaq does now. Shaq does the current Carnival Cruise commercials. Oh, man. They're terrible. Shaq, yeah, yeah. Shaq is doing, what else? He's doing the general, the the car insurance for oh, yeah. uh, people yeah. that, I don't know, got like 17 DUIs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> During every NBA game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Fucking, fucking those general commercials. Wait, wait, Call wait. 1-800-GENERAL? No! Yeah, it's like, if you want some, you know, like, at the end where he... <laughs> what is going on? I hate myself. Um, let's see here. <laughs> this... <laughs> uh, this next one's titled... Hi! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm in a brewery and Jacques dropped the... <laughs> Jacques, Jacques dropped the bottles. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> this is so. This is yeah. Rot, we, Jake, we're Rotten Tomatoes approved publication now. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, Jake. Oh my god, I got too much giggles this episode already. Oh, I don't know. Just started. I don't know. I got to shake off the rust. It's been a week, but it feels like it's been a month. <laughs> Next one's titled Favorite Part of My Week. Uh, goes, it's a five star and it's from, uh, Mike STL. So maybe, you know, uh, but it's spelled M-I-C and STL. So maybe it's, uh, like microphone from St. Louis. This guy is a microphone from St. Louis, Jake. Wow, a microphone's giving us a review. <laughs> what do they think? They probably hate us. Yeah. <laughs> see here. Uh, <laughs> I found this podcast a few years ago and never looked back. The witty banter and humor is right up my alley, knowing that no one on this show ever takes themselves too seriously. They offer a personal perspective on things pop culture and have violated my safety bubble on many occasions. Listening to this podcast has introduced me to many shows and movies I never would have known about, as I am now addicted to lemon parties. Uh, oh, Jake, God. that's a thing from last week, Jake. Uh, I, and from previous episodes it's you know it's uh it's a reoccurring thing uh, i never read comics growing up and after listening to the show i still don't uh along with the current pop culture there are many references to uh he, he says 89s and 90s shows so basically jake we are very specific when it comes to our <laughs> 80s shows and we only focus on the ones that happened in 89 
That's funny. He's probably Googling all the references he doesn't know, and every time Wikipedia probably either says 89 or 90. Yeah, yeah, 89s. But he says 89s as if it's plural. (laughs) I feel like he wanted to say 80s. He did mention lemon lemon parties earlier, so 80s would make sense. What what were you going to say? That would make us look better if he was trying to say 80s. Yeah. Uh, 80s and 90s, I'll say 80s. 80s and 90s shows and movies that really struck my nostalgia stiffy. I feel sorry for these guys at times, and listening to them makes me feel better about myself when I'm down, so keep up the great work, guys. Jake, uh, I don't know. I, I think it was an attempt at humor. Neil? <laughs> did not work at all. That, that review was supposed to be funny. That's what you're trying to tell me. Well, yeah, I mean the the uh, what are you, uh, they violated my safety bubble on many occasions. We've talked about safety bubbles. I had a rant on those a few weeks ago, and then he mentioned the lemon parties, uh, and then he says I never read comics growing up, and I and listening to this show, I still don't. That's like uh, you know he, oh, yeah. he said I was going to zig, and I zagged. Uh, Swervy McGee over there, <laughs> and then uh, I, I feel sorry for these guys at times. And listening to them makes me feel better about myself when I'm down. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're pathetic and it makes him feel better about himself. So just, the, I guess the, the jokes just write themselves. <laughs> oh man, now I'm sad. Thanks a lot. Oh man. No, just, just be happy that, uh, your sense of humor has matured. Um, let's see here. This next one comes from Burton8493. Do you think that that's, uh, in reference to old Jack Burton of the uh, Pork Chop Express. Is that movie ever going to get made with The Rock? People are always so- talking about, like, the Gambit's never going to get made and the Crow reboot's never going to get made. But, like, uh, <laughs> why did I sound like Forrest Gump there for a moment? <laughs> um, uh, maybe he's really invested in movies. <laughs> but but uh, what about this? Nobody, nobody gives this fucking Rock, uh, you know, Big Trouble in Little China reboot any shit. Yeah, we haven't heard news from that. Uh, in uh, feels like months, Jake. Yeah, sure, we haven't heard anything about the the Rock's Black Adam movie as well. Yeah, that's been going on for like six years. Yeah, well, he he had a few quotes after the Shazam movie came out about that, but it's but it's not been you know it's not like they have a date on that movie as far as I know. But yeah, the uh, the Big Trouble in Little China is 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 the movie in Big Trouble. Jake, <laughs> I, I would say. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I was trying. I was trying to give a joke like Mike St. Louis there. That was my attempt at one of his jokes. Uh, you didn't make someone else feel bad. Is the punchline now? Yeah. Okay, Jake. Uh, I asked you a question. You don't even have to answer. I don't even. I don't care. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what were you? <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I don't even know. <laughs> Don't do this to me. I asked you about the big trouble in Little China thing. Oh, oh, oh! I didn't even realize I got interrupted. Yeah, yeah no one cares, right? It's it's, <laughs> it's just a reboot. No one wants to see, right? I don't think there's much pop culture leverage to Big Trouble in Little China, so it just doesn't have the steam of those other things you mentioned, he, like I, The Crow or yeah. Gambit. He said that kind of still lived on a bit more. I mean, I know they had the ID, yeah. IDW comic and a little bit of resurgence of the of the material, but and, you know, I think the people that even had access to that stuff were already very well aware of the material. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a re. It's not a. It's not. I, I can't. I, I guess I'm calling it a reboot, but it's actually a because he's not playing Jack Burton. 
He's, he said he wouldn't play Jack Burton. I don't know. Why, why am I talking about this? The guy's fucking name is Burton8493, and here I am talking about Big Trouble in Little China for fucking five minutes, and then interrupting you when you finally try to give me a, a coherent uh, conversation about it. <laughs> 8993, I think he's just pointing out the years of the stuff that we referenced to. Oh, 84 and 93, yeah. We're very specific about those years, too. <laughs> 84 yeah. 93. Let's see here. Uh, yeah. As said by the host Brian, most of these episodes are awful and stupid, but that's the best part. The reviews are insightful and they don't hold back if something is as horrible as watching a lemon party. I give them 20 out of 20 chicken pot pies. Oh, God. Oh, boy. <sighs> Trying to one-up the meatloaf guy. That That's yeah. never a good idea. No. <laughs> I mean, the meatloaf guy wasn't supposed to work. For some reason... I've kind of, I don't, I've kind of warmed up to the old meatloaf thing for some reason. Is that a meatloaf pun? Um, <laughs> I have, people eat cold meatloaf sandwiches, Jake. Oh, yeah, people love cold meatloaf. Like, yeah. day after meatloaf is day, the thing. Day after meatloaf. That's a, that sounds like a movie, doesn't it? <laughs> day after meatloaf. Day after meatloaf. <laughs> It, what would that movie be about? Would it be about the day, like if the walk Passes of shame, the meatloaf? Yeah, the walk the of shame room. a woman has after a night with meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I thought we were talking about the food meatloaf. You want to actually star meatloaf in this thing? Yeah, this uh, this, uh, this episode is just out of hand and stupid. I don't like it. <laughs> we're done. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I need to hang it up as a podcaster. Um, let's see. <laughs> what do we got here? Uh, Brian can mansplain to me anytime is the title of the next review and the final review. It's a five star. I got somebody shifting over there. I'm going to guess it's Tristan. You hear shifting? I heard a little bit of Shifty McGee going on. I don't think it was me. All right. Uh, it's called, uh, it's titled, uh, yeah, I just titled it and, uh, I'm gonna read it again apparently because I just introduced the title again. Uh, <laughs> what is going on with me? Um, Brian can mansplain to me anytime. It's a five star. It's by, uh, I whack off to PCL. And, uh, it's, uh, it goes on to say, been a listener since I was looking for Infinity War content last year. PCL has become a part of my week just as much as any other routine I have. Uh, apparently part of that routine is whacking off the PCL now. Um, anyway, it goes on to say, thank you guys for everything you do to keep this bunch of idiots completely entertained for five hours a week. And that's from I whack off the PCL. That, that's kind of hilarious. That's. <laughs> the PCL edging challenge. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all the reviews. I ain't got no more. That's it. Your <sighs> crop of reviews. Yeah, I don't know. That the, the, I, I was a little offended. I thought it was the, the, the worst offender this week for me was the 20 out of 20 chicken pot pies bullshit. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. You're going to one up the meatloaf guy. Yeah, trying to steal thunder from the meatloaf guy? What the fuck? How dare you? Really? <laughs> I mean, we hated that to begin with, and then you're going to come out there with that garbage. It's not going to catch on. Like, this guy wants the, the pot pie thing to catch on. And, uh, you know, I don't know. The meatloaf thing was kind of like, that was lightning in a bottle, Jake. Yeah, and, and a rating system that made a little bit of sense. 
more than 20 pot pies. Oh, I know, 20 pot pies. You're ridiculous, sir. You should be ashamed. (laughs) (laughs) For shame. (laughs) Who is the the fucking jack wagon sitting down writing that shit? Oh, I don't even want to know. (laughs) Who in the fuck? I, I wonder if he had to like erase it at first. Like his first was like, uh, I give it 17 out of 17 lemon meringue pies. No, that's not good. That's not good. No, no, no. No. Um, what? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, bet it's more pathetic than that. I bet it was premeditated and he already was settled on pot pies before mm-hmm. he even sat down to write the review. Really? So it's even, even worse than my scenario. <laughs> yeah. Like, by the time he sat down for the review, he already loved the idea. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, my God, this one's going to kill on the next episode. It definitely did. And it did not. It died. It died. <laughs> fucking, I don't care. Sully couldn't even fucking land that joke, you son of a bitch. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I'm a little bit reeling from the Sully joke still. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, sometimes we get emails and sometimes I read them. This is not one of those weeks. All right. (laughs) Nice. Moving on. Swerve, sir. (laughs) Here, what what do we got here? I don't know. I got a couple emails sitting there. Am I gonna let him just sit at, sit there? And, I, no, I'll thank the I'll thank the emailers. I want to thank Ron Sanders, uh, Ron Saunders, Ron Sanders. That's I'm sorry. That's he, it's spelled S A U N D E R S. So it's Saunders. Saunders. Ron Saunders. Easy mistake. Easy mistake. Easily correctable. Um, Ron Saunders. Um, and then James Hogan. James Hogan, our listener for Ire- from Ireland, uh, sent me a nice uh, email. And he said I didn't have to read it on the episode. Um, but uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. I, thank you to everybody that sends emails. I, I do read them, and uh, I do enjoy them. Unless, they, unless people are threatening to, to beat me up if they ever see me on the street. <laughs> you don't enjoy that a little. I love it. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Oh, my God. At first, it's kind of like, Whoa. Oh my, whoa, whoa, I've just been threatened. And then after you think about it, after a while, like, it's, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of flattering, Jake. You know what I mean? No, definitely, definitely. I'm I love not, it. The, the hate is great. I'm not putting it on the level of, like, you know, Ryan Johnson getting death threats on Twitter, which is a terrible thing. Mm. It's a terrible thing. Terrible, terrible thing. Terrible thing. But, uh, man, would I... Be flattered if someone threatened to kill me on Twitter. I'd be like, wow, someone's really <laughs> passionate about wanting to kill me. Wow, I've made it. You made it. Yeah, yeah. Makes it real exciting to go to conventions, huh? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Jake. <laughs> Brian will not be attending C2E2 next year. <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. Oh, man. Yeah, twenty five. That's twenty five minutes in. That's not bad. Usually, yeah, like, we did it. Like, I seems really stretched it up. Thirty seven minutes, and we're now we're finally getting a good pop bad pod. This week, we're twenty five minutes in. Gonna yeah, dude. The people doing the PCL <laughs> edging challenge are fucked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see here. You got 
you guys, you guys ready for good pop, bad pop? Let's yeah. do it. Sure. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we would like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, Tupperware party. All right, Clive. Jake, we haven't referenced his name in a while. Oh, yeah, Clive. I miss his voice. I know. I wish I... I'm going to have to figure that out one day. Um, let's see here. Uh, we had uh, the new trailer drop for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I did want to talk about that. The film is set in 1969 Los Angeles, where an aging television actor and his stunt double embark on an odyssey to make a name for themselves in the film industry. It features a large ensemble cast who star in multiple storylines in a modern fairy tale tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. Um I guess, uh, yeah, it talks about the multiple storylines. Um, I found out that this uh, takes place on three different days, uh, February 8th of uh, 1969, February 9th, 1969, and then August 8th of 1969, which that day is the day that the Manson families did the Sharon Tate murder. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and I think like the February 8th and 9th will be the days where uh, Sharon Tate moves in next door to uh uh I believe it's uh Leonardo DiCaprio's character or no it was it's Brad Pitt's character. He plays the stunt double and uh she moves in next door to him. So they live next to each other. So these stories are all gonna kind of like intertwine in some way. I guess I wanna get this is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film and I wanna get your thoughts on the trailer and then we'll talk about it and break it down a little bit as far as like the characters and things. Um but uh Neil, what did you think about the the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? The first one was a teaser trailer, this is the actual first trailer. Uh I loved it. I, I thought this was looked looked really good. Uh I like when Quentin Tarantino does period pieces, which this obviously is, because he does have a sense of, of history and um, the stylistic choices that go along with making a movie set in those times. And this looks fucking phenomenal. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited to see him work with this huge, amazing cast that he's got going on in this movie, um, including. Uh, a couple guys from a show that I absolutely love called Justified. Uh, you got Timothy Oliphant and, and uh, Damon Harriman, who's playing Charles Manson, and they're both phenomenal. And I, I really cannot wait for this fucking movie. I've never been more excited for a Tarantino flick than this one. Yeah, this is like right oh, up Tupperware. His, Tupperware, nice. Yeah, this is right up his alley. He's um, he loves like that. Uh, you know this time period in Hollywood. So I think he's going to really put a lot into this one. Uh, Tristan, what'd you think about it? Yeah, you know, I'm going to taste the trailer. Um, I really liked the teaser a lot more. I like the vibe and tone of that one, the first teaser that came out. So, um, you know, this one was a bit of a step down for me, but I'm still excited for the movie because, you know, it got like a seven minute standing ovation at Cannes a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, apparently it's, it's pretty good. And I actually remember 
um, in Hollywood when they were shooting this thing because they changed everything to look vintage, like 1960s, and you know they're doing it all for this movie. So I'm looking forward to seeing that world come alive. And and one thing I did notice from the trailer was it seems to be very subtle. The the murders, the Manson murders, seem to be a bit of a subplot, not like the main story. So I think there was just like one shot of people walking with a knife or something like that at the end of the trailer. Um, so it doesn't seem to be a movie about the Manson murders, but just kind of incorporating that into a bigger story. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, I, th- that was one of our main concerns, Jake, when this movie was first announced, because that's really all they kind of, like, focused on. I don't know if that's what they focused on. I guess we just heard, like, they're casting Sharon Tate so and, and, a, and a Charles Manson, so we just kind of, like, all thought that that's what this movie was going to be about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. and Quentin made sure to let everyone who saw the film at Cannes know not to spoil it. Mm. So there has to be some kind of surprise ending that yeah. doesn't correspond with history. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they, when they, uh, premiered this, this is, this is from IndieWire. They premiered the, uh, 35 millimeter print of this movie. And, uh, Sony chairman, Tom Rothman confirmed at the premiere that Tarantino can still go back into the editing room. And the next day, Tarantino himself has now said that he may just do that. Oh wow! Uh, telling the press, I may make it longer. I wouldn't uh, take anything hmm. else. I, I wouldn't take anything else out. I'm going to explore possibly putting something back in. If anything, I wanted to go to Cannes too short. If I'm going to, or I'm going to on too tight. So <clears throat> the article goes on to say, there's a precedence for this. As a decade ago, Tarantino re-edited Inglorious Bastards after Cannes as well. Um, and the first assembly cut of the film was 260 minutes, and Tarantino expected to cut uh, to come in at 165 minutes or so. Whatever length gets a theatrical release, Rothman says the filmmaker can do whatever he wants. So this is interesting. And he recently, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys saw this, um, he recently re-released um, The Hateful Eight on Netflix, and he broke it down, I believe, into six parts, and they added an additional 20 minutes. So it's like a... It's almost like a Hateful Eight miniseries is how it's played out on Netflix now. It's called the Hateful Eight, Hateful Eight uh, Extended Edition. Um, I, yeah. What pisses me off is I recently had watched just the regular Hateful Eight like three weeks ago on Netflix, not realizing that the Extended Edition <laughs> was on there. Um, so I'm going to let some more time pass before I revisit it, and then I will watch the Extended Edition. But mm. um, it sounds is, – is he is – he, possibly going back into the editing room to not do something like this and just get it out right the first time? Yeah, I I, I could see that. Hateful Eight was such a long movie already, right? And I don't think it's a little bit the same. I don't think it's that big of a movie going on here. I mean, I could be wrong. So, I mean, Tarantino does, does do some freaking long movies yeah i'm not sure i i actually tupperware this trailer though i i really loved it um i know neil calls it a period piece and and he's not wrong about that but just something about it feels more back to kind of the tarantino wheelhouse to me than maybe the last three or four tarantino movies you know with your inglorious bastards and your hateful eight and your django unchained and so i don't know i got really excited for that kind of old tarantino flavor again yeah, someone who saw the film said this is the closest to Pulp Fiction that he's done since 94. Yeah, it felt wow. that. And when Brian was describing it, it honestly got me more excited because, like, how he just said, 
you know, it's just kind of interconnected stories. And to me, that's kind of the classic Tarantino where it's just scenarios and scenes that aren't really driven by like a big time story plot or a mulligan. But it's just kind of day in the life, awkward, ironic scenarios going on that all kind of yeah, cross over with each other. Yeah, just a lot of yeah, intertwining stories and it all makes sense in the end somehow. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm super pumped Somehow. for this. I, I was kind of blown away by this trailer, the music, the presentation, and just, I don't know, this is the first time in probably over like a decade that I really felt like, oh my God, it's a brand new Tarantino movie. So I was blown away. I'll be honest with you, I've only not enjoyed one Tarantino movie, uh, and that was Inglorious Bastards. Um, Whoa. <clears throat> yeah, I'm uh, sorry, I didn't like it. <laughs> saw it. Saw it in the theater opening night. Uh, I, it's just not, I, have that's. You, have you ever revisited? No, I haven't. It's it's one of those things where um World War Two movies, um I for me I like them very historically accurate. This just felt like it I just didn't feel right for Quentin it just his his kinda like directorial style just didn't fit for that era for me. Mm, um gotcha. you just didn't buy the actual seriousness of it with yeah. the Tarantino stuff going on. Yeah. So I'll I will revisit it one day. It's not like I won't. Uh I, and maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll I'll watch it again and I'll absolutely love it. Um but uh you know cuz I'm a, I'm a huge fan love Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill. I I love everything that he uh, Jackie Brown. I love Jackie Brown. Um in, yeah. Hateful Eight and Glory uh not Inglorious Bastards. Um everything Django. he's ever done. Django. I love Django. <clears throat> But, yeah, um, I'm in the same camp, Ryan. It's I, I've loved the last three or four movies, um, but it, I just never really felt the hype for them before seeing them. You know, eventually I see them and I'm like, wow, that was that was really great. But I don't know for some reason this movie really has me Tarantino movie hyped again for the first time in a long time. Mm, yeah, um, I, I'm 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 also going to Tupperware this trailer. I thought it was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think that. Uh, I want to see the dynamic between DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's character in this. I. I it's it's one of those things where you've got it's crazy because you've got Leonardo DiCaprio playing like this big time movie star and his career is on the downward slide and you know I it'll be interesting to see how I want to see how the the relationship between him and his stunt double is I want to see if it's like at first you know I don't know I'm guessing maybe Leonardo DiCaprio kind of like looks down on him because he's the big star and um and I want to see how I want to see that dynamic but like as Leonardo DiCaprio's kind of uh, slide as a movie star because he's he's a leading action man and what happens to leading men leading action men as they get older typically in Hollywood is Hollywood then starts casting the older actors as villains and he starts to see that happen here and so he's mm. like man I'm not that young and up and coming actor anymore now they're casting me in like the villain roles that I used to kind of maybe scoff at you know when I was like the you know the young buck and shit and here he is having to take a, a back seat to like these new upcoming action stars and and I want to see like how Brad Pitt's character kind of like handles it I think it's still like the same for him nothing's changed for him he's still just his action double and uh, is he going to be like that guy that Leonardo DiCaprio can kind of like lean on here and uh, maybe he hasn't always gotten the best treatment from Leonardo DiCaprio's character of uh, Rick Dalton in this. So I, I, maybe I'm guessing, I don't know, but that's kind of like what I'm getting from it. Now, I got a lot of that too, Brian, and I'm a little bit turned around by your kind of announcement that it, it's all going to be just in three days because I got a lot of that like 
I'm at the peak of my career and now I'm too old to be at the peak of my career vibe too, which made me kind of feel like we were going to get a little bit of a career retrospective of this character. Hmm. But it does seem like the way you're describing it, it's going to be all of this encompassed into just these three days. Yeah, I think he's going to be kind of living and reeling off of like his past successes. And we'll probably see scenes from those older movies because he's probably pretty vain and narcissistic and watches them constantly. Um, That's a classic Tarantino move, too, to have, like, the movie within a movie or yes. the TV show within a TV show. Now, mm. somebody's shifting, and it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I heard it that time, too. <laughs> um, sorry. Ain't me. It's like candy bar wrapper is what it sounded <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, it is. It's totally... <laughs> is this the uh, Is this the first movie that DiCaprio and Brad Pitt have been in together? No. It's not. They huh? were in... Weren't they in the Scorsese film? Uh, I, no. They, they, I, I swear they've been in something before. Uh, we got to pause. I've been trying to think of like what else I've seen them together in. I, I can't think of anything off, no. off, off the top of my head. Oh, God. It, the Audition, 2015. The what? Um, I just Googled The Audition, 2015. Have you guys even heard of that? No. 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 Yeah, they're is both it, in that. Is it, is it? Did it come out in 2015, or is that part of the title, Tristan? The edition <laughs> which came came out in 2015. It was a short <laughs> film by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, so, I found an article, and the headline is: "If you want to get technical, this isn't Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's first movie together." So you know, it sounds like it was just a small I think indie thing. Yeah, I think they're just two actors who we assumed have worked together, and we hadn't seen them before. Yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys notice in the trailer the the scene of him, you know, dressed as a as a Nazi with the eye patch, like the Nick Fury eye patch mm-hmm. on? Do you think that that is tying into and Tarantino does this in his other movies, um, Glorious Bastards? Inglorious Bastards. Do you think that that's yeah. tying into that? So when I immediately saw that, I thought he was reenacting that scene from Inglorious Bastards. Like they did a movie version. Yeah. Because in their reality, Inglorious Bastards actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. I, it, the, and we know that Tarantino does this kind of stuff with this movie. Yeah. With the Vega brothers. Like the Vega brothers, Vincent yeah. Vega, and then, uh, um, and then in, uh, Reservoir Dogs, his other brother. What was his name? I can't remember. Mr. It was Mr. Pink. Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blonde. Buscemi, right? Yeah. He was, that was Buscemi. And wasn't Tarantino Mr. Was Mr. Blonde? Was uh, was Tarantino Mr. Brown? Yes, he was. Mr. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Shit, love it. <laughs> um, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, Tarantino almost just in his trailers announces kind of all of his movies being in that same universe. He's always referencing you know the order of movies that are coming out, and so that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, in this movie, we've got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton. Uh, he's uh, an actor who starred in the television Western series Bounty Law from 1958 to 1963. Um, he is a neighbor of... Oh, he's the neighbor of Sharon Tate. Dalton is based on the late actor Burt Reynolds. That's kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, Brad, Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt plays Cliff Booth. A war veteran and Rick's longtime stunt double and best friend. He is based on a on stuntman and filmmaker Hal Needham. Anybody familiar with Hal Needham? 
I cannot say that I am. I am not yeah. either. Um, hi, he he. How you doing? That's my cat, everybody. Uh, Margot Robbie, of course, is uh, playing Sharon Tate. Kurt Russell's in this movie. He plays Randy, a, st- a stunt coordinator. Uh, Timothy Oliphant as uh, James Stacy, an actor who co-starred on the TV Western Lancer. Uh, Dakota Fanning as Lynette Squeaky Fromm, and she plays a member of the Manson family. Uh, we've got uh, Luke Perry in his final oh, performance here. Uh, f- so happy for him that he got to star in a Tarantino film. You know, I mean, what a what a, that's that's kind of like an accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment. To was he in the trailer? He's yes. in the trailer. Yes. Yeah, he's oh, wearing kind of like a that. cowboy hat. Briefly. Yeah. He gets title carded in the trailer. He I does. Saw. He does. Yeah. So he gets title carded. Oh wow, that's cool. He's playing Wayne Maunder, uh, an actor who co-starred on the TV Western Lancer. Um, and then uh let's see here. We've got Al Pacino as uh Hollywood producer Rick Dalton's agent. Uh Damian Lewis is gonna be playing Steve McQueen. That'll be interesting. Um, I wonder how much screen time he'll get as I, that role. Oh man, I hope they have him driving up in one of those cars sports cars that steve mcqueen was like famous for i i you know just little details like that i think is what you know um tarantino's gonna get right like steve mcqueen did like his own stunts like this guy is like he was the tom cruise of his era you know um bruce dern is playing george spawn an 80 year old nearly blind man who rented his los angeles ranch out to be used as a location for westerns Manson convinced Spawn to allow him and his followers to live on the ranch in the months before they were murdered. Um, Emil Hirsch. Who is hiring Emil Hirsch these, these days? <laughs> I mean, that's a classic Tarantino move, it seems like. He always kind of goes to that well of people that you just haven't thought of for a while. He was, I mean, the last, I remember him in Lone Survivor, but I also remember, like, it was either before that or after that, he had a bunch of problems with with Hollywood, right? I mean, didn't he get into... He got into something. Something... I don't know. It, it felt like something bad was following him. He, he brought it on himself or something. So, yeah, I'm throwing facts out at you, people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a troubled history that I don't know exists or know nothing about. I, I do know... Yeah, there was something. I he's do. got a dark Hollywood past. Yeah. Um... He's going to be playing Jay Sebring, a Hollywood hairstylist and friend of Sharon Tate, who was murdered in Tate's home uh, by followers of Charles Manson. Scoot McNary uh, is going to be playing business. Scoot, <laughs> Scoot McNary! <laughs> Sorry, he he. All favorite. Scoot McNary. Going to be drinking Killians. Um, let's see here. <laughs> He's going to be playing uh, Business Bob Gilbert, a fictional cowboy character on Bounty Law. Uh, Damon Harriman as Charles Manson, and you mentioned that earlier, Neil. So I, I am, uh, I am psyched for this movie. I'm going to Tupperware that fucking trailer. Ninety million dollar budget here. I think a lot of that has to have gone to the cast. I mean, that cast is just stacked. I have some uh, Hirsch news. Oh, yeah. So, uh, on February 12, 2015, he was charged with aggravated assault after initiating an altercation with and then strangling Paramount Pictures executive Danielle Bernfeld. Mm. So, yeah, he, he strangled an executive in Hollywood. 
Wow. At a nightclub. Dude, I <laughs> told you. Hollywood fast. Yeah. yeah. I told you, man. I remember hearing about that story that he like, he had kind of like a Dustin Diamond moment or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dustin Diamond. Fucking Screech stabbed a man. Yeah, hard to get jobs after stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was struggling before that. Yeah. What was Doesn't it? help. Not what, good on the old resume. What's your favorite Emile Hirsch movie? <laughs> favorite Emile Hirsch movie? Girl Next Door. I don't, I don't think I have one. Jake, I thought you were going to say Speed Racer there for a moment. I have never seen Speed Racer. Oh, uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, no. I... I've always kind of wanted to, but never got around to it. It was fun. Mine is, uh, yeah, it's the, the conversation. When you ask the question, what's your favorite Emil Hirsch movie? That conversation usually doesn't last long. Um, no, no, <laughs> we're, we're the masterminders. That's what we are. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the disappointing sex of the, uh, movie talk world, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely. the quickie of the movie discussion world. <laughs> my uh, my favorite Emil Hirsch movie is uh, Into the Wild. Hmm. Oh, with uh, Renee Zwelliger is that? That the same That's, movie as a different. It's one way to pronounce her name. Uh, um, well, close <laughs> I'm giving you shit, Jake. <laughs> I love the way Jake pronounces his name sometimes. It's just like, I'd say 50% of the time I just let it slide. I just happen to call you out on that one. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> that, it's the one where uh, he plays the, the guy who is going to go out into Alaska and, like, survive um, out there. And he thinks he's he's a book. He's like a book nerd, and he's going to survive and, and camp out in Alaska and live off the land and, like, it's based on a true story. Guy goes out there and uh, fucking eats some poisonous berries and fucking dies. Spoilers for a true story. <laughs> Spoilers for an Emil Hirsch movie that came out like 15 fucking years ago that you never would have heard about had it not been for me, most of you. The one stars are going to start rolling in. Yeah, it's like there's the one guy out there that was like, I was gonna watch that on the Roku channel tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Amazon. <laughs> Man, so yeah, I guess I, we're all looking. For, I, I still think even Tristan, you're looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's Tarantino. I yeah. gotta see it. Absolutely. Did you see the kind? Did you sort of you know atypical filmmaker? Out there, you know, I'm always down to see something original. Yeah. You know, he's at least going to give you something original. Yeah, absolutely. Did, do you th- did you see the uh, controversy this week with the uh, with Margot Robbie? No. Uh, yeah, I did. What'd you think about that, Jake? I thought it was kind of overblown and ridiculous. I didn't think Tarantino, like all the headlines are like he snaps at this reporter. Hey, go, go ahead and he explain really this. this reporter. Explain the story was, if you want to. Yeah, I. I, I I have to paraphrase, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The the reporter asked a question, um, you know, w- seemed concerned that Margot Robbie didn't have very many speaking lines and if there was a reason to that. And it, it very much seemed like they were trying to maybe push an agenda that Tarantino was kind of anti-female in <laughs> movies or Kill Bill. Like that. Can I just say Kill Bill, everybody? Like, can we just... Oh, there's there's a bunch Kill of... Kill Bill, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown, yeah. Death Proof. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. It, and Tarantino, I forget what he exactly said, but it was, he was just like, I reject your 
hypotheses. Basically. Yeah. 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 And then Margot Robbie went on to speak for like almost a good three minutes flat about yeah. her experience after that. And you could kind of see the whole time Quentin was like, yeah, you're being nicer than I would be, but, yeah. but go for it. And he, he kind of nodded along to the stuff she said about it. And, you know, she, she said that it, as a performer, that it kind of made her have to do more work. And I, I do assume that that's the case, like to get your character across on screen without, you know, mountains of dialogue, you really have to, you know, do the body language and mm-hmm. put your facial expressions into that performance. And that's kind of what she touched on. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a very good answer. Yeah. I thought, I thought that whole thing was, was overblown. I saw a TMZ headline an hour before we went to record mm-hmm. that was saying Tarantino snaps again. And it was his, Zippo, and he's smoking a cigar on a beach, and the the article was like, he doesn't even care about the situation. He's just relaxing on this beach, smoking a cigar. Oh come on! What the oh, fuck? Yeah. You know, here's the <laughs> here's reaching. the here's the funny story, Jake. That same reporter that asked him that question also asked the 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 showrunner for Inhumans why Anson Mount as Black Bolt didn't talk the entire time. Ah. So <laughs> that's that's what that reporter does. They yeah. like they pay attention to whatever actor gets the least amount of dialogue, right. and then they complain about it. Henry Cavill in Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> She's got her question, you know. Groove. Specific to the Yeah, the, the, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds in Wolverine Origins. <laughs> 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 yeah, I just got that. <laughs> oh man! Why didn't he talk that much? What the hell? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, let's see here. So yeah, we're all looking forward to that. Um, I want to talk about uh, next thing. I want to talk about uh, Jake. I got a chance. I know you've already seen it, but I saw um, Anna Perner Pictures' new movie, Booksmart. Um, oh, nice! The uh, Olivia Wilde directed uh, movie about the uh, teen girls that are off to uh you know big time colleges and they've spent the last four years in high school kind of like uh not in not being very social but just like digging into the books that way they could get into good schools and uh they realize that uh everybody else in school is uh it's kind of like Molly the character of Molly is that, is it Beanie Feldstein is that who plays Molly um, yeah that's yeah. Her. It, it's like it's like she reminds me of uh, Reese Witherspoon's character in Election, the Matthew Broderick film, and and it feels like the school to her is just like full of like Stiflers and Spicolis, you know, and like but they're all going to the same colleges that uh, that they worked hard to get into, but yet they had fun throughout high school, and they're just realizing this on the last day of school and so like the last night of school they're gonna go to this big party and uh, kind of prove to everybody that they can uh, hang and have a good time um i uh at first i was like ah this movie's okay and then this mo- this movie just kind of like uh did this switch man where you, you the two girls kind of like have a heart to heart and then from that moment on uh it was just laugh out loud funny and just beautiful moments and hilarious. I, I loved this movie. I give it a Tupperware. I, I think the soundtrack's amazing. Um, I loved Beanie Feldstein and, and Lady Bird. I, and um, after this performance, I think that she is on a trajectory of winning an Oscar one day. I think she's that mm. good. Um, yeah. I, I really do. Did anybody else uh, besides Jake I, see this? I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. So, too. yeah. 
Yeah, I got a second Beanie Feldstein. Um, she seems like you're going to see her for a long time because she's very young and extremely talented. And I think I, I noticed her first on Lady Bird a yeah. couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she really st- stood out here amongst the cast. And the whole cast is strong. Um, there's some really cool cameos. Um, like Saturday Night Live alum, was it like Jason Sudeikis yeah. and Will Forte and a couple of others? Um, but yeah, she was the person that I remembered the most coming out of that film. And um, one thing I got to say about Booksmart is the teen movie, it's very different than the teen movie I would have grown up with because um, it had that same kind of theme like, we got to do something before we graduate type thing, right? But, like, Mm -hmm. the look of the film and the fabric of the film was so modern and it was so foreign to what we're used to in the 80s. You know, like, like a lot of the characters are LGBT kids and they blend right in with everyone. It's not an issue or a topic of discussion, you know. Um, Like, the smart student stereotype doesn't play anymore, you know, where you have the nerds and the jocks. It's like the smart kids look like the jocks and the jocks are the smart kids. And, you know, it was, it was much more modern take, much, much more modern, realistic take on how kids interact today. And, um, one thing I also noticed was, uh, um, you know, when I would grow up, I would notice that, you know, there were kids who would get drunk and party and all kinds of stuff and they had good grades. It's like, you didn't have to be a jock or a nerd, you know, there could be a blend there um you look at people like elon musk he's successful and brilliant but he smokes a lot of weed you know you don't have to be like straight edge to be a a smart kid um i think a theme of this movie was balance uh you saw a lot of you know a lot of reference into uh those girls getting the job done but also being able to have fun at the same time um i thought it was beautifully shot olivia watt i didn't even know she directed it until Mm -hmm. the, the title came up at the end i was really impressed because this movie's like beautifully shot. Um, I'm gonna say the pool scene. That was oh, that was yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I'm gonna give it a um, a Tupperware. Yeah, yeah, nice. Neil, I know you saw this as well. I did. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 a lot of what Tristan said. Uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut is it's beautiful. I mean. A lot of the stylistic choices with with the with the individual shots, like the whole doll scene, I thought was super fun. Oh, yeah. um, then the, when they first got to Nick's party with the like musical interlude between Molly and Nick, I thought that was super fun. Um, I really want to highlight uh, Caitlin Deaver, who played Amy as well. She was also on Justified. Um, she played. She was a young child at the time. And she was excellent on that show, and I, I thought she was really, really good as Amy in this one. And the overall cast was phenomenal. Uh, a lot of them were really annoying at first, but then once you kind of figured out their quirks and just the the genuine heart that they all brought, really, really made them work. And, and I thought that it was it was a super fun element. And the the score and the soundtrack were phenomenal. And really helped move the movie along, and helped um, underscore a lot of the emotional beats in the movie. And I, I, I will Tupperware the fuck out of this movie as well. Yeah, yeah, such, I, yeah, Jake. It's a it's a Tupperware party for uh, for Booksmart. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, it was just such a fantastic movie, and yeah, 
and everyone brings up great points. It's almost easy to gloss over what a great like directorial job it is just because the movie is kind of so engrossing with the story and the jokes, you know, by the second half and everything mm-hmm. that, yeah, there is just a lot of wonderful cinematography and direction in this movie too, which you don't normally think of when you think of like this genre of movie, right? I mean, you, everyone loves Ferris Bueller, but you don't, you know, necessarily think about the cinematography and the direction, you know? No. Right. Yeah. Olivia yeah. Wilde I mean, this did a story has been done over and over again, but it still felt kind of fresh. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a, we're getting a little robotic for some of you. Guys. I am noticing that too. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, uh, we'll come back and we'll have, uh, less of a Westworld theme going on. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to take a minute real quick to mention our sponsors for this week over at Impact 3 Comics. They're a new independent publisher, and they're releasing their first comic, Neon Future. It's actually out now. It came out March 20th. This comic is a collaboration with world-famous DJ producer Steve Aoki, and it's written by the Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger. This is a science fiction comic book you do not want to miss. It's got artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. The artwork and the story are absolutely mind-blowing. You've got a world in the grips of an economic crisis due to mass unemployment advanced technology has been outlawed the world is now divided between those implanted with technology and those without when the world's most famous anti-tech crusader dies and is resurrected using the illegal technology he has sworn to eliminate he must decide who to fight with his terrifying new powers i'm telling you this is an amazing comic and the coolest thing about it is you can actually read the first issue for free all you need to do is follow at it comics on instagram Instagram, and then follow the link and they will send you a free comic, a digital issue of this comic. And it is incredible. The world building in this is absolutely amazing. I love this book. Please put this comic book on your poll list at your local comic book shop um, and uh, start reading Neon Future. Impact Theory Comics came out with like guns blazing with this book. It is absolutely fantastic. So please check out Neon Future from Impact Theory Comics. All right, back to the show. All right. Hey, we are back. We've got more good pop, bad pop coming straight at you. <laughs> <laughs> From the PTO morning, too. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody else watch The Brawler on Netflix? I tried. <laughs> I got about halfway through. Yeah, I uh, I finished this one. It's based on the true events behind Rocky. Uh, local boxer Chuck Wepner was uh, remember Judge Wapner? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. People's Court. People's Court. People's Court. That do Don't you wish like when somebody was about to do something nefarious when they walked in a room that music would play? <laughs> you just knew something was gonna go down. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that was a good beat. I remember Beastie Boys had a song that kind of used it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good song. You know, that, I, whenever I hear that music, though, like if something bad was about to go down, I'd be a little scared of the People's Court music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're in a convenience store and like, you know, a couple shady characters walk in. The do 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 Oh no. The do 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 You know? Oh, no. Yeah, that might be a good idea. It's just like a precautionary measure to alert people. Yeah. 
Uh, would that be awesome? Like if that was the emergency broadcast system sound instead of playing like the <laughs> loud beep. I actually am a bigger fan of that than the loud beep. <laughs> no, I want to hear. Click click clack. Let's see here. Um, Chuck Wepner was slinging liquor in Bayonne, New Jersey when he got the call. Chuck was going to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, Muhammad Ali. Chuck trained hard, pushing himself to the limit so he could go toe-to-toe with the greatest fighter of all time. His heroic battle with Ali was only the beginning of a wild ride that takes Chuck from the lows of New Jersey to highs of Hollywood. Uh, it stars a uh, bunch of has-beens here. Uh, we got uh, Zach McGowan uh, as Chuck Wepner, Amy Smart as Linda Webner. She, uh, Amy Smart, she was, uh, was she, she was in, uh, I'm trying to think of all the shit she was in. She was in Butterfly Effect. Butterfly Effect. Was she in Butterfly Effect? Yeah. Are you, she, oh yeah, she was in Butterfly Effect. Um, she was Beautiful in, uh, girl. and she was in Starship Troopers. She played the young recruit. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe Pantaleano was, uh, from the Goonies, and, huh. uh, he's in this one, and he was also in the Matrix movies. Uh, Taryn Manning, um, she played Phyllis Wepner's first wife. Was it, let me ask you this, Chris. Tristan? Was she drunk the entire movie? I think she's drunk in every movie, though. Is that just right? Taryn Manning? Is that- <laughs> yeah, I think it's just Taryn Manning. She's always like the prostitute or like the girlfriend, the, lo- the lower class g- girlfriend, and you know who has the substance abuse issues or something. You know, I thought that was just her. Yeah, but I felt like. They would have like, I speak to that little slur in her, in her voice a little bit? Yeah, but like, that wasn't even her character in this. She was just the wife of the boxer, and like, she's, but she's coming yeah. off like, she's coming off like she's a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just her. I think this is just Tara Manning. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, Burt yeah. Young, Burt Young, uh, who played, uh, Polly in the, uh, Rocky movies. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Though. Had him in That here. was probably the only thing I enjoyed seeing in this movie. Dude, I, this movie was, like, I enjoyed, uh, the uh, Chuck movie with Leif Shriver. That's a superior movie about Chuck Wepner. And that has Elizabeth Moss, Ron Perlman, Naomi Watts, Jim Gaffigan. That is a, a good movie about the life of uh, Chuck Wepner. This is not it. The The guy that played... Uh, the guy the guy that played uh, Muhammad Ali. Wow. Zero charisma. Oh, he was the worst Ali I've ever seen in my life. He didn't even have a real afro. It was like a fake afro. At least grow up for O for the part, bro. Dude. <laughs> it was bad. It was so like This guy just got hired like a couple days before the shoot. Like he didn't have any of the Muhammad Ali, you know, characteristics down or anything. It yeah. just seemed like he was just thrown into the role. And, and that fight was so boring. Oh, God. It, this this did was you, terrible. Did you, did you notice the fight scenes? It was like 50% just audience reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's was a cheap way to do it. The, 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 you know, you watch a Rocky movie and the fighting choreography is pretty good. Like every once in a while, you'll notice like that punch didn't land. Like that was like three feet away from the guy's face and he's reacting. But this was yeah. just terrible. And uh, I it felt like a skin of Max movie or something. Yeah, right? yeah it did. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. And the, the the actor that played Sylvester Stallone was the worst. I don't think I got to that guy yet. Oh my god! I, I, I stopped halfway through. He looks like like he's supposed to be like Stallone back in the day, like in the you know seventies and eighties. But he still he just looked like Stallone now. It was so bad. 
<laughs> uh, I, I'm going to toss this movie. It's 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 atrocious. This is like if you want a uh, good boxing movie that uh, gives you the uh, the the guy who actually was the inspiration for the character of Rocky, uh, Chuck Wepner. Watch the movie Chuck. That is, it's it's a movie that uh, Rebecca Daling actually sent to me, and uh, I watched that movie. It stars Leif Schreiber. Um, you'll remember him as uh, wow, that was loud. All I did was barely knock my table. Wow, excuse me, table. Excuse the fuck out of me right now. Um, but um, Leif Schreiber, he played Sabretooth in that uh, Wolverine. What was that Wolverine Origins movie? That was the first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wolverine's Origins. Yeah. What's that? What's the? Sh- does he? Is, doesn't he do a Showtime show as well? Yeah, he's on. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good show too. What is it called? Uh, ah, I can't remember. Ray, uh, Ray, Ray Donovan. Donovan. Ray Donovan. Ray yeah. Donovan. We are on top of our game tonight, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're slowing the Google draw. <laughs> we we are the equivalent of the uh, the brawler. There are much better Chuck Wepner podcasts out there. Go find them. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Did everybody did, did who did who didn't watch Brightburn? I did not. Everybody else watched Brightburn? I did. Yes. All right, let's talk about Brightburn. Uh what if a child yeah. from another world crash landed on Earth, but instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister? Uh, so basically the story is uh, telling the story of what if Superman was evil? Um and uh and it's directed by uh, David Yaravesky, and uh, he's worked with James Gunn on the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and uh, James Gunn was a producer on this one. This was actually the movie that they were, I believe they were going to announce or show a trailer for last year at San Diego Comic-Con before the whole James Gunn Disney controversy, and then Sony pulled that from their, uh, you know, their San Diego Comic-Con lineup. Uh, this one stars Elizabeth Banks as uh, Tori Breyer, David Denman as Kyle Breyer, who... When I was watching David Denman in this movie, I kept listening to his voice and thinking, man, he sounds familiar. He sounds exactly like Ben Affleck when he talks. Really? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. You'll, uh, next time you, you watch uh, David Denman, the next David Denman project that you watch, um, <laughs> he sounds he's, <laughs> which which we're all going out in droves to watch David Denman. Um, he sounds just like Ben Affleck. Uh, and then the child actor uh, who played uh, the little Brightburn Superman evil baby boy was Jackson A. Dunn. And um, I'm going to start off and just kind of like talk about this and then I want to get your thoughts. But um, – I uh, I felt this movie was good. It was not great. Uh, it, the the length was fine, it, an hour thirty one minutes, but even at that, it still dragged in certain parts. Um, it does this weird way of setting things up in the movie. Uh, you've got the dad talking about uh, you know this kid crash lands on this planet and uh, it's kind of like the Superman story. If you're familiar, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know anything about Superman. What the fuck? Um, but, <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah, the mom and the dad want to have a baby, can't have a baby, and then uh, fucking a baby crash lands in a little spacecraft and they raise the little alien baby as their own. And then the the kid starts getting older, starts having feelings down in the uh, genitalia area for for the ladies, for the girls. And, um, yeah, I just said that. It's a part of life, people. Don't laugh. Don't giggle. This isn't... You're not fucking kids. All right? It happens. Boys go through puberty. 
they start having uh, a lot of things going on down there. Uh, you know, start to grow hair in places you didn't have hair before. And uh, that's what happens to a little little Brandon Breyer here. So the dad has the talk about the uh, birds and the bees. And he immediately, after that talk, he immediately starts to stalk this girl. And, um, which was, it was weird. It was just weird. And then he's laughed at and bullied at school. And, uh, and it doesn't really go too far into that whole story because then it just turns into him versus family members and I, I yeah that's that's the thing that that confused me too because you thought the kids were going to be his his driving yeah. point to insanity yeah it was and then like I, none of those kids get killed except the one girl that cared about well i think they didn't want to like show a child going around killing kids yeah. at school in this day and age when yeah. you've got a lot of that kind of stuff going on but like why even set that up like you know because you know they 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 focus on his crush and uh um and then then the i, I get it like it, i guess the mother of the girl is involved his crush and but yeah. after that it's all about the family and and this movie wasn't as scary as i wanted it to be and uh and uh, i felt like the 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 child actor was okay but i was looking i was hoping to get more of kind of like a uh Macaulay Culkin, the good son type performance. Oh, oh yeah, out of this mm-hmm. kid here, and it didn't hit for me. Um, if you want to see a uh, a movie where it's kind of like uh, somebody gets powers and uh, the downward spiral of uh, Cross- watch Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah, that's it. Chronicle. Watch Chronicle. This mm-hmm. is you know the Josh Trank Chronicle. Uh, do not. I don't know. I guess see this if you want to. This is a good one to watch on HBO or Redbox or something like that. It's a taste it for me. It's not the movie I thought I was going to go see. I, I really thought this was going to be a Tupperware. I was really looking forward to this one. And uh, it kind of let me down, I'll be honest with you. It's nothing I will ever watch again. It's a taste. It has some cool concepts, but it doesn't deliver on the concepts in the way that I was really hoping to it, that it would. Um, Tristan, what did you think about this one? You know, I'm kind of along the same lines as you, Brian. I think I liked it a little bit more. It's a taste it for me. Um, Maybe a mid-level inching up to a high-tasted, but not a high-tasted. Um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. Um, I liked the kid. I liked the lead in it. I thought he was creepy as fuck. Um, his face just kind of conveyed disturbance and anger and confusion and instability. Um, he, I found him to be a little creepy and terrifying at times. It wasn't overall like a movie that made me want to sleep with the lights on or anything like that. No, nothing by far. Um, but I did like the fact that they took, you know, a, a familiar origin story and flipped that and turned that into a horror film. I could see how they got away with the copyright issues because it, there's nothing, there's no blatant ripoffs there. It's just all subtlety that kind of makes you remember the whole Smallville thing. You know, so there's nothing blatant, um, uh, violated as, as far as, uh, you know, copyright concerns. Um, I thought it was cool the alliteration on the characters' names. Like, you know, you have Clark Kent. This guy's what Brandon Bryan or something like that. Brandon Breyer. So, what's that? Brandon Breyer, like the ice. Breyer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon Breyer, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, those are little cute little Easter eggs. There's a time when, you know, he walks with his blanket and it looks like a Superman cape. You know, those are kind of cool. Um, yeah, but I liked it overall. You know, it's something you don't have to rush out to theaters to see, though. Yeah, what'd you, Neil, what did you think about Brightburn? I actually really enjoyed this movie. Um, 
I had a really good time watching it. I, I did think it was super tropey with a lot of the horror and the superhero stuff that they did with it, but I, I thought it was a nice and uh, interesting thought exercise about what could happen if an alien crash landed on our planet with superpowers that wasn't a good guy. Um, I, I thought that the gore was 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 timely and it was fun, like the whole jaw thing in the car. I thought that was amazing. There were some other moments of gore that were really really good. The the eye, the glass and the eye thing made me cringe because I have an eye issue. And overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I, I would give it a high taste. It. I don't mm. think it's a great movie by any means, but yeah. it was super fun. And the theater experience with all the people uh, reacting to it at the same time really accentuated how much I, I enjoyed it. Mm. So, I, yeah, I, I'll give it a high taste. It. See, I guess, I guess for me, Neil, it was... Uh, I guess I just wanted like these things to happen organically. I felt like... Mm-hmm. His turn was kind of set up through other elements that are introduced into this movie, and it, and would it would it have been a distasteful decision just for this kid to get bullied and start to be this way as opposed to what we got in this movie? Would, would that have been more of a controversy? Well, I don't know if it'd be a controversy. I think it definitely would have been more organic and would have worked better uh, than what happened. But I. I, I yeah, I don't know if, it, if the controversial aspects of that would have translated properly, or, or I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I can see where where you're coming from with that. For yeah, sure. I just feel like the turn was like not in his control at all, and so it's like that did not interest me at all. Yeah, the the whole alien controlling him, the ship controlling him thing was kind of weird and felt kind of hokey, but I. I I just accepted it, and I think that helped my enjoyment of it. It was like, ah, fuck it, we're going this way. (laughs) Sounds like it's more of a cautionary tale than a character study from the way you guys are describing it. Yeah. 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 uh, It's nothing I'll ever watch again, I don't think. Tristan, is this something that you would watch again? I don't know. I mean, it's fine if it is. I mean... Um... I don't really care to see it again, and I don't care to see, you know, any sequels or anything like that, but I didn't hate it. Like, I enjoyed my time there. Yeah. I didn't want my money back or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. It was A-list. I didn't pay for it anyway. But, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Brightburn, I, I'm i not telling people not to check it out. Um but for me, I think it's, I don't think it's definitely, Neil, it sounds like you had a good theater experience. I don't know. I, it, for me, it was just a standard, regular theater experience for me. It sounds like you really had an interactive crowd. I did. I did. And I think that really helped me, um, like it more because there were people in the back row who are loud and somewhat obnoxious, but they, they reacted in all the right spots. And I, I think that really helped my theater going experience I, I will never watch this again I do not want them to make the sequels that they're clearly setting up um, but I, I had a really good time with it I, th- I think it's worth worth a watch and if you, it, it's not a great movie but it's, it's a fun well made movie alright agreed 
Yeah, it's fine. I, I thought it was. I thought. It, I mean, there's there's things that I took out of the movie that I that I liked and and um, some cool stuff and some cool imagery. Um, it's. I'm glad it was made. You know, so yeah. uh, I don't hate it. Uh, Jake, what do you got this week? Uh, a real quick impromptu good pop bad pop. I uh, I bought some of the Dr Pepper. Far from home limited edition dark berry flavor today, and mm. I'm actually just trying it for the first time now, and it is fucking awful. So, <laughs> speaking of cautionary tales, avoid the uh, far from home Dr Pepper. Holy shit! Do they have it? Gross. In, do they have it in diet? Because I haven't seen it in diet. I didn't even know it was a thing yet until seeing it at the store today. Yeah. So I don't know about the diet or not. I mean, it tastes like carbonated cough syrup basically oh some like some fucking like uh nyquil or something yeah it's foul i don't even taste mm. like a dr paper pepper flavor in it at all it i was a little bit i took a drink right before you threw to me and i was like holy shit mm. <laughs> carbonated dimatap thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh dimatap damn I haven't thought of that forever. I know. Classic 90s reference. I know. I'm pulling that shit out tonight. It's one of those nights, Jake. Um. Yeah, but I I wanted to talk about the Netflix comedy special on the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. Um, Any of you guys get a chance to see this? Yeah, I watched about the first 15 minutes of this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw enough to know what's up then. Um, yeah, this was announced as a Lonely Island special that was going to hit Netflix at midnight on Wednesday. It kind of came out of nowhere. They just started tweeting about it. So it actually got me really excited. I'm a huge fan of these guys. And, you know, I kind of let speculation r- run wild. I didn't know what we were going to get here. I thought maybe this was where we were going to finally see, you know, the fry festival movie that they did with seth rogan or just you know maybe another video or just who knows and what they did give us was a uh, half an hour special that's what if jose canseco and mark mcguire made a rap album in the mid 80s while they were on the oakland A's together and um i was absolutely blown away by this um right off the bat this is a tupperware to me i don't think this is going to be to everyone's taste because it's completely ridiculous but uh, this is just so funny to me and it's very much kind of stylized off of beyonce's lemonade even like with the way they rolled it out like with the secret announcement with it being a 30 minute music video basically even a couple of songs you can kind of tell have a little bit of like self or a little bit of parody going on from that album and i I thought that aspect was brilliant and just they're just going all out there with making fun of jose and mark and all the steroid alleged steroids steroid (laughs) use and you know their lifestyles and it's just completely ridiculous um i love that it tries to be a period piece and throw out all these obnoxious 80s references but is constantly like failing being a period piece by having characters do things like Siri search what words mean and just other obnoxious modern day things happening, even though every other aspect is obnoxiously trying to be an 80s period piece. I thought that was a really funny, self-aware part, comedy part going on here. Yeah, I, I just absolutely love this. I've watched it twice now. The soundtrack is on Spotify and I've played it a few times because it just cracks me up. Um, I love that. Jose Canseco himself has tweeted about this and seemingly loves it. The Oakland A's themselves have embraced this and 
people are tweeting that they're actually playing songs from this on the Jumbotron during games. The official team account itself was posting the players doing the bash at the dugout <laughs> using the hashtag and everything. And the fact that it's, it's so inflammatory and like the official team is just so embracing of it just really cracks me up. I really enjoy that they have such a good sense of humor with this. And man, I have, this just came out of nowhere and I, this is not what I was expecting from these guys, but I honestly think it's one of the most brilliant things they've ever done. Hmm. I, Got ten minutes in, and I was like, "Man, um, I don't. I, I I love like uh, Dick in a Box, and you know, uh, what is it? Threw it on the ground or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? I just felt like, yeah, oh, yeah. There's stuff like the new car smell has worn off for me, and and um, I got ten minutes in. I was like, okay, I get it. I and then I and then then I was like, I'll get back to it. And I watched another five minutes, and I'm like, okay. Maybe I'll try to finish this later. I just, for me, it just did not work. I, I thought like some of the stuff is funny, but, um, you know, I, I did appreciate, I think that they're brilliant with lyrics, like making stuff rhyme and, and, um, but, and I did, I, the, the, the bench pressing women thing was pretty fucking hilarious. That was, that was pretty yeah. funny. I, I, you know, I, I do see the humor. I do, I do see where they're coming from, but like, 30 minutes of back to back to back to back of this stuff is like not for me. It just didn't work for me. I, I, um, I'll get, I'll finish the whole thing and then I'll probably never think about it again. So I, I get, I think it's one of those things like either you get it and you love it or you don't and you just don't, you know, and I'm just one of those people that I think like, uh, the lonely island and that kind of, that style of music and that humor is just kind of like run its course with me. You know, it's like, uh, like diarrhea. Yeah, I, Sorry. I get it. And this is definitely, it's definitely their music and mostly their music. Like it's, it's 30 minutes on Netflix and the Spotify album is 27 minutes. So there's <laughs> only three minutes of material. That's not the actual music that you see in the special. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is very much a visual lonely Island album. Yeah. No, I get I, like so, comedy subjective, and I, and I totally get mm-hmm. that, and like I understand why you love it, and I mean I do see some of the brilliance, the flashes of brilliance, and and I do see that these guys are talented. I mean they're talented musically, they're talented writing lyrics. Um, it's just like, I mean I loved uh, you know that throw it on the ground and dig in a box and stuff like that, and I don't know it just after that it just kind of like the whole the whole uh, gimmick kind of didn't capture me as much and so yeah i i don't know i I'll, I'll give it a low taste it but i do see like what they're doing here and i do appreciate it and i think it's funny and i, I love that uh it's kind of blowing up and jose canseco's all in it he wrote a fucking book about doing the steroids and stuff <laughs> yeah, wasn't they, it called like juiced up or something like yeah, that yeah something, yeah and so like they uh, he outed everybody in baseball i think he like named names and stuff like that and so people hated him for the longest time so Oh, yeah, like the hardcore baseball fanatics just hate his fucking guts. I was telling, like, you know, people in their 50s at work about this special today, and they were just disgusted that this was the source of comedy material. They're baseball (laughs) heroes, and I just couldn't wait to tell them more about it. (laughs) I'm actually uh, really excited to watch this. Uh, The A's are one of my local teams, and they they seem to genuinely have a pretty good sense of humor about stuff. Um, I mean, they reside in Oakland so they have to um, 
but then I, I did also see uh, a clip, the, uh, the 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 snippet of the song that Maya Rudolph and Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine Nine do. Looked, yes. it was fucking hilarious. So I, I do, I do really want to see this, and I'm going to do. The that. Hame sisters are in that scene with them as well, right? Yeah, it, it, it was just fantastic. I mean, I've never wanted a sports jersey more in my life than wanting an Oakland jersey after seeing this special a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this I, this just came out of left field for me, um, pun intended, and then I absolutely loved it. All right, yeah, so uh, the unofficial, what is it called? Uh, Bash Brothers Experience. Oh, I what, what the fuck uh, did I do? I yeah, the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. Oh, okay. There, I was like unofficial. The the unofficial title of uh, whatever the fuck kind of show I'm trying to. I'm fucking up your whole segment here, Jake. I apologize. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. But yeah, I, you know, I, I can't wait till you see it, Neil, and hear what you think. You, know, if you, I don't know how familiar you are with the lemonade thing, but it really does have that like surreal out of this worldness feeling to all the ridiculousness going on too i mean with the narrator and everything and just cussed out in the woods and just really bizarre stuff going on it's pretty funny if you recognize the parody that's going on there as well with the obvious baseball stuff yeah i mean i i i remember the the actual stuff happening in real time because it was look big big time local news up here and I, I'm not a, as I'm not familiar with the lemonade video. I'm never been a big Beyonce fan or anything, so maybe I'll check that out too, just to see the comparison. Yeah, I I don't think that's necessary. Okay, <laughs> if you're not if you're not a fan, you probably lemonade isn't going to make you a fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I watched another Netflix thing. Um, Rim of the World. Did anybody else watch this? movie i watched it yeah i couldn't get through it tristan yeah i got through it but um yeah i'm gonna have to toss it and uh you know i know netflix is not always giving us the quality original movies but you know i gave this one a try and you know it held my attention for maybe about I want to say maybe about 15 minutes before I was done with it and I was texting scrolling on my phone. Let me explain. It's it's called Rim of the World. It's about uh, four misfit teenagers join forces to save the world when an alien invasion interrupts their summer camp. It's directed by Mick G, uh, the uh, Charlie's Angels uh, director. uh, He did uh, Charlie's Angels and then Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, all the greats all the greats <laughs> that might be the worst titled movie of all time <laughs> it's up there full throttle <laughs> oh god um, this movie doesn't know what the fuck it is is it Goonies is it Independence Day is it Meatballs is it Lord of the Rings like what the fuck this Tristan this movie I, I got through maybe half of it and I was just like you know what I don't get, fuck this movie. It's a toss it. This is absolute garbage. I'm sick of having to finish crap movies, uh, because of this fucking podcast that I do. I was, you know, I was like, I was, I went back and started watching, uh, episode five of, uh, season three of Nailed It. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Nicole Byer and, uh, this French guy make buttercream and, uh, watch that shit. And, uh, you know, watch these contestants fuck up different culinary creations. And 
so I was like, I was done with this. This was absolute garbage. It's just a fucking terrible movie. It was terrible, terrible. And um, I'm going to call them out for their stereotypical black characters they have in that movie. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, it's like they have like three black guys in the movie and every line of dialogue is like, Hey, brother man, give me a five on the black hand side. You know, all that <laughs> stupid, like, 1980s black dialogue. Like, where did this come from? Dude, you had the one guy, like, quoting Chris Tucker at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, one of the black kids goes up to an Asian kid and says, Hey, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like, how inventive is this writing? It was terrible. Yeah, Mick G. It was terrible. Mick G has become like the next Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, it was very much like freaking Transformers Two. Yeah, Transformers Two, and those characters <laughs> that we never saw again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I yeah. and I just didn't care about any of the characters. I mean, like I didn't care if they lived, died, anything. Not at all. Yeah, this should be titled Rim Job of the World because it was <laughs> fucking garbage. Yeah. Hey, actually, rim, saw- rim Jobs are better than this movie, you know? Yeah. I'd rather yeah and, and, and Netflix was uh, promoting this film pretty heavily, so you thought of, I thought it was going to be something. Oh, quality, you know why? The last time they had four misfit teenagers in a movie, we oh, saw right. in a series... They- we saw Stranger mm, Things. Yeah, they think everything's yeah, they gonna... Try, yeah, they're trying to get you on that. Yeah. It's fucking guy. Mick G, you're a fucking Mick joke. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I don't even know what he's done. Every time I hear his name at the movie, I groan. He's done some stinkers post Charlie's Angels. Not that those were Citizen Kane. Uh, he did, <laughs> uh, he did uh, We Are Marshall. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like that movie... Uh, it's uh, about a sports team. It's a good movie. All right, there you go. He did uh, Termina- Terminator Salvation, Jake. Oh yeah, I thought Terminator Salvation was pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I mean, everybody else hates it, but me and you. But it wasn't terrible. Oh, What'd you say, Neil? I like that movie. Uh, sorry, Neil piped up. I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the not best of the post Terminator Two Terminator movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Terminator. Uh, we got a uh, Terminator Dark Fate trailer uh, this week. Uh, we got a couple of days ago. Uh, they were teasing that we we're going to get the new trailer in 48 hours, and uh, they dropped the trailer for Terminator uh, Dark Fate. Um, I want to know your guys' thoughts on this one. We'll kind of talk about it. We don't have to break the whole thing down, but I, I do want to kind of talk about it. Um, Jake, what did you think about uh, Terminator Dark Fate? I, th- I thought it was a pretty decent trailer. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, it definitely felt the most like Terminator-y of all these Terminator sequels mm-hmm. that we've seen yeah. so far. Like it just being set out in such an open area and just the way the action sequences felt like it definitely gave me that Terminator vibe more than like all the convoluted kind of stuff they were throwing at us the last two or three movies. Um, I've seen a lot of internet hate about the special effects in this trailer. And I was a little bit confused by that. I, I they, they didn't blow me away. It wasn't like the first time I saw the Terminator 2 trailer by any means. But when I first saw this, I never thought, wow, those effects look terrible. And I'm seeing that response all over the place. So I don't know if I need new glasses or what. But I thought the special effects looked, looked fine. I mean, it, it looked pretty cool to me. Yeah, I taste it. And I'm definitely intrigued and still excited to see this. Okay. Tristan. Yeah. Gonna high taste the trailer as well. Um, you know, 
definitely gave you those vibes of uh, T2. And, you know, it was pretty cool to see Linda Hamill back. She looked pretty fierce and strong. You know, I, I don't know how much time has passed, but she doesn't look like she's aged much. And I'm sure she's going to be a, a great addition to the cast. And um, there's no mention of John Carter, John Connor, right? Uh, nothing yet. They basically, at the beginning of the trailer, there's a voiceover and, a, you know, we've got our new... Uh, uh, our new female lead, uh, our new yeah. chosen one, who's basically saying, like, my life was normal, and now everything's crazy, and she's the new chosen one. So we don't know what happened uh, to John Connor. Yeah, I'm going to speculate that he might pop up somewhere in the movie at the end, and they're just saving that. What if she may be dead? What if she's John's daughter? Yeah, something mm. like that. Mm. That's possible. Very possible. So because wait, did they ever specify? Okay, you know T two is your favorite movie, right, yes, Brian? Yes. So, so um, did they specify that John Connor was the person, the person that was going to stop it, or could it possibly be his offspring? They, I mean, it was always set up as John. It's oh, always okay. been set up as John. It's like the chosen one. But with time travel and things like that involved, things could Changes change. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, everybody thought after Terminator was over, like, you know, after Arnold, like, went down in the, in the, uh, molten metal that, uh, the molten steel that, like, it was over, but, like, people forget, like, his arm was actually cut off in that gear. And so there was a piece of the, of the future still left in the past. And, like, that's not even referenced, but, like, that's one of those things that, you know, that we still talk about. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it was always supposed to be John, but things, I mean, things, uh, the original Judgment Day was supposed to be in 1997, and because of like what they did in Terminator 2, it then got pushed back to in, in sometime in the future. And then we got that, what was it, um, Terminator 3, didn't that come out in like 2003 or something like that? So, right. And then they pushed, the Judgment Day got pushed, pushed back, so. Um, yeah, I love the villain in this uh, trailer and how, you know, his ability to kind of multiply. So it makes you think, you know, you cut off his hand or something. Does that turn into another Terminator? No, I, I think that it's... That would be scary. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that he, he's kind of like a... Uh, he's got like a dark twin. You know what I mean? Like it's him and then like the exoskeleton is like this black exoskeleton that like separates from him that's kind of like an extension of him mm. it's like a combination of the endoskeleton and uh, the T-1000 liquid yeah thing. yeah yeah Neil what do you think about uh, Dark Fate trailer I thought I, I did see some of the wonkiness with the CGI mm. when the uh, the black liquid metal stuff was kind of forming on that character but I'm going to Tupperware this trailer because of that Linda Hamilton moment getting out of the the truck with the fucking machine gun and the bazooka and god damn that gave me some serious chub it was it was a glorious fucking moment and uh, I am all in for this movie this this trailer did exactly what it was supposed to do which is get me pumped for the movie so I'm a Tupperware. Tupperware from Neil. I um, I've watched this trailer multiple, multiple times. Um, I am going to address something here real quick. I, I, I a lot of people are comparing it to Terminator Two. Like, oh, there's nothing ever seen in here that we didn't see in Terminator Two. And it hmm? sounds like those people love Terminator Two. Well, I just want to throw out to them that um, did you not realize that 
James Cameron took Terminator, the first movie, and just repackaged it as Terminator <laughs> 2, it's the same fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 are the same fucking movie. Watch it. Watch them back to back if you don't believe me. That you've got first off, you got a bad guy sent back into the past, and he's going to kill like the chosen one or somebody connected to the chosen one. The first movie goes to kill Sarah Connor because she's going to give birth to the chosen one, which is John Connor. The second movie, uh, the bad guy is sent back to kill John Connor. Um, also, in the first movie, a good guy is sent back to fight the bad guy. So Kyle Reese is sent back to fight the Terminator in the second film. Uh, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger sent back to kill the T-1000. Um, there's always these in both of those films terminator one and terminator two and even in the, i'm I, and, and you think about this trailer too and things you saw about saw in this trailer that you're comparing it to terminator two but in terminator one you have this these big action scenes where the bad guy is chasing them in a vehicle that always happens in a terminator movie um the good guy that's sent back or uh or the, or the good guy in the movie um is under psychiatric evaluation and it's uh, and they always show the good guy shown back on kind of like a tape, a black and white tape, yelling about the end of the world. In the first movie, Kyle Reese was taken under custody by the police, and Sarah Connor is watching the video playback of Kyle Reese talking about the future, talking about Judgment Day, talking about the Terminators, and he's screaming and he's talking about how they're all going to die and all this stuff. You watch Terminator 2? Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor, is doing the same thing while she's under psychiatric care. She's yelling. It's a black and white tape that they're watching. The, the, to, to the yeah, point it's where almost it's, like it's the, the, by the second one, it's like a, it's an effects thing. It's like now he has more money and he can. He, yes, the plot is so good. Right, he's not getting rid of that. He's keeping eighty five percent of that. He's just repackaged the same fucking movie with better special effects. It's like what Sam Raimi did with Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. It's Fuck the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Kyle Except Reese Cameron did a little better job actually making it a sequel. Sure, <laughs> sure, agreed. Um, both films, both of those films, T one, T two, end with a big battle with the robot in a factory. The first one ends in a factory. The second one ends in a factory. This movie, the trailer, shows McKenna Davis, not McKenna Davis, what's her name? Uh, Mackenzie Davis in a factory. <laughs> so if if that's what we're going to get here, if he's just going to, Tim Miller and James Cameron are just going to repackage those first two movies and give it to us again, I'm not going to complain because nobody seems to fucking notice that the first two movies are the exact same fucking thing. Um, that has not been the problem with the Terminator movies. It's been everything since. Uh, the music choice in this one, I was not a big fan of, of, of this trailer. But everything else that I saw in this trailer looked pretty damn good in my opinion. I And I'm mostly talking about Linda Hamilton showing up as, uh, I got some quotes here, but she shows up as what they're calling a Terminator hunter. And I'm mm. really looking forward to that. James Cameron had some really cool cl- quotes that he gave to the playlist. Not the playlist. The playlist had the article. He, I think he was talking to another news outlet or a, or a podcast or something about it. But um, I, uh, I did think that some of the special effects at the end of the trailer were a little kind of like 
They look unfinished. Yeah, they do look unfinished, and I wasn't impressed. Stick to the practical stuff. Stick with the practical stuff mixed in with the uh, with with the CGI. It just felt like at the end, it just felt like a lot of green screen growing on, and I, I didn't. I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but I, I think they'll clean it up before the movie actually comes out. I, this was a very preliminary trailer, mm-hmm. so it, it, they have they have time to dial it back in. I agree with you, Neil. I 100% agree with you. But I am going to um, I'm going to give Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor at Tupperware. I'm going to give the overall trailer itself, the presentation, a high taste. It. This movie could be a Tupperware at the end of the day. Uh, it's crazy for me to say that. I really hope that it is. I really hope that it is. Um, did, guys, that underwater shot where the two Terminators are fighting each other, was that Arnold under the water? Mm. Looked, I did not catch that. It looked like Arnold punching. It looked like Arnold punching Diego Luna under the water. Diego Luna, the new uh, the new Terminator, the new evil Terminator. It looked he's our Ghost Rider in uh, Agents of Shield. It looked like Arnold punching him underwater. Um, so, are you sure it's Diego Luna? Is it? I thought it was the other. I think Diego Luna is the guy from Star Wars, right? Yes. Oh, Diego well, Gabriel I, Luna. Gabriel is it? Yeah. Gabriel Luna. Yeah, I'm a I'm a lunatic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't keep my Luna straight. Yeah, Gabriel Luna was the guy that was in uh, lunacy. It's lunacy. Agents of Shield. Yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel Diego Luna. You're right. He was the guy from Rogue One. He's got a Disney Plus series coming out. I know. I thought that that was Gabriel. Nothing makes sense! (laughs) Wait, cats and dogs living together. You guys have to have a little bit of the same fear about this movie that I do. Like, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem like they're very good at keeping these Terminator movies close to the chest. The last couple of movies, and so yeah, they already really hope when we see this movie, we're seeing this movie, and it's not just been trailered out for us. They've already given they've given the fact away that Mackenzie Davis is a human in this trailer. Yeah. Like that's they, true. She like like she gets cut. We kind of see kind of like this uh, this underneath her skin. We kind of see like this. It's not metal, but it's 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 kind of like this. What would you, what would you even call that? Kind of like it's uh, kind of like uh, oh man, I don't even know how to explain what's what's underneath her skin. It's not. She's got some kind of like layer underneath her skin that's not flesh. It's it's something something different. Um, she's kind of like a cyborg. Endos- well, she's kind of like a cyborg or something. I mean, she's got electronic parts. And then Linda Hamilton says, like, oh, you're the closest to a human I've ever seen. And she says, I am human. And so, like, they gave that away. That was something that, like, when we talked about the CinemaCon footage and, uh, uh, you know, after the cinema, cinema con descriptions and how she fell and how they were picking her up and how she didn't get up immediately, Jake, I was like, Sounds like she could be a human with like cybernetic upgrades, and that seems to be the case yeah. here. Yeah, that, that's pretty neat. It, it is unfortunate that they kind of gave that away, but yeah. I mean, yeah. only like the really uber you know fans have clued into like what that actually means. You know, you you can't get that from just this trailer. That's for sure. Man, this is the the mm-hmm. first one that James Cameron's involved with since T two though. Isn't that it? is correct. 
That is correct. So I, I have a bunch of faith that he wants this particular aspect of the project to be really, really good. Um, but I also question. Good. I also question how much involvement he actually has when he's sitting here shooting thirteen avatars. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe the guy has some notes and says, "Here, just follow this." You know, but you know, I really hope he does have his his, his fingerprint on that. Well, and, and Tim Miller, who's the director of this, he did a great job with Deadpool. He's yeah. a VFX guy, so. I have a lot of faith in him as well for delivering a, a good good final product. I wanted to read this article here from the playlist. Uh, they were talking to James. No, they weren't talking. I keep saying that they were talking to James Cameron. It was somebody else talking to James Cameron in the playlist was, <laughs> was reporting it. I, I hate misquoting shit. I, I really mm-hmm. do. I don't want to take stuff away from uh, from this. They said, according to Cameron, Dark Fate is the closest thing we'll get to the action and spectacle of his first two films. And yes, it will be rated R. Uh, quote, I think tonally what makes this a direct sequel to T1 and T2 is as much about the tone as it is about the narrative. It's R-rated, it's grim, it's gritty, it's fast, it's intense, it's linear. The whole story takes place in 36 hours. It's not this kind of grandiose, complex story. It's just very focused on the characters. It's very now, it's very present, and it's just a fast, white-knuckle ride. Uh, the article goes on to say, sounds a lot like the previous films he references, which both threw audiences in with the characters and never let up the gas at any point. And before you know it, the film is over, and the characters have had the craziest day and a half ever. So if Dark Fate does something similar, at least it will feel like a true Terminator film. But Dark Fate isn't just going to feel like another sequel in the franchise. The film will also look pretty familiar as well. This is courtesy of not only Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is no stranger to uh, a bad Terminator sequel, but also returning star Linda Hamilton, who reprises her Sarah Connor role from the first two films. That's right. One of the biggest badasses in action movies is coming back to wipe out more cyborgs. Who is snapping something? What is going on? <laughs> who Who is snapping oh, that, something? That was shifting. What 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 are you what, what are you doing? He's got snap bracelets. I, I was thinking like what is it? What yeah, a snap bracelet? What are you what are you doing over there? I was slowly trying to take the cap off my water bottle. How, how, uh, how Just big? Just a mute button for a second. <laughs> hit the, hit, Jesus Christ! Hit the mute button. Just living up to the namesake. <laughs> it's like I, I'm oh, trying man. to get through this 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 article here, and I keep hearing click, click, click. <laughs> Rip it off like a band aid. Do it in one swift motion. It's over. God is the most long drug out thing ever. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. I, I want to read his quote uh, here about uh, Sarah. This is James Cameron talking about uh, Linda Hamilton coming back as Sarah Connor. He says, so Sarah has become a Terminator hunter. She's not waiting to be hunted by a Terminator. She hunts them. She's figured out a way to be there when they pop through time, and she just blows their shit away pretty much that simple hey it's going to be an r-rated movie so i can swear so, so basically like jake that was one of the questions like after the CinemaCon footage was released and the descriptions were out there i asked on the podcast 
How is she showing up here? How does she know that there's a Terminator there? She's in Mexico? Like, that's fine. I guess I can believe it's plausible that she's in Mexico City. But, like, how is she showing up on this bridge to attack this Terminator? She's found a way. She's figured out a way to be there. She can probably has some type of technology that picks up the energy signature before they even get there. And uh, it's able to pick it up through time. She's she's probably got to jump on them, which is pretty fucking awesome, Jake. Yeah, I like that plot line a lot, too. I mean, it really goes in line with what we know of the character from, you know, the first two movies and the evolution. This is just the next step in her just war against these machines. Yeah. Like yeah. she's gonna be proactive. You knew she would. She nothing about what happened in Terminator Two made me think Sarah Connor was gonna sit on the sidelines from that that moment on. You think that I would learn after like uh the first two appearances of Tristan on this podcast <laughs> that I would fucking expect that he would make the loudest of noises on this I was fucking thing. Gonna bring up that I could see that Tristan had found the mute button. He found I mean we're literally <laughs> looking at the mute button, but earlier he's trying to be all slick and shit. It was the loudest Loudest fucking water bottle open ever. I know. How big was the neck on that water bottle? Was it like R2D? I felt like you were, I felt like you were trying to like uncap a silo. <laughs> oh boy. Tristan's like, I don't have an explanation. I just let my loud water bottle do all the talking. <laughs> I know. Once you get the nickname shift in, then it's just like, fuck it. Why am I even bothering with the mute button? <laughs> <laughs> you do need to give him a new nickname, Quiet Guy. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to know how Neil got the nickname Neil. That's not... <laughs> That's not a nickname. I, I that was a that was man. I know that was a that was a blowjob joke. Um, let's see here. Okay. <laughs> That's fucked. I know it was fucked up. Sorry, Neil. I'm not sorry because I've been on the other end of that nickname. It was amazing. Kidding. That's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> let's talk about Aladdin. Let's. let's talk about other things that get rubbed um <laughs> I, uh, I saw this in imax 3d this is the new guy Ritchie guy Ritchie movie uh a kind-hearted street urchin and a power-hungry grand vizier the vi for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true uh it stars will smith uh naomi scott mina masood uh marwan kanzari navid negaban uh, nasim padrad and uh billy magnuson um i'll be honest with you i have no affection for the aladdin animated movie saw it once 25 years ago and it was fine. I liked it. I just, it's nothing I've revisited. So wow. I haven't, I, you know, I just haven't gone back and watched Aladdin again. It was a, it was a good movie. Dude, it was, I was fucking like, I was 15 when I watched fucking Aladdin. I just, it just, I didn't, you know, I mean, I had other things on my mind at 15 and it wasn't Robin Williams playing a blue genie. So it was, it was rubbing lamps. Yeah. I was rubbing my own lamp. <laughs> totally rubbing my own lamp during that, that time period. It, it, it was fine. I mean, I, you know, I think like for me, Disney movies kind of ended there in my teens after like, it was like the little mermaid. And then, you know, that came out when I was like 11 or something like that. And then I just, it's just Disney wasn't, 
a part of my life during my teenage years. I was listening to the heavy metal music and rubbing my lamp. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, it was fine. So I, I'll be honest with you. Like I, going into this, it was, it doesn't, it didn't matter what they did. They're not going to, it's not going to hurt my experience. So it's not going to wreck my childhood if they ruined Aladdin here. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't think Guy Ritchie was the best choice of director. Um, I didn't know how Will Smith was going to do as the genie. Uh, saw it in IMAX 3D. I'll be honest with you, as somebody that doesn't really give a fuck about Aladdin to begin with, I enjoyed the movie. I had a really good time watching it, and um, I'll give it a high taste. It. I thought it was a lot of fun. So that's just me as a as a guy who doesn't really care about uh, the whole thing. I, I'll let you guys talk because I'm sure you guys have more thoughts on like the original cartoon and how this compares and all that other stuff. But um, I'll, uh, I'll t- yeah. Well, for yeah, go ahead, hey, Tristan. I like to, I like to, I like to fucking call out people, Mister uh, <laughs> fucking leapfrog jumping in the conversation guy. <laughs> I like to, I like, I like to, I like to. Direct- I'll, I'll wait until you call my name. There you yeah, go. go yeah, I'm the. Just think of me, uh, Mister Brian, the teacher of this uh, PCL episode. Mister Brian, I'm raising my hand. Exactly. Well, I, yeah, I'm ignoring you. Right now, <laughs> I, you know, I might, I might want to pick on Neil, you know, but you shouldn't uh, have brought my water bottle to class, huh? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that shit in the hall. It's noisy as fuck. Anyway, Tristan, what did you think about Aladdin? Um, so yeah, unlike you, Brian, I have seen the original cartoon multiple, multiple times to the point where I know a lot of the songs by heart, a lot of the dialogue by heart. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. And I don't know if it's because I went in there with low expectations, but I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste as well. It's not a tough war. It's not something I say you have to go and see. But, you know, I really enjoyed it. And one thing I got to say, um, a high mark for me was Will Smith. Um, I didn't expect much going in, but, you know, he really wowed me. Um, you can't live up to Robin Williams' genie, but... I think when you think of A-list actors with a lot of charisma who can fill that role, he's probably on the short list of maybe one or two guys, you know. So I thought he did a, a phenomenal job. Um, I noticed that Robin Williams' genie is a little bit more schizophrenic. He's a little bit more all over the place. And, and that's because Robin Williams actually improvised a lot of his lines for that movie. So he was just let loose and they were animating around his dialogue you know but will smith is kind of more structured here you can tell there's an actual script he's not all over the place as robin williams was but he did a great job yeah um i think will smith singing in this um doesn't live up to robin williams and made me appreciate robin williams voice as a singer because he was you know he was singing arabian nights and friend like me and prince ali and all that and he sounded phenomenal and compared to will smith you know will smith's Singing needs a little work. I guess, you know, he's not known to be a singer. I can see why they got him. It wasn't for his singing. But overall, I thought he did a great job as the genie. I thought the animation, which got a lot of, a lot of, uh, of criticism in the trailers, I thought the animation on the genie was pretty, mm. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, did you see this in 3D? Yeah. I saw it in 3D. Yeah, I thought the 3D looked incredible in this movie. I, I thought it looked great. And in, as far as a blue genie is concerned, I mean, I thought the CG was pretty up to par. I mean, what else mm. can, he's a blue genie. It's not going to look realistic no matter what you do. I like, so, the, I, lo- I love the chemistry between him and, 
Minima suit in this movie. I thought they, they, yeah, and they have a heartfelt moment at the very yeah. end. And I actually got a little teary eyed when I saw that. Yeah, I I yeah. like this movie a lot more than I think most people do, and I don't have that attachment as a child to the animated movie. I'm not knocking people that do. It's just it was not a part of my childhood. Like, um, and th- like the Disney stuff is stuff like as an adult now I'm revisiting and I'm I'm appreciating it a lot more than I did. You got to understand, at 15, I mean, I was I was just I was a I was I was. I, don't, I was just a different person. I was just in a different place in my life back then. So yeah. I wasn't watching this kind of stuff. So um, yeah. I was listening to Pantera and masturbating profusely. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't like, oh, okay, let's let's watch this wholesome Disney movie now. You know, um, you know. One I, problem I had with the movie was that, and it's the same thing in the animated. Is why doesn't anyone else? Rub the lamp and use wishes. Besides, yeah, and Aladdin. I kept thinking that too. Like, okay, just hand it off to somebody else and fucking make a wish. Yeah, I would have just been passing that thing around. Like. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's just like, like a like a fucking joint in a Cheech and Chong movie. Yeah, yeah rub, rub, pass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rub, rub, pass. Yeah, just never get to three, right? As long as you switch it over before you get to three again, you're good to go. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, Neil, did you see this? No, I did not. Okay, Jake, did you see this? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've listened to the soundtrack because I was very curious to hear what the songs sound like. And, yeah, I agree with what Tristan was saying there. Like, they obviously didn't get Will Smith because he can carry a tune. And, boy, on those songs where he has to actually, like, hold those notes for those long stanzas, it it's pretty noticeable. Um and I was kind of concerned by, I forget what the new song was called. It was a Princess Jasmine song. Speechless. There you go. I found that to be very much trying to be a Let It Go clone. And pretty terrible without any context of the movie or seeing the movie. And, oh, it, it hurt to hear that song. I kind of mm. love that, watching it in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong about that. I mean, what did in you the think? context of the story and the plot. But. Tristan, what did you think about that song in the movie? Because I kind of loved it. I mean, she had a tear coming down her eye and all this shit. I don't know. It worked for me. I think you're going to appreciate it more in the context of the film because Naomi Scott was one of the standout uh, actors in this film. Like, she... I think she has a real presence and and the emotion on her face, I think, really carried that song. Yeah. I, th- I thought she was really... I don't know, man. This is something I'll, I'll, I, I would definitely watch again. Like, uh, I really. Well, that has me excited. It. I mean, I you know. No, don't I, don't listen, Jake. Don't listen to me. Like, uh, if you if you're if you're a big fan of like the animated Aladdin, I don't know how this is gonna transfer over for you. <laughs> it doesn't trash the it doesn't trash the original animated film. I mean, it's pretty true to it. It just only expands upon parts that didn't make a lot of sense in the cartoon. So, in a sense, I think it. It kind of proves upon it, you know. I still would prefer the animated because of Robin Williams, but as far as um, plot lines and and the script is concerned, it's a vast improvement. I think. I feel like for this one, they should have just left out the songs and let Guy Ritchie make an action adventure Aladdin movie. I don't. I love. I kind of like really enjoyed the. I really enjoyed like. I, I'm not a big musical guy, but I actually enjoyed the some, music numbers are fun. They're yeah, really fun. I like the. Okay. What, 
the whole yeah. new the whole new it's hold on tristan yeah. jesus christ <laughs> fucking settle the fuck down you're gonna get a chance to talk here jesus christ uh, it's, it's ridiculous with you sir go ahead mr brian yeah yeah go ahead host of the show <laughs> for fucking 285 episodes <laughs> you know right like right now if i had a lamp in front of me i'd wish them to have you shut the fuck up um <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's hardcore. <laughs> I want to hear that musical number. <laughs> by the way, never let fucking him. Never let let him have a glass of water next time. What? 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 what, what do you got have a, a bottle? What's? What, what do you do? Your fancy Fiji water over there, son of a bitch. Um, God, now I even forgot what I was saying. I thought I lo- I kinda, the music numbers. Yeah, thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed the music in this one, Jake, and I'm I'm not a big music guy. Um I I what I really liked, I liked uh I liked uh, uh the Mina Masood, I liked him as uh singing the that whole new world song when they're on the carpet. I thought that, that was beautiful. I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer. I, th- I I wish that song would have lasted a little bit longer in the movie. I was really getting into that. I thought her solo was fantastic. Um and I really Tristan, I loved his whole dance scene when with the with the with the puppet strings and uh the, yes. yes oh yes and um and i think that's why these numbers are needed the music numbers are needed because the visuals the cgi effects and visuals that kind of recreate that that uh the animated vibe of you know especially with a friend like me all yeah. the craziness going on in there yeah that's what makes those numbers work um, if I was just listening to the song, I, I can see why you'd be a little disappointed. But like everything combined, you know, the charisma and the dancing and the choreography, all that is what makes it work. Yeah. And that's encouraging. Because, yeah. I mean, I do like kind of the Bollywood feel that I got from the trailer, yeah. like seeing the Prince Ali stuff. Like I wasn't completely disgusted by what I was seeing as far as the production and the look of the movie. I mean, the colors and just the big elaborate dance numbers could could make it a lot more fun i agree with that oh my god jake i don't know if you love uh nasim padrad from if you loved her from uh snl she's yeah i love nasim she's fantastic in this the chemistry that the weird awkward chemistry that she has with will smith is like i loved it and then i loved uh the humor in this for me tristan i thought the humor was fantastic how awkward aladdin was around jasmine when he first meets her as prince ali that fucking mm-hmm. slayed me i was dying during those scenes yeah. and my audience was having a great time kind of just like uh listening to him just kind of like uh try to come off cool around them and just like butcher it and i th- i felt like will smith was like really selling it too as far as like how he was bombing it was really good <laughs> yeah yeah they had some some great moments there um i think mena masood overall um i think they could have maybe found a better aladdin he really wasn't the greatest he wasn't the greatest uh cast casting uh, choice for me personally I him. but he but maybe Halfway through the movie, I saw him as Aladdin, and yeah. nothing was bothering me. But in the very beginning, I was—I don't know—he just felt—he sounded a little flat to me. And yeah. and then I, you know, eventually he just kind of fell into the role, and I didn't see anything else but Aladdin. I think yeah. like why, yeah. real quick, Jake, and then I'll let you say something here real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, before You're I fine. forget, I think why they got Guy Ritchie to do this originally was for like those 
those scenes in the street where Aladdin is like kind of like the street thief and he's running around and getting away from like the, you know, like uh, the city guards and stuff like that after he's pulled off these these uh, small thefts. And I think that those scenes really played well into Guy Ritchie's strengths as a director. Um, those particular worked, yeah. scenes, yeah, they really worked. Um, I don't yeah, think Guy Ritchie overall was just a, a questionable choice. Yeah, but I thought he did a great job. I mean, that's all direction. You know, the, I think the strength of this movie is the look and the choreography and and just the way it all fits together. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought Will Smith maybe 20 years ago would have done this role a little bit better but i thought overall he was really really good this is the best will smith i've seen in a long time i yeah i i thought personally that he he did as as great a job as he would have ever done because no no I, yeah. it, it sort of it sort of surprised me because yeah. i didn't see he showed more range in this film than he has in other movies you know he was mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he was kind of channeling Robin a little bit. And Will Smith has always been a, a big, charismatic yes. guy. But he, but he's going, like, another level in this movie. I felt like, okay, here's the thing with, with that. I feel like the the emotional stuff, he like, this Will Smith, like, the Will Smith that we have now, that's the only Will Smith that could really pull that off. But, like, the loud, boisterous Will Smith of the 90s would have been able to pull mm. off some of the more energetic scenes a little bit better. Um, I gotcha. But I, 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 man, like you're never going to be able to replicate Robin Williams. And he, I think, oh, I, yeah. I think that Will Smith did his own thing here and I think it worked. For me, it worked. And so I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I would, I would watch this again. If this came on TV, I would, I would watch this again. I, I had a lot of fun with the cast and I'm usually not a big guy into the music, but like, some of the music actually drew me in. I thought some of the, the dance scenes were well choreographed. And I thought the – what did you think about the villain? I thought the villain was uh, actually pretty pretty good. Yeah, he's getting some criticism because he doesn't look like the animated Jafar. The animated Jafar is like an older guy who looks very sinister. <laughs> but I thought this guy kind of took the essence of the character and made it his own because he did seem like a threat. Like at mm. the end of the day, he came across as a villain. He came across as yeah. a bad guy. And it was a much more subtle um, approach to being a villain than the animated version, but it still worked for me. Yeah, yeah, that seemed like an unfair aesthetic criticism. I mean, even without seeing the movie, like if you're going to make a live action adaptation of a Disney movie, every villain's going to be either an old dude or an old woman. Like you have to kind of break that mold if you're going to do one of these remakes, right? And to me, it made yeah. perfect sense to actually, you know, cast an attractive male actor instead of you know old evil guy for the fifth time right exactly so, yeah that seemed that seemed like a a knee-jerk kind of dumb complaint from the people that truly can't separate the cartoon from the movie when this kind of thing happens you know i yeah, think you get, that you Jake, get really attached to a boo and the carpet and uh, thought those are great additions yeah. to the cast as well yeah. Oh God, I love the carpet. I love the boo. I thought the special effects on a boo look pretty good I, for the most part. Not perfect. Was but. was it ever a pra- like an actual monkey or was it all CGI? I felt like it was all CGI, but I could be wrong. It, it felt all mm. CGI to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, look what they've done with Planet of the Apes, dude. Oh right? yeah. 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 Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, you guys got me excited to check this out. I mean, I just, 
you know, Beauty and the Beast, I did the same thing. And with that, I wasn't like just completely kind of revolted by a few of the performances of the songs. And honestly, it's not even Will Smith so much as the Aladdin actor. Like the, to me, the one jump ahead in a whole new world, like his vocals were, were pretty shaky for me. Well, yeah, and, and Naomi Scott is a much better singer than him. So when they're doing that duet on Whole New World, she just kills him on that. She's really yeah. good. Oh my god! And she's uh I thought I thought that they really put a big focus on her character in this, and I and I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's definitely damsel in distress mode in the original cartoon. That's definitely a character that's ripe for some interpretation. Yeah, it's not like she goes like full Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, T two in this movie, but she's not a damsel in distress. She's not a genie hunter. She's <laughs> <laughs> she knows right where the genies are going to go. Oh, Jake, I don't know. I couldn't do this show with anybody else. I sure as fuck couldn't do. It. I couldn't do it with Tristan and his noisy water every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i i mean i'm excited to see this i honestly my expectations are low i i can't shake that because it just you know i i'm usually really good at separating source material from the remake but when you're gonna just do the songs again they have to be at least a certain standard for me or it's really hard to go further than that so let's. I, I hope it can break that. Are you looking forward to the? I am because I have no attachment to the first movie at all. Lion King. It's it's headed for. They're saying it's headed for a two hundred million dollar opening weekend. That's fucking huge. Yeah, I'm yeah. very excited for it. My, my biggest Lion King's always been a uh, Disney animated movie. I've always kind of hated on. Um, it's not that really? I dis, It's not that I dislike it. Like it, it's great. Just, uh, the ending really pisses me off. Uh, the last 15 minutes of it, it feels like it gets super anticlimactic, and they decided to do like a different style of animation for the final Scar Simba fight, and it's always rubbed me the wrong way. And mm. I think Favreau can give us the payoff of those two characters going at it in a much more dynamic, dramatic way than the animated ever could. Lion King can only go up for me. Don't care about that movie. Uh, it had a Whoa. F- yeah, fuck Lion King. <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. Fuck oh, that movie. Fuck- yeah, I'm not, I'm not fuck Lion King, but it, it, I've never ranked it very high. But I think it's really ripe for the live action treatment. I think the stampede scene is going to be absolutely gut-wrenching to audiences when we see that in this like you know real life cgi version so ah it's gonna be crazy jake did you read my rotten tomatoes review for lion king that i posted today my quote was fuck lion king (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) why you splat it only has one review in so it's at a zero (laughs) percent yeah so (laughs) no i uh, no people go back and they rated those old movies jake that's a oh, I, you're, I thought we were talking about the new one. That's no, 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 no. I was talking about the. Do you, I, do you realize that, Brian? You have the power to go back and turn these hundred percent movies into ninety nine percent. Oh God, don't say that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be that. Can you guy. use it on Toy Story three? <laughs> Toy Story three. I love. I think Toy, Toy Story, Story 3, three did get dropped down though. Good. I love Toy Story three. I don't care. I, I'm not a big fan of two. I know you love two, Jake. That's like that's the one I didn't care about. 
Yeah, two's, two got some love. I was shocked when the anniversary was just a couple of weeks ago that Toy Story 2 was trending on Twitter for a while and everyone was speaking really fondly of it. I always thought of it as the bastard child that most people seem to not have much respect for. But honestly, I found 3 to have pretty much the same plot as 2, but not as good. Did you see that uh, uh, Solo 2 like was trending this week on Twitter? I did see that. I did see that. And the... One of the screenwriters was kind of feeding that fury, too, by, like, talking about the plot he was going to do where – what's the name of the dumb fucking gang that Maul's the head of? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's going to be the Huts versus the Maul gang, whatever was the it, fuck Crimson, Crimson Dawn? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Crimson Dawn versus the Huts on pay-per-view this Sunday, Solo 2. Yeah. Oh, man. So Yeah, I don't know. I was shocked that was trending. People – I don't know, man. It I was. Like I think it was calculated, dude. It felt like it felt like it was calculated to go to Twitter. It felt like it like got born on Reddit, and like the Star Wars, all the Star Wars Reddit pages from Reddit, like fucking like did something, and they they just took that fucking movement to Twitter, and and it was on. I mean, I saw that movement on Reddit too, but man, it took off on Twitter like that. It was trending, man. Yeah, I didn't see any of the – I saw it trending, and I was like, is this some bullshit? And I kind of went to four to six of the Star Wars commentator podcasting personalities that I like, and I noticed none of them were participating in any of this. So I was kind of – the whole thing seemed kind of weird to me too for that aspect alone. Hmm. It didn't seem like a natural groundswell. I agree that it felt like some kind of calculated. No, yeah, it, I think it definitely originated somewhere. Like either like people started this on 4chan or Reddit or something, and they took it to to Twitter. Yeah, and a lot of it seemed like another reason to bag on Ryan Johnson. I noticed. Ah, uh, that's like, bullshit. Like the big, it was like we deserve Solo Two, and the only reason we're not getting Solo Two is no one wanted to see a Star Wars movie after Ryan Johnson shit the bed. Mm. Oh fuck! And, and I saw a lot of that sentiment going around. So I honestly, I didn't take the movement very seriously. Um, also, considering Solo is the only Star Wars movie that I don't Tupperware, I could give two fucks about this. And I hope their movement fucking shits the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Jeez, Alden Ehrenreich out of a jab. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich, yeah. I mean, he was Wasn't one he? of the few shining stars yeah. from that movie. And honestly, the cast was not yeah. a problem with that movie. No, I... The I, writing. I, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich did a fine job as... Uh, yeah, as, I liked him. Yeah, I agree, Neil. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like, uh, I think uh, a lot of people are... Uh, I think what happened is... Do you think... Hold on. Let me throw this out there. Now they're not having a new Star Wars movie come out like every year like they were doing. You know what I mean? It was supposed to be like mm-hmm. a saga film. The next year it was going to be like a, you know, like a standalone anthology. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you think yeah. like Solo was kind of like the one that opened up Kathleen Kennedy's eyes like, hey, you know, like uh, this can't be – these have to be more of kind of like an event that people wait for. Well, um it- Solo was the film that made them realize, like, okay, people aren't just going to come out in droves just because it's Star Wars, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what they thought. Rolls a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, because Solo came out what 
four months after Last Correct. Jedi? Yeah, like, yeah, six months yeah. or so. Cause it was like, too fucking soon. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think a year wait is the minimum. I, I would actually prefer like a two-year wait between each Star Wars film. Same here. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I, I, I like to hunger for a Star Wars film. Yeah, I want it I, down my throat every freaking six months. I like yeah, the build-up. It's one of the things the prequels really did right, honestly, was three, three years. years in between yeah. each movie. Well, like, that just felt perfect to me. You guys yeah. got to understand, like, you're, you're, you're talking about uh, Disney here, who also makes three MCU movies a year. So they're like, hold on. Can we but, do this? Hold on. Can we do the same thing with the Star Wars universe? Can we? The Star Wars universe is vast. It's a vast universe, tons of characters, tons of planets, although most of those planets are either made of uh, sand or snow. Um, or forest. Or forest. forest. Yeah, I mean, isn't that fucked up? Like, like, like uh, the, 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 we're going to talk about this new Vanity Fair article, but we got another fucking, oh, this planet is not a snow planet. It's a snow-dusted planet. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you and your snow-dusted planet. You, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, though, Brian, as yeah. far as, like, Disney and what they wanted to do with Star Wars. I mean, it's like, it's the Ian Malcolm line almost from Jurassic Park. Like, Disney was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Right. Should. Fucking Star Wars yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that separates Star Wars from the MCU. So, Star Wars is still known as a certain brand, a certain feel, feel a certain tone, you know? And with the MCU, I mean, you can have... Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther and, you know, uh, Thor, like three different films that have very different tones, you know? Yeah. Um, and and so people don't feel like they're getting the same shit three times a year. That's true. Yeah. The That's one true. time someone tried to give us a different tone, they got fucking canned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now they're probably afraid to even to deviate because of Ryan Johnson. Yeah, no. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying, Tristan. Until they're able to make different genres of movies within the Star Wars universe, yeah. they're never going to get away with pumping out this many movies. Right. Yeah, because it all comes down to uh, it. Com- it all comes down to space, lightsabers, and the Force. Right at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's it, it's really what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah they're true. just put, they're put in a pretty shitty situation because you know they want to expand, and I know there's a lot of creators out there who want to do something different. But here you have Ryan Johnson, and Ryan Johnson wanted to do something different, and he's paid the price for it. <laughs> I you know I I, I I think a little bit of this um, real yeah. quick. I think a little bit of the solo two bullshit. Yeah. Also comes from like the side of fandom. They look ahead of Star Wars and what do they got coming? They've got a Ryan Johnson trilogy and they've got a trilogy from the guys that did Game of Thrones, you know? So I think all of, you know, the Star Wars fandom is just kind of, you know, recalling against those, those creators and those writers and their solos, the only thing left that they can point at and go, make a sequel to this, you know, it won't have those guys we hate doing Well, I mean, we've got, uh, here's the thing, do you think that Disney is also trying to, uh, make maybe the Mandalorian more of a spectacle now as well? Like, and I'm talking about not just like, oh, let's make the Mandalorian this, they're trying to make it uh, to where people will subscribe to a service now where, like, 
you're not going to get Star Wars after. Okay, so November 2nd, we're going to be launching Disney+. Plus. You're going to be able to watch the first episode or possibly first two episodes of The Mandalorian. Then a month later, you're going to get Star Wars Episode Nine. After that, the only place that you're going to be able to get new Star Wars content is Disney+. Plus. If you want new Star Wars content, you got to go to Disney+. Plus. Like, this is going to be your home for Star Wars. Like, do you think yeah. that... Do you think that I, may- I think that is what they're going to want to do. But mm. I, I mean, we've, yeah. heard, we've heard there's been lots of rumors just in the last 48 hours about that that may be the route the route that the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan goes. Yes, yes. We already know the Diego Luna thing is happening. Gabriel, you, you, didn't you mean to say like Gabriel, Gabriel Luna? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trust me, it crossed my mind when I when I was saying that. I, didn't, I, didn't I love full lunatic. I, I love Neil's comment <laughs> of lunacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that killed me. But yeah, I, honestly, I don't think it changes the problem. Yeah. I think what Tristan was saying is still the same problem on television. If you're not willing to genre swap or try new things or be bold and creative with these franchises, it's just going to feel a lot of the same. And just because it's on Disney Plus, if they start slapping three to five new Star Wars, you know, eight to ten episode series every year, I think people will start to get tired of that. Yeah. And and trust that the Mandalorian is going to feel very Star Warsy. <laughs> it's not going to be anything different, I don't think, as far as the tone is concerned, because... Favreau himself has said this is going to be right in the feel of the, the OT, the original trilogy. Yeah, he has to, or they'll fire him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, fucking Phil Lord, uh, you know, uh, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. God damn it, man. I, I, yeah. I, I would love to see... I would love to see what they would have done with Solo had it not been for the involvement of Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Fuck the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. Give me the fucking Lord Miller fucking right. Solo cut. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Give Michael me that movie. Williams in it. Yeah. 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 And you look. You look at these guys. You know. You look at Phil Lauren, Chris Miller, and they just win everything they do. Yeah. So it's like, how could you doubt them at this point? Oh my god. They you were know. doing wacky shit, man. They were probably people were ad libbing. They had Glover on set. You know, Lord knows what fucking fun shit they were doing that was making executives' head fucking spin around, you know? Oh, my God. Look at, like, 21 Jump Street, uh, 22 Jump Street, fucking uh, uh, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Like, yeah, these guys are just, they're they're brilliant. So... Yeah, I mean, I know you're not a fan, Brian, but, like, even the Lego movie, I yeah. mean, even just to sure. take no. something that I would can't. seem like a giant product placement and to make it into the franchise that they made it into with just one movie. You know that I have always, like, for as much as I'm not a fan of the Lego movie, I have always respected the fact that these guys owned the box office and they made a movie that everybody says, how the fuck are you going to make a movie about Legos? And they made it a box office success. I can't knock that. Like, I'm in the minority there, Jake. Like, these guys, like, if... Just be, who gives a fuck that I didn't like it, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's comparable to doing things like making a Battleship movie or other bullshit like that, right. you know, and yeah. like, they did it. It was a success. It's, yeah. you know, critically, people love it, and it's just you remember, that, you know, dude, alone, I mean. Dude, do you remember when we were, six years ago, when we started this podcast and, like, the Battleship movie came out? I did a review on the Battleship movie. Yeah. Do you remember when there was a, like, they were talking about doing, like, a whole, like, like a, it was like a whole Milton Bradley fucking thing. Like they were gonna have a hungry, hungry hippos movie at one time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that cracked me up because like there's literally a robot chicken sketch where they do that too. Really? 
Yeah, there's a robot chicken sketch where they go down the, the rabbit hole of board game movies. Oh, man. That, that's pretty absolutely hilarious. The Hungry Hungry Hippos are like, it's basically like a mafioso movie. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> You're right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break and come back. I want to get, uh, I don't know, Tristan, do you have anything for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, I think that was everything. Okay. Yeah, good. Neil. Yes. That is your name. Do you have any? <laughs> do you have anything for good pop, bad pop, sir? I do. All right. I didn't know if you're responding to my question or the fact that Neil is your name. I did not know either. That's exactly why I responded the way I did. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with the uh, special Neil's good pop, bad pop segment. It's yes. <laughs> We'll be right back. back hey neil yeah i'm sorry that like earlier when i mentioned that your name was just like a blowjob thing <laughs> oh believe me i've heard it all before it's terrible that's like you know you ever you, know, you, you, you ever notice like they i'm glad that they gave it the name of uh blowjob it, it, that seems like very uh appropriate nobody calls it sucking penis Right? <laughs> sucking peen. Nobody, that's, you know what I mean? Nobody calls it sucking penis. Like, what would no. you do? Well, like, like if, if, if a, uh, you know, a sexual partner of yours said, you know, I'm going to give you a blowjob, that's hot. But like on the flip side, if they're like, hey, can I suck your penis? That's a little, whoa, I'd be taken mm. aback, wouldn't you? If they said, I want to. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, I'm sure you'd let that person do it, but like on the flip side, like w- wouldn't that be like kind of like a little bit out of uh, out of the ordinary if they said I want to suck your penis? I think, man, this person's really cool and hip. <laughs> <laughs> Jake would already Jake would already have himself unzipped at that moment. He'd be like, "All right, yeah, let's do this." Uh, yeah, you had me at Ian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tristan, you you sound like you're uncomfortable right now. You always, I love it. I'm good. I'm good. I love it when we talk about like this dirty stuff, Tristan. You feel you you always sound like you're you're very uncomfortable. You're so ready to jump in and cut me off when we're talking about uh, pop culture stuff, but when I start talking about sucking penis, you're just kind of like, whoa, leave I, me I, out I of this. I can't wait to talk about Aladdin, but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about slobbing knob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was on the air with you guys, you guys were talking for like thirty minutes about freaking uh, what was it like belly buttons on animated characters or some shit, and then that turned into fucking paste picante sauce, freaking <laughs> vaginas on something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Vagina's on something. Vagina's <laughs> on <Yeah>. something. <laughs> Sounds accurate. Wow, guys, yeah. you really missed out if you didn't listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Neil. Lots of five-star reviews after that one. Neil, when you're not getting your penis sucked, what are you watching? <laughs> uh, well, so after the whole Robert Pattinson casting news came out, yeah, um, I, I I got really interested in kind of figuring out who he was as an actor because I, I had real I realized that I I'd only ever seen him in the Harry Potter movie uh, and the first Twilight movie, which I was dragged to by a girlfriend. Did and... she did she suck your pain? <laughs> After the movie, yeah, movie. actually, oh my god, <laughs> in the theater too, which is awesome. Uh, the but all uh, in the bottom of the popcorn thing, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. They, it was they called Neil Orville Redencocker. Top of my head, people. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I realized I hadn't really seen any of his other movies, and I, so I wanted to watch a couple of them to kind of give, get a more of a sense of what he could do. Because uh, I, I remember when Heath Ledger was first cast as the Joker, I, I was a very vocal opponent of that. Mm. And wasn't until I, I really saw him do other work besides his big, big time stuff uh, that I realized he was actually a decent actor. And then obviously watching him in The Dark Knight really blew me away. Yeah. So I watched uh, The Rover on Netflix. Uh, came out in 2014. It's a post-apocalyptic movie set in Australia. And I watched uh, Good Time uh, on Amazon Prime. I've been hearing a lot about Good Time, so- man. It's yeah, it's it, it's it was a good time. Uh, <laughs> so the rover, which I watched first, um, as I said, it's set in Australia. It's post-apocalyptic. It stars Guy Pierce, uh, Robert Pattinson, and Scoot McNally. Scoot McNally. Fucking <laughs> oh. <laughs> Scoot. So uh, Robert Pattinson plays uh, Scoot's younger brother, who's. Uh, he's he's slow, basically. Is do you know Do you know who Scoot McNary's brothers are? Uh, and I'll go in order. No. There's Boot, Scoot, and Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> Boot McNary, Scoot McNary, and Boogie McNary. Boot, Scoot, and Boogie. Boogie has a real hard time getting. Work. <laughs> oh God, yes he does. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Neil. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, so Scoot and and Robert are um, they're, they're, they play uh, like Southern Americans, so they have this really thick Southern accent. It's kind of funny because it is so over the top. Mm. Um, he really reminded me of Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm. In this, oh. because he was playing a, a, a slower person, and he, he really did a great fucking job. Uh, it was written and directed by David Michaud, 
Um, it, it's a little slow, but it, it's the pacing. It, it, it's fine. It works. It, I, I give the movie a high taste. It mm. his performance is a fucking Tupperware. Mm. I mean, all the acting is great. Um, the movie itself is it's a little slow for me. It, it was fine, and I, I liked it, but it wasn't a great movie. I don't think. And then I watched um, Good Time, which, as you said, you, you've heard a lot about. Yeah, it's it's a fucking crazy movie. He plays this low life who has a um, a mentally challenged brother, and they are partners in in crimes, like they rob banks and shit. And his character is very dark, very brutal. Uh, he makes rash decisions like on a whim, and it's a I, I Tupperware this movie. It's it's fucking phenomenal. He is so goddamn good in this. It, and again, he reminded me of Leonardo DiCaprio, but this time in Basketball Diaries. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So he he's these two movies that I've watched of his. He really blew me the fuck away as far as as his range. And just how compelling he was to watch on screen. You, you could not take your eyes off of him whenever he was doing anything. It, it, he reminds me of a, of a Leonardo DiCaprio type. And I am even more excited to see what he can do with the characters of Bruce Wayne and Batman in this, in this uh, new movie. So, yeah. I, I Tupperware, good time. Watch it. It's on Prime. It's fucking phenomenal and i i do high taste the rover it was it was an interesting fucking movie on on netflix oh wow yeah I, a lot of people have reached out to me this week and said uh good time is the movie to watch and uh, I, I planned on watching it this week but then i got stuck watching fucking the brawler and then rim of the world <laughs> and all this other garbage so um but yeah that's the movie they're like if you want to get a Good idea of uh, maybe him playing Bruce Wayne. Good time is the movie to watch, is what they were very saying. Very tortured, very dark, and, and like especially young Bruce Wayne, where he's still getting over his parents' death. Uh -huh. He's still tortured by it. Yeah. He, oh, my God. He is so fucking good in this movie. All right. Awesome. No, that's good to hear. Do you have anything else for Good Pop, Bad Pop? So, yeah, I, I think, no, that's, that's, that's valuable information for people that are worried about Robert Pattinson mm -hmm. to maybe check out those two movies and then come back and, like, reevaluate their decisions. Yeah, he he's – he. I mean, actually, his performance in The Rover, I think, is even more interesting because he does play such a – he plays a character that is a dirtbag, but he's he's well-meaning, I guess. And it, he does a really fucking phenomenal job of playing a, a character of, of lower um, mental abilities. Mm. And I, I thought he was really fucking good in it. And, I mean, everybody's good in it. Guy Pierce is amazing in that. And Scoot McNally is great. <laughs> Scoot McNally! <laughs> I apologize for living. Um, that's not what I expected the apology was going to be for. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you got anything else, Neil? No, no. You know what? I fucking love you, Neil. Love you too, man. You're a fucking great guy. You know, Tristan. Yeah. You're a noisy son of a bitch, but I love you too. 
Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> Shifton loves you too. Oh, Shifton, you son of a bitch. I love you. Um, <laughs> we'll be uh, making a lot of love and the bed will be squeaking. And- <laughs> so this episode, it's more like twisting. <laughs> let's see here. Guys, let's move on into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Real quick, I'm going to talk about this. I got this article from io9, and uh, they're talking about this new podcast called Blockbuster. Uh, here, George Lucas's first screening of Star Wars as recreated in a new narrative podcast called Blockbuster uh, goes on to say, did you ever dream of being in the room? During an iconic moment of film history, a new podcast called Blockbuster is doing its best to make that dream a reality. Created by Emmy winner Matt Schrader, Blockbuster is a six-part docu-narrative podcast dramatizing the friendship of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg as they were making their formative films, Star Wars and Jaws, with the help of composer John Williams. Schrader has basically created a modern radio play blending meticulous research with strong vocal performances, sound effects, film clips, and an original score, all into a highly entertaining audio experience. The show puts the viewer right there with Spielberg and Lucas for the moments when they changed movies forever. I listened to the first episode of this podcast called Blockbuster. Uh, if you look it up, it's got the uh, Star Wars font. Um, I, I absolutely love this first episode. You do get uh, a lot of narration here, but you do get voice actors playing the parts of... Uh, um, you know, they've got, they've got a scene where it's Lucas, Spielberg, Brian De Palma, and Martin Scorsese all watching movies together and hanging out and talking. And it kind of gives you a feel of like the dynamic that these guys had together. Cause like these were, you know, directors, different ages and things like that. But like this is like in their heyday when they're coming up and they're coming up at their best stuff. You know, Brian De Palma with The Godfather, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, George Lucas has just fresh come off of like American Graffiti and he's talking about Star Wars and you got Spielberg looking to make Jaws. I, I really enjoyed this first episode. And of course they, they throw in, uh, you know, John Williams into this and like they talk about like where he came from and his mentor and things like that. Um, everything is well done. I, I, I the, the, the guy, uh, Matt Schrader did a lot of research here and, um, I, I Tupperware this podcast just one episode in. And I uh, can't wait to finish the the next five. Each episode's about twenty four to thirty minutes long, so it's called Blockbuster. Definitely check it out. I don't plug a lot of other podcasts on this show, but this is one I think our listeners would really appreciate. Yeah, and it can't stay gone from us too long. It's only six half an hour episodes. Yeah, but they could do other uh, directors if they wanted. To, you know, it's called Blockbuster. You know, they could do other. No, directors. I mean, our, our, we won't be sending our listeners away for too long. Oh, uh, sure. advertising another podcast. Yeah, okay. I don't care. Leave, come no. back. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you do. I can't control you. You're your own person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds really cool. Um, I'm glad to hear it doesn't come off cheesy and contrived, right? Because when you you really have to do your research and you know do some decent voice acting for this not to just sound really dumb, you know? Yeah, yeah. Jake, are you looking forward to uh, you looking forward to Stranger Things season three? No, not really. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah hold on. <laughs> let, get, let me backtrack here. We did our Stranger Things season two review. And I believe you gave it a high taste that since being removed from Stranger Things Season 2, your rating just continues to plummet, I feel. 
It's a true story. I yeah. I could be wrong, but I thought I just normal tasted it. Okay, okay. I could be wrong. I, I feel like, yeah, I could be wrong. I feel like, I don't know. Do you guys remember, Tristan? Do you remember? Or were you shifting too much, Neil? Were you sucking too much dick? I mean, like, what? Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> after, after I apologized. <laughs> and now... <laughs> <laughs> Were you sucking too much peen? Do you remember what Jake rated this fucking thing? Fucking penis. <laughs> there is nothing uh, I don't wrong. Remember what he what he rated? Uh, I think yeah. it. I think he might be right in the saying it was a, a, a taste a, it. Middle, middle of the road taste it. Hey, I remember you, complaining a lot from the jump. I know yeah. I didn't toss it, but I was not a happy camper. I remember being annoyed by your complaints. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Neil, this this is why you're not my number one. Hold on, I, I want to get back. Hold on, get back to that. Like, uh, what, uh, what? So you you are a uh, um, a fan of uh, season two? Sounds like. Fuck yeah, I loved it. <clears throat> Given that weird episode of, of Eleven being off on her own and fighting her family. I, mm. I mean, I, I didn't agree with the execution of that episode. I thought it yeah. should have been spaced out over previous episodes yeah. uh, as part of those rather than being its own. But I, I, I really appreciate learning more about her story. And, um, yeah, I fucking loved season two, especially because it gave us the Steve Harrington and, and, and Dustin bromance. Yes. Uh, which hmm. I, I mean that that character turn for Steve is, is huge. Yeah, and it really made him into a compelling character, and we wouldn't have if we didn't have season two, we wouldn't have gotten that. I agree. I'm Jake. Right. I'm I am not annoyed by your rating. I actually, <laughs> I'm not. No, anno- no, I'm not I'm, annoyed. I'm by fine with people being annoyed by my rating. I'm not annoyed. I bring it up, but I'm not. I bring it up, and I don't bring it up like you're wrong. I bring it up. Not that you're annoyed. I just bring it up because, like, that's just – that's part of pop culture leftovers. It's kind of like if you're a historian of the show, like Jake was – I want people to know, like, going into season three, season three has a lot to prove to you, Jake. Right? I think I lost everybody. No. I'm here. Uh, Jake, what happened? You there? Maybe he's talking right now. He's like, going, you know, he, heard, he heard my question. He doesn't realize he's not on the call, and he's like yammering on. (laughs) Apparently, I disappeared. There he is. There There he is. (laughs) Welcome. I talked. I bashed Stranger Things for quite a while there before realizing I I wasn't here anymore. Figured that you did. I was actually just commentating on that. Um, I, 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 you know me, Jake. I was a big fan of season two. You weren't. So season three has a lot to prove to you. Yeah, yeah, it does. I saw this week that there's a they're bringing back new Coke as like a uh, yeah. advertising tie-in for Stranger Things three, which which I actually find to be a perfect you know metaphor oh. for what happened to Stranger Things. You know, stop it. New Coke was garbage. We all know it, and everybody demanded that they bring back Coca Cola, the classic formula. Well, I hope the metaphor is complete because I demand we bring back classic, awesome Stranger Things. So hopefully season two was just the shitty new Coke and we're back to the original formula here for season three. I got to hear what Tristan thinks about season two. Are you a Stranger Things fan? Is this is this in your wheelhouse, man? Yeah, I think it was actually Jake that got me into season one. Weren't you raving about season one, Jake? 
Yeah, I, I was a yeah. freak for season one. It was definitely my best TV series of the year for it the Trumpies that year. Yeah. yeah, so I listened to I watched season one, loved it. Season two, I liked a lot. And I'm kind of more in line with Neil on this um, in that season two really worked for me. But I didn't really like the, I think it was episode seven, which was the one that Eleven goes and discovers herself. It sounded to me like it was just a. Uh, an attempt to set off some like X-Men spinoff or something, you know, with a bunch of kids with powers or something. But, but overall I liked the season. I really loved that one episode. I think it was like episode eight where they're in the, you know, the labs and, you know, this killing those, you know, creatures all over the place and, you know, trying to escape. It had a kind of dress park vibe to it, but, um, overall I liked it. Um, I still like season one better. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, you know, someone who's uh, off the Stranger Things train just because of season two. Yeah, see, they got to address why she's called Eleven, I guess. I just yeah. don't I, – I agree with you and Neil that the execution uh, in that episode wasn't uh, the best. So uh, anyway, I, there's an article here that came out. Uh, and it was from uh, Entertainment Weekly, and they're talking about uh, season three is going to feature even more Dustin Steve bromance. Nice, yes, got to do what works. And if you go yeah. back and you listen to like my review of uh, season two, that was uh, the one thing that I loved more than anything in the whole season. Um, loved it. Uh, anyway. The Duffer brothers talked about this. Matt Duffer in particular said, uh, we wanted to explore the theme of change. Uh, the season takes place during the last summer before high school. The kids are growing up and that transition is going to be messy and awkward and painful. And they're going to be able to grow up without growing. Uh, uh, he says, are they going to be able to grow up without growing apart? Oh, and, and their hometown is still a hot spot for a lot of interdimensional terror. He goes on to say, Eleven closed the gate, but the Mind Flayer is still alive in the Upside Down. Uh, it will find another way into Hawkins. It's just a matter of time. Article goes on to say, Meanwhile, Hopper, rocking a Magnum P.I. look, nice. <laughs> complete with stash and occasional Hawaiian shirt, is struggling to raise telekinetic teen Eleven, who's now in a relationship with Mike. Quote, it thrusts him into a discussion with Joyce, says Harbor. Uh, she's able to offer me some advice on how to deal with being a single parent and how to, like, you know, stop being so damn controlling. Uh, unfortunately, no one's a more well put together single parent than Joyce. (laughs) (laughs) Jake, her her child was taken from her and put into the upside down. I'm just saying she, she, man, that woman has been through so much. We're lucky that she doesn't suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm telling you. Her son, she was put through the fucking ringer in that first season. Jeez. <laughs> Jake, that was terrible. Uh, let's see. Unfortunately, parenthood has not been kind to the sheriff's fitness level. Quote, this season, Hopper does a really lot of uh, really big, like, action-y things, says Harbor. But he's fatter than you've ever seen him and less capable of hurting people, but a little more capable because he's just like a big elephant. That's a weird quote. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was a, yeah, jeez. Yeah. Wow. That was, How much coke did he snort before that interview? It sounds, that sounds like, that quote sounds like a little bit of the writing from his Hellboy movie. <laughs> yeah, he's fatter than he's ever been because he's not been getting work since the Hellboy movie. Oh, God. Sitting around. It was terrible. Did, did anybody else watch that Hellboy movie? Do you watch it, Tristan? No. No, but I know I got pulled from theaters like a couple days ago, and I think it only made like it was like thirty eight no. million or something uh, uh, like that. Lower, lower. Let's go to yeah. Let's price is right here. Lower. It's twenty two <laughs> million dollars. Wow. Yeah. It cost like two hundred. Yikes. It was up there, Neil. It was up there, man. It was up there, and it made twenty two million after its box office run. Ugh. We won't be seeing Hellboy for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. And I, I wish I could say, I wish I could get on here and say like, oh, well, at least, you know, uh, David Harbour was a great Hellboy. I can't even say that. I love the guy. I love his social media presence. I love him as Hopper. But man, he was, dude, fucking big shoes to fill from Ron Perlman. And he did not fill those shoes at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I know. I'm sorry. I wish I could fucking lie. Commentary. I wish I could fucking lie. <laughs> I, I had, there was better commentary when he was open the water bottle than there was fucking there. Wasn't <laughs> his, his fucking Dasani has better commentary than he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, can we get the bottle feelings on us straight to fix three? <laughs> oh man, I need to take some new coke and I'm talking about cocaine. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> some of that David Harbour stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the quote, uh, the article goes on to say the surprising bromance of Steve and Dustin will also get plenty of screen time. Quote, you definitely see more of that, says Matarazzo. Uh, how do you pronounce that fucking Dustin kid's last name in, in real life? Matarazzo or Matar? What's his last name? How do you how do you fucking say that? Shit, don't ask me. Doesn't Matarazzo? <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't doesn't Matarazzo sound like a fucking like foreign motorcycle? It does. Doesn't it? <laughs> like a French fucking like a designer. French motorcycle. Like, like dude, we're, like you know, like yeah, yeah. There's fuck. only a hundred Maseratos oh, made. Oh God, man, the the <laughs> ma- the new ni- 2019 Matarazzo. <laughs> oh man, you're gonna get so much peen sucked on that thing. Oh, dude, dude, so much peen sucking. <laughs> this episode is ridiculous. Jake. <laughs> I like how much you emphasize the word ridiculous there. It is. Like you took it to like four like bold italics there. Matarazzo. Ridiculous. Matarazzo. Doesn't it? It sounds like it doesn't it sound no, like I, yeah. full agreement. Full agreement. Like uh guys, remember if it's it's the summertime, wear your helmets when you're riding your Matarazzo. Alright? Guys, be, be careful. Be careful out there, all right? I know these crack rockets are fun to ride, but you know it's all fun and games until you fucking split your head open, you son of a bitch. <laughs> wow, we got real serious. I know there's a little bit of uh, PSA about a fictional bike. Um, <laughs> did you guys watch the uh, Summer in Hawkins? Uh, 
YouTube. It was like it was called Summer and Hawkins, and it was just like a quick clip that they released for Stranger Things. Yeah. Was that just a while ago, or was that just recently? That was, was a like, while ago. Was okay, it? I feel like I did see that then. Oh, it was a while ago? Yeah, it came out, like, two months ago. Jesus yeah. Christ, I thought that that was just the mall thing that they released a couple of months ago. Like that, the same, isn't that the same thing? No, the, the, whole, oh. the whole mall thing was just, like, showing up. It was, like, the new mall that they're opening up in Hawkins. This was, like, back in the 80s when there was like, this big... Uh, and the, the mall boom or the mall were, explosion. Yeah, yeah, I felt like the Summer and Hawkins thing was like the, it was the, uh, uh, you guys remember watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, Phoebe Cates when she comes out of the water and they mm-hmm. play that music. This was, this was Billy as the life, uh, as a lifeguard at the, at the pool there in Hawkins and they're playing that Phoebe Cates, that music from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and all the, <clears throat> you know, uh, the, uh, the, the MILFs of Hawkins are watching him come. Shit, I have not seen You it. haven't seen this? No. Yeah, me neither. I okay. thought you were talking about the same thing Neil was talking about. No, 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 no. Thing. Yeah, whatever you're talking about came out five days ago. Yeah, it's called Summer in Hawkins, and basically it, you've got, uh, um, uh, all the, uh, kind of like some of the mothers there, uh, in Hawkins, they're at the pool and they're, they're there watching their kids and they're waiting for the lifeguard change. You've got, uh, hmm. a, a young female teen lifeguard and her shift is over and they all know the next shift that's going to take place. As soon as she steps down from, uh, her chair, uh, you see Billy from season two come out of like uh the shower room and he's walking <laughs> and they play that that music that accompanies phoebe cates when she gets out of the pool in <laughs> fast times at ridgemont high and all these like you know like thir- mid 30 year old mothers are watching billy as he walks you guys haven't seen it? it's 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 That's really amazing. it's really I'm good it now it's really good yeah it's really good so I'm 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 stoked for season three. I cannot wait for season three. Wasn't he the uh, Red Ranger in the new Power Rangers movie? Was he the Red Ranger? Doctor Montgomery. Yeah, he was. Red Ranger also sounds like the nickname that you'd give you like a dog's penis. (laughs) (laughs) I know they call those Red Rockets, but you could also call it a Red Ranger. Right? Hey, did any of you guys ever? Uh, listen to the uh, Stranger Things Channel Scambino Max mashup. No, no, that was the thing. Yeah, so it's a uh, Channel Scambino song Bonfires with the Stranger Things theme song as like the beat. It is fucking incredible. Really? Hmm. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. It, it's 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 so goddamn good. It, it fits so perfectly, and it, it just it's it's a phenomenal mashup. I'll check that out. Oh, I love mashups. Like as far as like, I love some of the musical mashups that people come up. Oh yeah, with. that's cool. Yeah, send yeah. me that link. I want to listen to that, dude. It's it, look up uh, Childish Gambino, Stranger Things on YouTube, and it's right there. Or you could just respect my wishes and send me the goddamn <laughs> link. <laughs> Mr. Ryan does not search for shit. <laughs> oh, guys, I got news from Variety here. Aaron Taylor Johnson and Kenneth Branagh 
will appear in Christopher Nolan's upcoming film, Tenet. So, here, big news here. We finally got the name of the fucking next Christopher Nolan movie. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's... For me, as like a uh, a lover of film and a lover of you know, just 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 entertainment and movies, there's a fever. There's a fever with the Christopher Nolan <laughs> movies. Uh, only a cowbell will. No, uh, there's a fever with Christopher Nolan movies. Like when we know there's a new Christopher Nolan movie, it's very secretive. Ooh, what's the what's Christopher gonna do now? Um, but like, there is, there's kind of like this, uh, mystery, this secrecy to a Christopher Nolan film, uh, now. And, uh, just even finding out casting news and, and, uh, and, uh, the name of the fucking movie is a big thing. It's weird because like, um, it, it wasn't always that way. Now it is that way. It's like, it's like we knew a Nolan movie was coming out and we knew nothing about it. We had nothing to talk about. And now we're finally getting some casting information. Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kenneth Branagh, and it's going to be led by John David Washington, um, uh, which is Denzel Washington's son from Black Klansman. Uh, it, the movie's going to be called Tenet. Uh, let's see here. Michael Caine, of course, is joining the cast. He's only not been in, I believe, two Nolan films. And... Um, we don't. Uh, oh, uh, Robert Pattinson is going to be in this one, uh, as well as uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Um, it's uh, going to be filmed on location across seven countries. Is an action epic and evolving from the world of international espionage. This makes sense. He was recently rumored as being like in the running for possibly doing one of the like the new Bond film. Um, and that didn't happen, but he's always wanted to do a spy movie. And so, like, oh. he's now he's going to be able to do his spy movie. Nolan is directing from his own original screenplay, and will use a mix of IMAX and 70-millimeter film to bring the story to the big screen. Uh, his wife, Emma Thomas, is also going to produce the movie. Uh, guys, I don't know about you. I, I, I can't really, if I had to rate this, gun to the head. Hold on, let me throw this out there. The score is being composed not by... Hans Zimmer, Ludwig Göransson. Göransson. Yes. Wow. Yeah. From Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yes. <laughs> from Black Panther is going to be scoring this movie, guys. I don't know about you, I and we know nothing about this. I Tupperware this announcement already. I can't not Tupperware this announcement already. This like this is everything that I like. This is everything that I've wanted from a Nolan film. I feel like Nolan, when he does a project, brings something new, something different, something imaginative. We talked about Quentin Tarantino earlier doing his own style. Like, you know, you, it, it was you, Tristan, who like, yeah, it was like, you know, you get a Tarantino movie, you know, you're going to get something different. I feel like you do that with Nolan, too. Same. I feel like we've gotten a lot of, like, spy movies where the main thing is, like, the same. Like, it's a list and they got to find the list or, like, there's a bomb that's going to go off. I feel like Nolan's going to bring something new to the genre. And, um, God damn it. I am fucking, I, uh, I cannot wait for this movie. I want more information on this movie. I can't wait to see just the first image from this. I remember the first image from Dunkirk and oh. it was just like the, the soldiers in that boat. And, uh, you know, then we got like the, 
the first teaser trailer for that. Like, guys, like, there's, there, like, I, I, I joke about a fever about Nolan movies, but I do have a fever when it comes to Nolan movies. This, this has me fucking excited as all oh, hell. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, he's got a track record at this point of doing different yeah. things and, and making movies that are unique and interesting. And that, I think, because we have become accustomed to him doing those things, we, are more excited about his next projects because we know we're going to see something that has never been seen before. Yeah. 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 He's one of those directors where, you know, everyone lines up just because it's Tim. You don't even need to know what the damn film is about. (laughs) Yeah. 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 His name definitely carries that much weight where they can, they can be the secretive and this like, you know, slow leading with his projects. So yeah, he's definitely earned that. God damn fucking uh you know like i think one of the biggest announcements for me coming out of this is two two it's going to be a spy movie international espionage and then ludwig ludwig gorenson doing the, doing yeah. the score like you know yeah, he's yeah. also doing the the mandalorian score as well yeah is he really yeah awesome that is awesome yeah i'm excited for this too you know i'm a big james bond fan and this looks to be kind of nolan's you know deconstruction Hmm. version of that kind of thing and it'll be interesting to see what kind of new flavor or style he brings to that whole genre i agree brian we've kind of seen the the spy espionage thing kind of the cookie cutter way a million times you know nolan's not going to do that Yeah. yeah do you know what tenet means um I, I don't think I know in the sense of when I first heard the title, I, I thought it was something else, but it, it's like a French word, right? It's tenet. I, I'm not sure where the where it originates from, but it's a, a principle or belief, especially one of the main principles of a religion or philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, mm. don't know how that's going to fit into the film, but that's what it's. T e n e t is the uh, title of this movie. Tenet. Yeah, not one named year. after David Tennant. Exactly. Not named after David Tennant. <laughs> it's not talking about someone who lives in a building. <laughs> no, no. Uh, my next door neighbor, the spy. Yeah, that's going to be the end. <laughs> Let's talk about – so I think we're – you know what? I, it's fucking crazy that like I just Tupperware the fuck out of this news. Like, I know nothing about this. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I feel like just three or four episodes ago, you were you were starting to really get excited for a, a, some kind of an announcement about yeah. what Nolan was going to do next. Yeah. Well, I knew that Nolan was doing a new movie. Like, uh, like it was like three, four weeks ago or whatever. They were like, yeah, Nolan's doing a new movie. Nothing. We knew nothing about it. And I love that secrecy with the Nolan film. I love that. Kind of, I love that secrecy. I love the buildup. I love I love the hype. And uh, just finding out the name and some of the cast. Aaron Taylor Johnson, that's a weird casting for this movie, in my that opinion. Is, weird. Is, is Michael Caine in this? Yes, yes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. He's only well, not uh, been in two movies for Nolan. So, Speaking of uh, regulars for directors, I, I forgot to mention the Michael Rooker cameo at the end of Brightburn. Yeah. Just fucking yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. That was great. That was really cool. I loved that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I just didn't want to spoil that for people. You know, I didn't want to be back. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't want to be that asshole. You know I what I mean? Listening anyway. 
No, unfortunately, that's not true. A <laughs> hey, uh, Spawn movie news from comicbook.com. Did you guys see the Spawn news? Did it have did. did it have you worried, Jake? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Really? Are we talking about McFarlane talking about possibly pulling out of the project? Yeah, let me read this. Uh, let's see here. At one point, it appeared like the Spawn film uh, film reboot had some steam behind it, but chatter about the film and its potential production has died down a bit, at least from looking at it from the outside. The anticipated reboot is expected to have a much different vibe than the CGI-heavy 1997 film, and fans are anxious to see it. Comicbook.com's Jim Viscardi recently caught up with Spawn creator Todd McFarlane. I love how they talk about how like people recently caught up with somebody. Like they like Todd McFarlane's like in a uh, a marathon and they were like jogging behind them and they caught up to them. <laughs> I love I I always love that. Recently caught up. Like like Todd McFarlane's on like, the outside wall on Todd McFarlane. Yeah, on like your left. On, on your left, Todd! <laughs> Scoot McNally! Um. <laughs> <laughs> But I, yeah, recently caught up with. It's weird. Like he tracked him down. You know what I mean? It's, so it's weird. not the same interview we reprinted last week. Like <laughs> Todd McFarlane's like sitting in an In and Out Burger, and fucking Jim Viscardi walks in. Found you, <laughs> yeah. son of a bitch. You can't get away from me, Todd. I I recently caught up with ya. So now we're doing an interview. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Jim Viscardi recently got up with uh, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane to, ch- to check on the status of the film. And at the moment, it sounds like it all comes down to the script. Uh, quote, about the same spot. The money's sitting on the sidelines ready to go. I just need to get everyone that wants to put in money to shake their heads to the same script. As you can imagine... Everyone has a slightly different version of it in their head. You just go and trying to appease a handful of people while not giving in to what it is that I'm trying to do myself. Because if I have to change it too much, I'll just walk away from it all. Uh, Boom. Jake, let me throw this out there. I love it. I love his quotes. Um... If he can't make the movie the way that he wants to make it, then damn it, walk the fuck away. I respect it. I re- this is why he started Image Comics, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but unfortunately, it's if he walks away from this, it, unlike Image Comics, he's not just going to make the movie somewhere else. It's 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 kind of do or die. Who right? gives I mean, a fuck? Who gives a who wants a fucking oh, shit? Yeah. No, no, I'm not yelling at you. But who wants a fucking shitty Hellboy movie? Right? <laughs> so here's the thing. Todd McFarlane doesn't need this. He doesn't need this. He's got he's still fucking uh an image. He's still got his McFarlane toys. He don't need this. He can walk over. he's not a fucking young director that fucking needs this shot. This is his directorial debut, and he said from the get-go, this is going to be my movie. This is going to be my spawn. We're going to do it. uh, He's going to be Frank Sinatra. I did it my way, you son of a bitch. And so 
that's the way he wants to do this here. And if they're not, if the studio's not gonna, if they're trying to tweak it too much, he's gonna walk away from it all, he says. And I gotta respect the man for that decision. And it doesn't matter if he's got, you know, Jamie Foxx locked down to play in a role. He doesn't matter if he's got Jeremy Renner locked down to play a role. I mean, if he's not gonna get the, I want him to get a chance to make the movie that he wants to make. Yeah, yeah. Fair I, enough. I hear you. It's, that's, you know, a noble reason. It is interesting to me with such big name actors, though. Like, how long can you leave people like Renner and Fox just hanging in limbo while you don't even know if you're going to green light this thing? Mm. I'm just surprised that Fox and Renner signed on when the script is unstable. Another question I have is like, let's say hypothetically, Todd walks. Is. Is Todd the puppet master here? Are they still going to just make the movie anyway, but without Todd? Well, I mean, like, that that all, I mean, I don't know as far as kind of like the, the movie rights, you know, like, do the movie rights walk with Todd? Does he have 100% complete control over the movie rights here? Or does the studio have the rights? To I would this? guess Isn't it's it? the studio. Isn't it a Blumhouse thing? It's, Bl- Blumhouse is definitely involved in this. Yes, Neil. So their their whole business model is to not shell out any money until they know they're going to make some money, right? Well, I mean, their movies go upwards of as far as the budget's concerned of at 10 million at, at the highest. Uh Yeah. But see the thing is it's it sounds like he's got somebody above him saying that they need to tweak the script the script a little bit and he's saying like he says, you just go and trying to appease a handful of people while not giving into what it is that I'm trying to do myself. Because if I have to change it too much, I just walk away from it all. So, so, so who do you think is the, are, who do you think are the people that are above him that are trying to get him to change the script? Studio. I think like his quotes of like, this is going to be a gritty, grim, not your average superhero movie. And you've got the studio saying, like, why can't we do it like, uh, you know, Marvel and uh, the movies that are successful out there? Why can't you do Spawn like that, you know? And he's he's like, no, I, I, that's not the story I want. I don't know. Maybe I, I guess. What studio is it? Is it Blumhouse that's Blum- giving him these directives or is it some other studio? No, it's his backers. I mean, he, he obviously has backers. Like, what I took from this is it's a little bit of a too many cooks scenario. Mm. It, it's where you've got six people that are putting up this money and all six of them have to agree with one single mm, direction. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the context that I took from what Todd's quotes were. You're and right. That, You're right, Jake. Uh, let me read this. He says, I just need to get everyone that wants to put in money to shake their heads to the same script. You're 100% correct. Yeah. And okay. I, you can see wherein lies the problem there, right? It, it's not so much a studio thing. Like you guys were saying, you know, Blumhouse is probably going to put some money in, but we all know it's going to take more than $10 million yeah. to make this movie, especially with just the two leads that are already cast in it. Yeah. This is not, um, this is not Valerian where Luke Besson like got up. It is kind of like Valerian, like Luke Besson funded this movie, but it was, he, it was funded through friends. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's kind of very similar to what's going on here, except rather than friends, Tom or Todd just has, you know, back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, and that makes sense. I mean, he's going to get to a point where if he just gets frustrated and, and pulls the cord, he'll just get out and there probably won't be a movie. 
Yeah, they start, haven't started filming, so... But God damn it, you know, like... I was really looking forward to this, you know? Especially after... I mean, I wasn't, like, the biggest... I, I think Jamie Foxx would have been great, like, you know, ten years ago. And maybe he could still could be great now. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, It's just weird, because he's saying, like, Spawn will have no spoken lines in the movie. It's like, why do you cast Jamie Foxx, then? Because he's such a great actor. It just didn't make sense yeah, to me. Yeah, Jamie Foxx's vocal acting is something yeah. I always think about when I think about Jamie Foxx. Maybe he's... Maybe he's not playing Spawn. Maybe Jamie yeah. Foxx is playing uh, the um, what's it, uh, the Leguizamo role from the first one. I didn't. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're even going to do that this time. Yeah, isn't he an integral part of the story though? I remember I'm, watching the the, the HBO series, uh, and he was a he was a bit, that character is a big part of that show. show too. I always thought I that 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 they cast Jamie Foxx as Al Simmons. Huh. Me too. I thought we were kind of radically changing the story in some aspects, though. Even Todd has kind of inferred that, I thought. Like, okay. we're making it more, like, spirit-based or whatever. Than, like, he said some weird stuff about it. Like, I, I've never thought that we were going to do the atypical Spawn stuff in this movie. Like, that we were going to do Spawn versus Violator type stuff, you know, with, uh, I forget what the name of the Malbolgia? Yeah, Malbolgia, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a ground level human story that Todd's trying to tell mm. here. He's, he's always compared it to movies like Seven and so I think it's less of the supernatural but just enough. Hmm. What if they would have oh. came out with a sequel for Seven and the movie was called Eight? <laughs> what would be the eighth deadly sin? <laughs> 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 isn't that, isn't that Holly? Isn't it? It's the Hollywood we live in now, though, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think seven and a half is a better. Title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about seven full throttle? Oh, <laughs> directed by <laughs> Mick G. Jake, I love it. Seven full throttle. <laughs> Go all the way on gluttony. Right. Oh my god! Isn't isn't the, isn't full throttle the name of an energy drink now? <laughs> yes. It's, it's like the, oh man, yeah, you're right. It's like the one Coke cans. I yeah, think. it's the one that looks like uh, you're you're drinking a Harley Davidson. Oh yeah, what's the name of that artist? I am drawn a blank, but it looks like he draws the logos or whatever. You know that famous california artist that you always see on lighters and stuff the guy the guy no the guy that did like the uh orange county choppers <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy it's like you're you're <laughs> what are those guys names that does uh tully's what are their names that tuttles yeah it looks it's like you it's like you're drinking the tuttle family from a tin can <laughs> Yeah, it's full throttle so bad. I the whole idea of um losing the numbers and naming all the sequels, I, I've never been I'm a little bit of a purist with that. I miss the numbers. Really? Yeah. I, I think everything just gets lost in my brain once you start stacking too much on top of each other. Yeah, I hear that. So and so many of them are just so generic with so little thought put into them. Like when it just becomes like a factory, you know, when it's Independence Day resurgence or whatever the fuck. It, it's just it's no creation, no imagination. Although I, I know, it, I guess it's a little bit more than a number, but 
Did you prefer the Marvel movies be just numbered sequels? No, I, I get it with I like to me those are individual mimic, franchises though. Yeah, it yeah. mimics the way the comic universe works. Yeah. I still wouldn't be opposed to like you know how the Harry Potter books like subtly have the number on the spine of the book? Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to that kind of thing going on in the MCU. Like when the box set mm. comes out, you yeah. know, subtly having the number one and two and three on the actual order of the movies. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that the Fast and the Furious franchise missed out on marketing with uh, Fate of the Furious, which was the, the eighth movie, not having an F and an eight as fate. They did that. Did they? Yeah, they? They did oh, do yeah. that. They did oh. that. I don't I ever feel, seen that at all. I feel oh, like yeah. Neil missed out on. <laughs> Apparently, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about a confusing franchise. Like to like watch. Like Brian was talking about watching those movies for the first time, and it's like Jesus, get on Wikipedia to find out what order those <laughs> fucking things come in. You don't need to watch anything before number five. Yeah, the last numbered one. <laughs> did you guys hear uh, Sylvester Stallone did a press junket for Rambo 5 uh, and uh, the news came from Deadline but he he was talking about uh, he had some quotes on Rambo 5 and he was talking about uh, you know the Cobra stuff? yeah the Cobra stuff he was asked by an audience member to reflect on Cobra Stallone said that that was what if Bruce Springsteen had a gun? That was rock and roll meets drama. That should have been another franchise because that character was so cool and I blew it. My personal life got in the way. But we're trying to bring it back as a streaming TV series. Bring out the zombie squad. I'm long gone, but the idea is really good, said Stallone. So, I, I Cobra, I looked it up. It's not streaming anywhere right now for free, but if you want to, you can rent it for two ninety nine most places. Have you guys seen Cobra? Oh, of I course. Not. Yeah. Who's not seen Cobra? HBO many a time. Who's not seen Cobra? I have not. Tristan has. Neil, you seen Cobra? Yeah. Oh my god, um, Jake. I don't know, dude. I I haven't watched it recently. It's probably been over a decade since I watched Cobra, and it's like, uh, what was it? There was a cult that, and there's a cult that is after a woman who saw something that they did, and so like they send one of like their. Uh, cult followers after her to kill her and you've got Cobra played by Sylvester Stallone who's trying to protect this woman um, so that she can kind of like I don't know bring this cult this cult down um, I thought when I was a kid watching this movie it's it's just your typical 80s action movie but I really I really enjoyed Cobra I don't know about it working in a series a- anytime you talk about any Stallone project being uh, any other actor but Stallone, it has me a little bit worried. I mean, it's always like they've talked about this kind of stuff in the past. Like, I think there was talk of like a Rambo TV series at one time. Um, don't you know, stop with, it. Um, don't don't shoot. <laughs> don't shoot. Don't. Oh God! <laughs> no, that, what was that movie? That <laughs> don't, stop! Don't stop uh, or my mom will shoot. I'm kidding. There was or my mom will shoot. There was never I was getting that in my head with throw mama from the train. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was like never movie, aren't they? There was never talk of a stop or my mom will shoot TV series. But like, I don't know. I loved Cobra. I don't know if I would watch it today and revere it as much as I did when I was a teenager. I'm 
Yeah. I'm a little bit on the opposite mind of you as far as what Stallone's saying. Well, first off, I, I agree with you that I've never really – like Cobra was a fine enough movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I haven't thought about it much since then. Even back then, it wasn't the type of thing where I was like, wow, I really want to see Cobra 2. Like it didn't really seem like that much of a do you think that they would call heavy world other than just the character. Do you think that they would have called Cobra 2 <laughs> Mobra? Because it's I mean it's m- more Cobra. Yeah, it's Mo Cobra. So they just like Mobra. Yeah, I mean if it, Neil's like a perfect test audience, and once they would have run that by, they would have been like, ah, oh, that no one knows what that means. <laughs> okay, so, so when when Cobra when Cobra when Cobra two when they pitched it when they pitched it in that boardroom, they were like, we're gonna call it Cobra two Mobra, and they were like, Nobra. and then the whole yeah then we never saw anything that was why we only got cobra one right and then but neil was like i want to get this movie made my name's neil so i'm gonna blow bra (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a left turn i wasn't ready I am Neil I am so sorry go ahead Jacob I was gonna say as far as the Stallone quotes I actually appreciate that he has the humility to not suggest himself play this role again I the Rambo I get like I don't want to see the Rambo reboot it's very Indiana Jones to me there's only one Mm -hmm. person that is that character I don't need to see the Rambo reboot but with Cobra not being very iconic like, I think it's perfectly fine for him to be an executive producer and get this thing off the ground and, and find someone else to try to sell and be this character. Maybe they, could, they, could, have, the route. they could have one of those Luna guys play Cobra. Yeah, just, okay, <laughs> flip a coin. Flip a coin, throw a, throw a dart at the wall, whatever name it lands on, Diego or fucking Gabriel, just have one of those guys play it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I mean, if they're going to do this, the only way I would be even somewhat interested is if Stallone was not starring in it. And in no slight against Stallone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't... I, God damn, I don't care about more Cobra, I guess. I mean, I back in the day, if you would have asked me, like in the 80s, early 90s, if I wanted to see another Cobra film, I would have told you yes. But I also would have told you I, I wanted Tango and Cash too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I agree, Brian. I was very surprised at how much traction the story was getting. Yeah, it was weird. Hey, uh, Tristan, you need to go out and watch Cobra. Yes, go out and watch Cobra. I'll go and watch Cobra. Yeah, can we get can we get over the top the series? <laughs> over the top of the series. So every I have, week I have he's seen that. He's so you've got <laughs> like, like an arm wrestling people. Yeah. So Jake, oh, every top dad over the top. <laughs> Do you know the kid? The kid from Over the Top. That's the voice of uh, Daniel from Transformers, the animated movie. I, I did know that actually. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's there you go. Over the fucking top. The, the 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 guy that played the 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 you know like the big bad in that movie was an actual. He was the champ at the time of arm arm wrestling at the time. Wow, he must have appreciated all that exposure to his profession. You've got to. <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck about arm wrestling, Jake. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love that movie. I actually I saw too. that movie in the theater with my grandfather. And uh, as oh, a wow. kid, I mean, I know it's cheesy as fuck, but I absolutely was suckered into it all and how paid by numbers it was and just absolutely loved it. You know, yeah. it's a classic 80s sports movie and it, everyone knows how it ends without even seeing it. Dude, there's something about Stallone turning that hat around, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Guy, they should not have shown that in the trailer. I do that when I podcast every night. Like, before... <laughs> before flip that backwards. Dude, dude. Like, you flip it back forwards? I am a normal human being throughout the week, but, like, right before we record PCL, I flip that hat around backwards and I turn into this jack wagon, so... <laughs> PCL over the top. Over the top, Brian, over the top. <laughs> There's something about that movie. I mean, just knowing that you've seen Sylvester Stallone in all these Rocky movies, and here he is having an arm wrestling contest with mm-hmm. everyone circled around him. <laughs> it just yeah. sounded it's always just so seemed like ridiculous. a yeah, it just seemed like a bit of a downgrade. God damn it! You know, you know, you know, what movie I really loved. Still, let's just talk about Stallone movies here for a moment. Um, did did any? I, I've never. I'll be honest with you. I've never watched it. Did anybody watch Oscar? Was that him? That comedy he did. Oh, I, it was a huge flop. Huge I, I don't flop. think I've ever seen it. No. No? Tristan? No. All right. No. Uh, throw this one out there. Demolition Man. Oh, yes. oh, of course, of course. God damn it. That's that a movie. Great fucking movie. That movie. I still don't know what they were doing with those shells. Oh, the three seashells. <laughs> uh, three seashells. <laughs> I just remember the marketing at Taco Bell. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking Dennis Leary in that movie. It's great. So good in that movie. I love Dennis Wesley Leary. Snipes is great in that movie. Wesley yeah. Snipes was amazing. I love two different color eyes with uh, the 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 mm-hmm. blue and the red and the, yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Sa- Sandy B was just coming off of the Speed hotness. Yeah. Are you sure? I think did she do was that, I, that was before Speed? Dude. Oh, was it before? Yes. It was, it was okay. like the the uh, on the way up of Sandy B. Yeah, yeah. because uh, Demolition Man was ninety three and I believe Speed was ninety four. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. Man, Speed was a great fucking movie. Speed was so good. Oh, yeah. Dennis Speaking fucking Hopper. Man. Speaking of Demolition Man, they always talked about the, the big earthquake of 2010, and so I was always nervous in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Thunder the Barbarian did that for me for 1999. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Thundar the Barbarian. I always confuse Thundar the Barbarian with the Herculoids. I mean, they, I think they're all the exact same creative team. I, did you ever see those Herculoids figures that came out years ago? Yeah, those were fucking sweet, dude. I wanted that bleeping Blork real yeah, bad. Yeah, they had the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive uh, Herculoids figures that came out, and I believe there was... a. Uh, three of them and they came in box sets and you could push the box sets together and it would kind of create like a diorama of the characters oh my god jake uh those are fucking incredible i never understood why there was this one giant superimposing dinosaur and then he shot little pet like pellets out of his head oh god i love that guy (laughs) why not just go wreck shit with your massive fucking dinosaur body why are you just standing there shooting these pellets Oh, I love that guy. I love the pellet shooting fucking dino dude. <laughs> no. I, I like the gorilla and bleep and blork. 
<laughs> oh man, I love that show. Herculoids was amazing. Jake, where can you watch the Hercules? Why haven't ne- why hasn't Netflix made a Herculoids movie? <laughs> Yeah, let's get Stallone in that. I'd be okay. Did, did, did you guys see Kelly Claiborne, one of our listeners, Kelly Claiborne, he sent me a commercial for a – it was a car commercial, and they made it in the uh, – do you remember the, the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoons from the 80s? Oh, of course. Did you see that car commercial where they, they, they recreated the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and they turned it into a car commercial? I mean, we're talking commercials again, so I absolutely did not see it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. Jake doesn't know his commercials that well. Um, have you seen the new what, – what, what's uh, what's her name? Anna Ferris. Have you seen the new Klondike Bar commercial she's doing? No. Yeah, Anna Ferris. Is that what she's up to? Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Her career has taken her to be the new Klondike Bar spokesperson. Oh, yeah! Wow. I mean, you know, it's whatever. Make the money how you can. I suppose it's kind of sad. Um, it's not like she was hardly ever like a huge Hollywood draw. I mean, Anna Ferris hasn't really fallen off the map from where she was. So Jake is saying that Klondike bar advertisements are a step up for old Anna Ferris. <laughs> I'm saying it's about the same. <laughs> oh, Anna Ferris on par. <laughs> Traje- Anna Ferris's trajectory about the same. I don't. I don't think the draw to Scary Movie Two was yeah. Anna Ferris. <laughs> well, she she's got that whole series on CBS, Jake. No, I'm not saying she doesn't, but I mean, you know. I'm just saying she's on she's on she's on a show called Mom and it's a national TV show and uh you are you discounting Isn't that, that with, uh uh Allison Janney? Yeah, with Allison Janney, uh Academy Award winning Allison Janney from uh, Itania. So, yeah, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, network sitcom pay was about equal to fucking Klondike dark commercial pay oh, these national. days. Commercial pay is huge. Klondike, yeah. Guys, can we talk about Klondike Bar here for a second? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you got like the crunchy one. It's amazing what they've done. They, they were, were they the first to take cha- to take chocolate and 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 encase ice cream in in a chocolate shell to where you could hold said shell and take a bite into soft, delicious French bin- vanilla bean ice cream. Were they the first? It's genius when you really think about it. It is. It is. It is. Like at one time, guys, think about this. I want you to think about this. 500 years ago, who was eating ice cream? Nobody. Why? Because ice cream didn't exist. Now they're like, you know what? Let's in- <laughs> let's encase this in a chocolate sleeve and eat the fuck out of it, right? I mean, we have come- – <laughs> Welcome to the new pop culture leftovers where we're talking about chocolate sleeves and I and ice cream. This is what the fuck is going on, Jake? I don't know what's I, even happening right now. I, when I have a Klondike bar, I eat it like I'm a fucking like serial killer, dude. I like <laughs> unfold the foil yeah. and like peel off all the chocolate, eat it first. You're like you're like you're, by itself. You're like Jeffrey Dahmer with a dead animal out in the woods eating that thing, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were talking about holding it in your hand and eating it, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Jake, Jake is like, like Jake. Is that what you're saying, Jake? Yeah, I, I don't know. Jake is like a nine-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer out in the woods with a dead rabbit, you know, picking this, <laughs> picking, picking this thing apart. I thought that's why they gave you the foil wrapper, right? <laughs> you know, it's the table. Uh, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Ah, uh, what? What do we? What do we got? Skin here? things. Let's talk about. You know what? Uh, Marvel news. Yeah, you know, Captain America and Iron Man and uh, uh, Shang Chi. There you go. There's your Marvel news. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I got, hey, let's move on to the DC news. No, uh, honestly, there was a, uh, uh, for Spider, uh, for, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, um, there was, uh, a new clip that I guess Ellen had on, uh, on her show, uh, where they had an extended clip, uh, Peter Parker's introduction to Quentin Beck Mysterio, and, uh, Quentin Beck talks about the multiverse, and he tells Peter that he's from Earth 616 and that he's from Earth 833. So, yeah, I mean, um. Oh, I wish they wouldn't have used that number. Really? Just from the comics? That upsets you? Really? It does upset me because if, he, if he truly is, if he's not lying, he should say he's any number but 616 because he is clearly. Not from Earth six one six. No, no. So Quentin Beck says saying that Peter Parker. Yeah, from he says Peter's from six one six. Yeah. Either way, I don't like it. Wow. So he, you just yeah, got he, done saying that he should. You just got done saying he should have said he's anywhere from but six from six, and we just told you he said he's from eight thirty three, and now you're saying either way. I, I'm, I'm Jake. No, I mean, I, no, I don't. You're misrepresenting. I, I mean, I'm misunderstanding. Yeah, whether it's Peter that's saying he's from 616, or whether he's saying it's Peter from 616, or whether he's saying it's himself from 616, both are equally stupid. And they're from Earth MCU. I'm fine if they want to assign their own number to that, but they shouldn't huh. assign a number already taken that clearly isn't the one that these characters are from. Uh, so, not a fan. All right, I understand. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, I will co-sign that, yeah. One of my favorite bits in the old Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man was when they actually were visiting the set of, you know, Sam Raimi's movie at one point for a minute. And it's like stuff like that can't even exist if mm-hmm. you um if you start to like blend the lines between what universes these characters are from. Um Name it six one fucking five if you have to. I it think it seems just, like a I, whatever. A, I think Easter eggs have gotten out of control, right? Don't you, Jake? Uh, yeah, and that that one is out of control in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, they said Earth six one six. Holy crap! Oh, you know, <laughs> that's fucking stupid, yeah. and I don't like it. Yeah, no, no, you make sense. I, I I I agree with you. I agree. I'm not gonna get a, like too upset about it, but. It makes no. Sense. It's yeah. it's hardly going to ruin the movie for me, but right. it, it is going to make me roll my eyes. And I yeah. wish they would. It would be more consistent to me if they would assign the MCU its own number its designation. Own number. Yeah. What if it was? That like makes a lot of sense. Earth sixty nine. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. Earth 420, 69. Let's get high and eat out each other's genitalia. <laughs> no, bro. Earth I want to live on. <laughs> oh, so I know it's a nerdy complaint, but yeah. I, it's, an, it's an Easter egg for the sake of Easter eggs. You're, you're absolutely right. And yeah. there was no thought into kind of the repercussions of what they're saying. Is this the first time that the MCU has been referred to as a, as 616? No, it's not. There's actually, um, if you, I think it's like in one of the Thor movies or one of the movies where somebody's looking at a monitor. Um, somebody's looking at a monitor. I think it might be like Dr. Selvig looking at something and it says that Earth is 616. I think it's when, and don't quote me, but I know it's been in another movie. I know 100% that they've called it 616 and it's shown up on a monitor, but I think it might be like, Dr. Selvig when he's talking about the nine different realms. I know they did it in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. No, I, but in the MCU, they've done it as well. They have. Okay, cool. it, it has. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a minor Easter egg. It's like on the level of like Wakanda in okay. Iron Man okay. 2. Or like it's like Stephen Strange being yeah, on the watch list. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. You know, so. the whole Earth 616 thing was um, originally created by Neil Gaiman and Marvel rejected that name for a very long time before they actually embraced it. Really? Mm. Yeah. Like they went out of their way to not call it that. It was all of us that relentlessly called it Earth 616 that finally they were just like the writers that grew up with that. What did Neil Gaiman do that? Was it for Sandman? No, it was something else. It was for a Marvel book. Okay. it up. Hold on. Yeah, let's just put the whole show on hold. And just... <laughs> I mean, free, feel free to talk about something. Yeah, Neil. Feel... Dirty ass no, bullshit. Fucking Tristan, feel free to open up a water bottle in the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the interim here, you know. I'm on it. <laughs> you know, me and me and uh, you know, maybe we can debate about Anna Ferris's fucking career here for another fucking ten minutes. <laughs> you know, Anna Ferris, par for the course on her career. <laughs> <laughs> her post her Chris Pratt experience has not been good. Yeah, she took her whole career took a Chris Shat after that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm mixing my names. It wasn't Gaiman. It was Alan Moore. Alan oh, Moore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it was in Captain his Britain. Yeah, it was in his UK books. Oh man, that his Captain Britain run is fucking phenomenal. That makes a lot more sense why Marvel kind of rejected calling it something that yeah. Alan Moore named too. When Have Alan, you guys read? when I was just gonna say, when Alan Moore gets a little too outspoken, has anybody said Alan less? Because <laughs> <laughs> if they have it, they should. Right? They probably said it after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Have either of you guys read the uh, the Captain Britain run he did? No, it is huh. incredible. It, it it basically kind of outlines the rules of the multiverse and the Marvel really? universe, and it's it's a fucking mind trip. It's 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 a Captain Britain solo yeah, series. It, it's Captain Britain. Yeah, because I've re- I've read like when growing up, Jake. I don't know about you, but like going to like the grocery store or the bookstores, I would like pick up, you know. 
issues of Excalibur here and there, but like it's not like I've read yeah. entire Excalibur runs. So yeah, I'm more familiar with um, Captain Britain comics, honestly, in the last 15 years than I am like any of the really old stuff, you know. And it's got Betsy uh, Betsy Braddock before she changed bodies and became Psylocke, um, where he, she's just Brian Braddock's sister. It's, okay. It's, it's a and super blonde. Yeah, it's a super interesting run because it establishes the Captain Britain core, uh, the Guardians of the Multiverse, and, and it really it really does set up a lot of the, of kind of what they're doing now with the multiverse. I think um, it's it's a super fascinating cool. run of, of uh, like the, there's a a trade of just the Alan Moore Captain Britain, and it's it's really, really good. The mm. The art is incredible. The story is incredible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super fun book. Those it's are weird. typically the two things in comic books, the art and the story, right? <laughs> There's a big part of it. Usually. Really, really nothing else you can expound upon, correct? I nope, mean, it's... Nope, nothing at all. It's usually the writing... <laughs> And the, <laughs> there's not, you know, there's not like a VFX team or like a composer. It's usually those. You're a dick, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Tristan. You point, you like we were talking about Captain Britain, and you turned into Captain Obvious. So, I am a, I am a dick, aren't I, Jay? <laughs> I mean, you, well, you have occasions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to I want to be that lovable dick though, you know. Um that's not happening anytime soon. You know, <laughs> let's move on into to Star Wars news. We got some Star Wars news this week. <laughs> Tristan Tristan to see Brian your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> Neil's just giving some. You know, just expressing. I know. I I'm always looking. I'm always looking for that moment where I can be kind of like an asshole and like you. You you're sitting back and you're just like. Oh my god, he's he's going out of his <laughs> You're like, "Oh my god, the host of the show that I listen to every week is going out of his way to be an asshole right." Now. Yeah. How much do you have to do before you get called out on? What? <laughs> <laughs> let Neil love content here. <laughs> let Neil love content. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. And then yeah, I it was terrible. I just can't let it's like that it, it's like that, isn't it, Tristan? Like I just can't let anything slide. Like just let <laughs> let let someone enjoy something. Like I've gotta like I've got a shit all over their fucking like you know, their love for something. Like Neil is actually bringing real content. Like he's talking about, you know, Alan Moore and he's talking about uh Captain Britain and he's talking about he's bringing up real things and here I yeah. am. And I'm just uh, just turning everything into a mockery. And and you, sir, 
you know, when you're not opening water bottles or pointing this out to everybody. And <laughs> I'm surprised I could hear you over, over your, over your, over your, over your thirst. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great if like, if like Tristan said that, but like all we could hear was like him opening a water bottle. <laughs> what, what was that? What was that, Tristan? I'm sorry. That's you know what? Uh, what are you? Pop, pop. Yeah. Oh my! You have no idea how loud that was, Jake. Wasn't it like like? And it it, it was loud. It was like you ever like in the, those times in movies when uh, somebody is being hunted by a uh, a monster or like a dinosaur or something like that, and they've got to be real quiet, but you can hear like their heartbeat or like a watch like ticking. Like that was yeah. that was Tristan's water bottle in that moment. Like <laughs> I was shocked when he said what was making the noise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> are you? I thought that Tristan was using a pipe wrench in his fucking <laughs> in his bathroom to 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 open up a uh, to to open up a pipe and maybe I don't know uh, clear out a, a clog or something. And he's saying he's opening a water bottle. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? You're opening, you're opening a bottle of Evian, and it sounds like you're fucking. Uh, it was ridiculous, Jake. It sounded yeah. like it sounded like uh, I was inside Big Ben, and I was listening to like the clockwork gears grinding. It was insane. Oh, Star Wars news. I don't know. We're gonna take a break before we get to that shit. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta pee. Yes. Casting in the the Winter Soldier. Can film? you imagine Tristan taking a piss? It would sound like Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just even the sound of him lifting the toilet seat too much. <laughs> it would him lifting the toilet seat. Speaking of Star Wars news, it would sound like the Death Star exploding. <laughs> I feel like when the T-Rex shows up at Jurassic Park for the first time. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't survive in that whole place land, right? Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Star Wars news. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt and the next thing you know you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying holy shit that freckled face fucker was right anyway the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link what that means is when you click on the link from their website it helps the show it doesn't charge you extra at all you just shop like you regularly would and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. 
Hey, welcome back. Um, Jake is looking for his head. <laughs> Between uh, the break and now, some somehow Jake has misplaced his headphones. This is the most... <laughs> you guys have missed some good shit. This has been hilarious. <laughs> David got a guest appearance from Michelle. Yeah, I know. He's still looking for his headphones. <laughs> yeah, still looking. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. It's not as funny anymore, Neil. <laughs> we missed our opportunity. I know. We had some. We had some good material going there for a while. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh man, I don't know. Like what? What what'd you do, Jake? Tra- uh, tr- trace your. I, have no fucking idea I want you to trace your. To another fucking pocket dimension. I want you to. Tr- I want you to trace all five steps. <laughs> <laughs> like where did you go? <laughs> to lose did you like walk down the street or something? <laughs> No, man. I'm in. I'm in one room, and I go out into another room. And Jake, like, it literally is five fucking steps. Jake, Jake, Jake has been sleep podcasting this whole time, and he like he, he like woke, woke up. He just woke up, and he's like, "Whoa, where, where am I?" You checked all pockets, right? Just continue on without me, man. I I will find these and get and join the call right back. Okay, we're, we're, uh, we're doing it live! I don't... <laughs> Fuck it! Doing it live! Scoot McNally! Um... <laughs> guys, uh... <laughs> what? Okay, Star Wars news. Uh, Star Wars, uh, the, the big, uh, Vanity Fair piece came out. Uh, this week, uh, what did we learn from this Vanity Fair piece that came out for Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker? Um, they confirmed in this Vanity Fair piece that uh, the movie is going to be taking place a, a, about a year after the events of the The Last Jedi. So that has been confirmed. Um, so uh, yeah, we've got we've got more of a time jump. Uh, the, the last movie basically took place like right after. Uh, the Force Awakens. So uh, we're about a year or so removed from the events of the Last Jedi, according to the Van- Vanity Fair. I like that. I-, I like the time jumps between movies. I-, I miss that from the original series, the original trilogy, where they had actual time in between each movie. Yeah, I, I like like uh this episode like there was a time jump of like 5 minutes where like where Jake had like his headphones <laughs> <laughs> and then and I then, found them <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> I know where were they they were in a like a wicker basket that's sitting next to where the my phone charger is i just didn't look up and over i set them on the table and there was a basket there so they went in the basket. Copperfield. <laughs> Jake, they went in the basket. Jake, was, Jake, like in his head at that moment, said two points and totally forgot. You know, <laughs> that gave me so much anxiety. I need a fucking break from that break. 
<laughs> there was no break for Jake. No, there wasn't. I, I immediately realized I didn't know where my headphones were anymore, and told Neil, and then that was my that was like my entire frantic break. All right, do, let's let's take Jake, let's, Jake's like, can we take a five minute break? Yeah, let's. Okay, we will take a, a proper break for Jake. That way, you can collect yourself, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, yeah, it'll be instantaneous for the listeners because I'm just gonna pause. Awesome. All right. Hey, yeah, we're back. Jake, headphone, uh, <laughs> headphone yeah. debacle taken care of. Oh, I've never done that one before. That was <laughs> one for me. <laughs> People missed out on a fun conversation there. Man, I wish I would have been recording, Neil. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I was just on Reddit on break. Uh, we're, we're in Star Wars news right now, and somebody posted um, – Met John Favreau in Disneyland, got a Mandalorian coin, and they posted a picture of them with uh, John Favreau. Uh, he's John Favreau's wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt, and John Favreau gave him a Mandalorian coin. How fucking cool is that? That's yeah, so cool. I wonder if that's unique or he, Favreau's basically working the park at this point. He's like he's just, basically just like Mickey Mouse at this point. There, he's just wandering around the park, yeah, points in his pockets. Yeah, he's like handing him out the randos. He's, he's, just, <laughs> he's just he's like Uncle it's some Sp- dude in a Favreau suit with a Favreau head. <laughs> a Favreau suit handing out coins. <laughs> You'll notice he never speaks, except you can kind of hear him mumbling like it around his neck. All he says is, "Did you watch Chef?" <laughs> uh, no, the Mandalorian coin—it looks pretty cool, man. Actually, tell you what, people, let me give you some incentive to follow Pop Culture Leftovers on Facebook. You can uh, follow us on Facebook, and uh, I will post the picture of John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the mantle this, allegedly allegedly John Favreau it could be it could be someone in a John Favreau suit <laughs> what, what if it, what if it was Andy Circus in a John Favreau suit <laughs> I mean Disney's got the money and that's the guy you want to put in that suit. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, you're like, this is t- uh, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. <laughs> it's very much like that. <laughs> this ep- I'm so I apologize for this episode, everybody. This this is Giggle Fest 2019, Jake. This episode is just like the people. If this is your first time listening, they they are hating this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a good week, I think. I don't. I, we probably don't have too many first-time listeners this week. Yeah, I don't know. Welcome back. What's, what's bringing first-time listeners in? Aladdin? Brightburn. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that? I came. Like I came here to listen to Brightburn, and all you guys did was <laughs> was talk about this guy Neil sucking everybody off, and, yeah. <laughs> and then and then the co-host lost his headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Something about a water bottle somewhere in there, and like I don't know. No, and I'm on my third Klondike bar now. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All this talk about sucking dick. Yeah, I know. Hey, would would you finish your third Klondike bar if you? I don't know. What was like that was a joke I was gonna make. (laughs) 
<laughs> if it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. <laughs> it was a what would you do for a Klondike bar thing where, like, would you finish this episode for a Klondike bar? And I totally butchered it. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hate myself. Um, Star Wars Vanity Fair piece came out. Uh, we learned that the movie's going to take uh, place about a year after the events of The Last Jedi. Um, Oscar Isaac uh, talking in interviews is leading people to believe that uh, within that year, the the three, the the trio, the trifecta of Ray, Finn, and Poe are very close now. Um, the Vanity Fair piece also confirmed what we've been talking about for weeks now. That was also kind of like uh, hinted at in uh, that licensing art that we saw uh, that we're going to get uh, the Knights of Ren are going to be a part of this movie. That is confirmed from the Vanity Fair piece. They, the Knights of Ren are going to be a part of uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Sweet. Yeah, and that's who Kylo's beaten up on in that trailer. That's crazy. Are you sure that that's who he's beaten up on in that trailer, Jake? I think that that's just people that live on that planet. Oh, really? I thought the Vanity Fair piece itself even. even. Did it? Oh, wow. See? Yeah, because it made me want to go back and kind of rewatch that. Oh, trying to... No, I think you're No, now that I think about it, I think you're right because, like, didn't, uh, like, early news... Uh, was that uh, the Knights of Ren have come back now, and it, it, there could be... I've heard the rumor that uh, Kylo Ren could be taking on the Knights of Ren. They've come back, and they're different now. Like they okay. got changed when they were in the outer reaches of the universe? Yeah, they call it the... What do they call it? The Unknown? The un- Unknown Regions, oh, yeah. yeah. Unknown regions, yeah. <laughs> they got space... Vanity Fair uh, reveals uh, Carrie Russell as uh, the masked scoundrel Zori Bliss. Uh, We see her there in the thieves' quarter of the snow dusted world of Kijimi. So yeah, we snow dusted. I I, I, (laughs) it's not a it's not a snow planet. It's not Hoth. Um, it's a snow dusted planet, so it's not 100% snow. It's just been dusted with snow. Are, does anybody else hate some of the Star Wars names? I mean, they all, none of them sound right at first. You know, like one out of ten of them sound good the first time you hear them. Like Zori Bliss, that just sounds dumb to me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who has Bliss as a surname, man? Miss yeah, Bliss. Sorry, Bliss. Miss Bliss from uh, the original Saved by the Bell series. Uh, uh, yeah. Like a stripper or something. Ooh, Alexa Bliss is one of the current WWE women's champions. Next up on the stage, Zori Bliss. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. And she gets up on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> she gets up on the pole. She gets up on the oh. Poe. Yeah. <laughs> you did that? rejects your hypothesis. <laughs> Hot damn, Ren. Uh, That's a callback, people. Uh, First Order leaders General Hux and Allegiant General Pride, played by Richard E. Grant. We saw that picture of them on the bridge of Kylo Ren's Destroyer. Uh, we got pics of uh, Finn and Janna, played by Naomi Aki, on uh, what look 
like more alien horses, the, this time not Favier's uh, on Canto Bite, but this time they're riding what's called an Orbach. Mm. I hope they treat those Orbachs nicely. I know. Otherwise, we're going to get fucking like a speech from Rose again, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want. I don't want more animal lectures. Yeah, I don't need the. I don't need the, you know, like what's that song? In the eyes of the angels. Like, like, what, like, like what's that? What's that fucking? Uh, you know that uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin, fucking, <laughs> fucking, like you know, protect the Orbox and shit. Um, but we see I was them like uh, Jerry Orbach from uh, um, Law and Order. You and just you were thinking that. <laughs> I was re I was rereading this Vanity Fair article on the yeah. of Ren real quick. And yeah. They actually posted a correction at the bottom of the article okay. since I last looked at it. And they've taken out the talk of um, those being the Knights of Ren in the trailer. And they actually say, an earlier version of this article mischaracterized a scene including Kylo, Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren. Yeah, because like okay, uh when you look at that picture of uh Kylo well that scene of Kylo Ren like, you know, fucking like uh well, doing rock bottoms on dudes. Exactly. Um that that the character that he takes down um looks like one the uh in the, it looks like one of the people from the Akiaki, uh the desert planet that was featured in the trailer. Um who is sh- who's shifting around? Knock it off. It's the candy bar think? action again. Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not me. He's <laughs> muted. <laughs> uh, the desert planet that we saw in the first trailer is actually called Pasana. So it's not Tatooine. It's not Jakku. Um, the scenes for uh, Pasana were shot in Jordan. So it's not Abu Dhabi, which we've seen you know, for Tatooine. Uh, the people that live there are the Akiaki. It looked like, Jake, I don't know. Did it look like the people from the Vanity Fair article, the Akiaki, did it like with the hairy hands that were fixing, uh, Kylo's, uh, helmet in the, in the first trailer? Yeah, I'm, I'm led to believe that they're probably most definitely not the Knights of Ren now. Otherwise, they would have let Vanity Fair run with that. So is this the third desert planet we're getting in this universe? Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a sand-dusted planet, Neil. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's very different. <laughs> There's a distinction there. <laughs> God, these fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jake! I like how they're switching it up in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Just, instead of these planets being like a one hundred percent snow planet or one hundred percent desert planet, they're just lightly dusted. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like when you go to the restaurant and you have like the waiter, you know, grating the Parmesan cheese, and you're like, that, and you tell them to stop prematurely. You know what I mean? Like that's enough. Oh, oh, it's man. like the low sodium version of the potato chips. Yes, exactly. It's the Olean version of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, cheese dusted. <laughs> cheese dusted. 
um uh, let's see here so yeah i don't know like i was there that's really all i have from the vanity fair article was there any more that you guys wanted to talk talk about um the thing that really stuck out to me the most from the vanity fair article yeah. which is um jj abrams kind of saying that um kylo ren had an arc that was set in motion all along that They've always known a beginning, a middle, and an end to his character arc, and Adam Driver saying the same kind of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, I can't. This is just me guessing. But it kind of reeks of retconning to me, mm-hmm. and it's maybe something they're possibly saying to kind of satiate fans that are upset that this story is kind of being told by the seat of their pants. Mm. Yeah, I call bullshit because I don't think they knew exactly where the story was going with any of the characters. I, I, I bet they knew a little. I bet they knew the end game. It feels hard to write a character like Kylo Ren and not right from the beginning decide what the the final stroke of it was, right? Yeah, well, I think J.J. had an idea yes. as to where everyone was going. Yeah. But I think they gave Brian Johnson free reign to do whatever he wanted and that yeah. might have thrown a wrench in things. I agree yeah, with I agree. Tristan 100%. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I definitely lean towards that it probably is bullshit him saying this. Um, and you're probably right. You probably did have a beginning, the middle of an end that, that's been kind of changed. And I also, I thought it was interesting the stuff JJ kind of addressed about the Ryan Johnson stuff. He seemed to very much say that he was not going to hint that he wasn't really going to negate the stuff I thought in this Vanity Fair interview. Like he definitely showed, like said he had a lot of respect for what Ryan Johnson did. He kind of said that it changed the way he wrote the movie and it kind of took a little bit of pressure off of him to, you know, just go what felt good and go with his gut. Mm. And he, he kind of nodded to Ryan Johnson for like giving him the leeway to do that. So it, it would seem strange to me for him to take another radical left turn and, and then yet say those kind of quotes, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of course correction going on here because I think they're being yeah. very reactionary, just given the fact that all of a sudden we're getting a Star Wars movie every year and now it's, okay, let's take a break because Solo didn't do well. You know, there's going to be the next film in what, 2022? Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of corporate involvement in this. I, you know what? I think there's somebody who reads the Twitter way too much. Twitter, get on Reddit. I, I, I agree. And here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm with you, Tristan. It's, if we go back and, uh, Jake, remember those quotes from JJ Abrams, you know, that I read just a few weeks ago about how, how he was worried about taking on this project. Um, and, um, some of the things like he wished that there would have been more of a direction for this. It feels like what he's saying is that at one time he did have a direction for this, that Ryan Johnson took it over, and now it feels like he's got to fix some of this stuff. I mean, that's what I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I do too. I I really do. It feels like he's trying to um, fix a little bit of those statements. I'm not saying that the statements weren't true, sure, but I definitely thought he was walking back. This isn't, this isn't crazy though for us to like come to this conclusion. Like look what they did with Rogue One. I mean those trailers were 100% changed. Like they brought in a completely different guy to finish that movie. You know what I mean? That movie is completely different from how it was originally shot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I I would, I would like to hope that they wouldn't want to ruin a relationship with JJ Abrams in the future for any other future stuff and that 
they're going to let him do his thing, you know? But, I mean, it's kind of unknown whether J.J. doing his thing is even going to be satisfactory when it comes to concluding yeah. anything. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe it, we'd be better off. It's hard. It's just hard saying until we kind of learn more. But it's a strange thing to say, but maybe studio involvement would help Rain J.J. in a little bit. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I... I Personally, I love The Last Jedi. I, I really yes. appreciated it for being different than mm-hmm. the other saga films we've gotten. I, I appreciated the fact that Ryan Johnson did something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of worried that J.J. is going to kind of go back to the member berries of Force Awakens. Well, here's the thing. Oh, he Can I ask you this? Let me let me throw this out there. And we're talking about like how different Ryan Johnson made the Last Jedi, and I uh, it was. But here, here's the thing. It opened at the end of that movie. It opened up to that like anybody can be a Jedi, anybody can be Force sensitive. But like if you go back and watch the prequels, how many goddamn Jedi were there? <laughs> so fucking many. Right. Yeah. It's, this is not like it's anything new. It's just like no. this is the way it's always been. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, they've been decimated. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, yeah, big, okay, Broom Boy is now fucking a Jedi. Whatever, man. We had, uh, Kit Fisto fucking, like, with an underwater lightsaber <laughs> at one time. I mean, yeah, come they on. They let fucking, basically, Dan Ackroyd's conehead be a fucking Jedi. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so I'm true. not talking about Broom Boy. I'm talking about the entire feel of that movie. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. allowed Ryan Johnson to do something different with the overall sense of the movie sure yeah well, well what, what what did ryan johnson really do hold on here well he God. had like luke fucking toss a lightsaber over yeah. his shoulder he had luke be you know this crotchety old man he had uh, i thought breaking the mythology was kind of the biggest change he did like he yeah. basically like all the questions we podcasted about in between force awakens and the last jedi he answered by just Ending the questions for the think, giant fucking period. Yeah, like yeah. fuck all of you. We're doing something different. Here. Yeah, but like, why? What? What did he do with Constable Zubio? <laughs> 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 what did anybody do? I, th- I blame JJ for Constable. That was Zubio. the fucking Force Awakens thing. That what did happened. he? You know, what did he do to enhance Conjure Club? You know, I mean, nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, JJ's got to be stewing. I mean. Those- <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking Kanja Club! Oh god! I know. What do you like, guys? Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Tristan. What do you guys think about the Luke picture, though? I mean, it didn't look like a Force ghost, right? No, I honestly, I think like the Luke picture. They've uh, this uh, the 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 photographer that they had take that is. It's not like that photographer is known for taking pictures that have to like be things that show up in the movie. It's just yeah. Like, yeah. It's Annie Leibovitz. And yes. You're exactly right, Brian. These aren't shots from the movie. These are artistic, stylistic Annie yep. Leibovitz shots. Yeah. That Yeah. I just found it um, interesting that they had you know, a lot of the characters in these action shots that looked like they were kind of taken from scenes in the movie. And they have Luke right next to R2. Yeah, but there's uh-huh. not any special effects in any of these shots. Yeah. So yeah. if Luke is starring in the movie as a force ghost and he's on set none of the Annie pictures are going to show post-production Force Ghost Luke. They're just beautiful yeah. pictures taken on set. 
They're not mm, like right. official photographs of what the movie's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that is that. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, making Star Wars. That uh, net had uh, some news on uh, these could be possible spoilers for Star Wars Episode Nine. Are you guys ready for this? Yep, let's Always. go for it. You ready? Here we go. They had news on a scene that they are hearing that was filmed between Adam Driver and Harrison Ford. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I had heard this. That's very interesting. I believe this. Yeah, they said the main sequence takes place between Adam Driver and Harrison Ford or Kylo Ren and Han Solo. One source called it a surprise intervention of sorts. A source that did not work on or see the sequence believed it takes place when Kylo Ren asked the burned Darth Vader helmet to show him the darkness again. Luke Skywalker appears to be the twist in the encounter. The source was paraphrasing, but Han Solo tells Ben Solo, it isn't too late, and the sequence has a tone of forgiveness and understanding to it. He's not a force ghost in the classic sense, and he's part of a vision or dream type moment induced by Luke Skywalker. No one source gave me the complete picture, so it is easy to pull these pieces together and think we have the sequence, and we might. But I can't say 100% that's how it plays out. I can't say if Anakin or Leia or anyone else is involved, because I don't know. If one of the bullet points above is inaccurate, it could change the meaning of the entire sequence. The one thing several sources agree on is that Harrison Ford filmed a new sequence for The Rise of Skywalker. That's cool. Yeah, too bad they couldn't keep this one under the wraps, because... Um, yeah. Yeah, I really do believe this is true, and once you kind of believe this is true, it definitely kind of informs what may happen in the movie as far as, you know, the character and redemption. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, and that, that would make sense if he's fighting against the Knights of Ren. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and there was the quote in the Vanity Fair article from uh, Adam Driver himself saying that the, the connection... That Jake, the connection that we thought between him and Ray was cut off might be deeper than we thought it initially was. Yeah, I, I've read that stuff too. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're doing making any effort to kind of hide the fact that Kylo's really deciding whether to go good or evil in this one. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Brian, but they released like what the cover of the uh, making of Episode Nine art book looks like. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. And it's got it's a really gorgeous picture where it's like split in half and kylo on the top half and ray on the bottom half Mm. and it's very much like a yin yang light and dark type of thing going on i haven't seen that yeah that's interesting Mm. so yeah i'll try to find that and send it to you at some point here uh making star wars.net also had uh, an article titled huge rumor about how the final duel in star wars the rise of skywalker plays out you guys want to hear this Mm-hmm. Let's do it. You ready, Neil? Yeah. All right. I'm so uh, fucking ready. As I've been going through old notes of work and conversations I conducted throughout the last year, I've been able to verify that a lot of information was pretty unbased on the teaser trailer and other leaks related to posters and merchandising. With that in mind, Matt Smith is definitely in the movie. 
That's the first thing. Matt Smith is definitely in the movie. Um, see, we've seen Disney America deny this, but we've also seen kind of like uh, Disney, like international branches of Disney throw his name into the production. Like I've posted those articles on our Facebook page, Jake. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I, I, I think this is classic JJBS. We, I think we all know Matt Smith's going to be in this movie. 100%. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I fully believe he's in the movie. I, I don't think that there's a chance that we walk out of Star Wars Episode Nine and this is Catherine Langford not showing up in Avengers Endgame. This is Matt Smith is going to 100% be in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Do yeah, you think he's going to be a an old character as a young version, or do you think he's going to be a brand new character? Uh, I think he's going to be an old character or they wouldn't be hiding him being in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. They go on to, the article goes on to say his character is connected to the 4-acre Pinewood Studios paddock lot according to sources. That makes sense because you know, they can kind of keep that a little bit more secretive, right? With him just showing up at Pinewood Studios, if you've got him right. you know, showing up to like Abu Dhabi or you know, my, you know, like uh, one of these, one of these sets that they that they go to uh, across the world. There, there would be shots of him, but they can kind of keep it a little bit more secret if he's just showing up to Pinewood Studios. It goes on to say, however, I believe that moment from the trailer where they observe the Death Star was filmed there for the crashing waves and such. That's where I believe they filmed the Death Star graveyard moments for from Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. So if I'm reading between the lines correctly, Smith didn't film at the paddock, but is connected to it uh, because it's where they see the Death Star in the film. That location was where they believe they shot the Death Star coast. My sources insist that Smith is not a Knight of Ren or their leader. That also that always made sense to me because their name is pretty clear that Kylo Ren is their leader. That was said by Snoke. That was a quote of Snoke. Snoke said that he's the leader. Um, however, yeah, and, and the name, obviously, that's a great point. I mean, it's yes. it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> right, Knights of Ren, yeah. <laughs> however, international Disney websites are confirming Matt Smith is working on the film in what I assume to be a blunder of sorts. Uh, it goes on to say... Um, a really solid source over the years passed on something they heard internally, but this means that, uh, but this means this past solid source is using information that is once again somewhat unproven. Otherwise, I'd double down on this being 100%. But that said, I trust their judgment, and that's why I'm moving forward with this piece. That very well may be wrong. However, I think we should see it as likely, but be open to all possibilities still. The rumor is that Matt Smith isn't Palpatine reborn or rejuvenated, but a dark side acolyte. Listen to this. However, during the Rise of Skywalker, Smith's character is willfully possessed by the spirit of Emperor Palpatine. It's a follower of Emperor Palpatine that has basically provided their body as a vessel for the Emperor. Uh, it goes on to say, during the final act of the film, Ray and Kylo team up to fight the Palpatine-possessed Matt Smith. The two-on-one duel is pretty intense for the duo. 
Guys, I cannot believe, I'm going to continue with this article, but I cannot believe that this is not true after how audiences reacted to the Ray and Kylo team up fight uh, against the Praetorian guards in The Last Jedi. That was an incredible scene. I want to see more of that. I can definitely see that happening again in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that idea that he's like a, a a vessel for Palpatine kind of being reborn makes a lot of sense too, which is like the lore we know about the Emperor and whatnot. So yeah, I kind of buy into all this. Neil, yeah, yeah, I definitely think it probably is the same. Uh, it's definitely a character that's that's following Palpatine and is a willful acolyte. Oh my god. Uh, Tristan, I mean, are, are you buying this? Matt Smith is basically a vessel for the uh, spirit of Emperor Palpatine. And um, I mean, so what does that so mean? So the laugh that we heard at the end of the trailer, they're trying to say that's a possessed uh, a body that's possessed by Palpatine and not actual Palpatine? Is that Palpatine? Because no, coming, I think is that Palpatine coming through Matt Smith? Mm. I don't know. I mean, they've it's, confirmed that McDermott's going to have a role in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think just the fact that he was there at Celebration means he's actually in the film. So, um, I mean, but that doesn't mean, yeah, I guess he can be in like a spirit form or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you well, guys Are you guys ready? I, I, I want you to continue your discussion here, but I will... I will finish like how this ends, like this fight. Like there's there's more to this article. I, I it it gets it, it gets pretty crazy here. So I hope you I hope you're ready for this. <laughs> I hope you're ready for this discussion. Yeah, let's go. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So basically, the, where I left off is uh, during the final act of the film, Ray and Kylo team up to fight the Palpatine possessed Matt Smith. The two on one duel is pretty intense for the duo. Here we go. This is this is new. Eventually, Kylo Ren kills Palpatine's host body. So Kylo Ren will kill the host body played by Matt Smith. Um, Palpatine's. Are you ready for this? Palpatine's spirit then jumps into Kylo Ren's body. Wow, some Freaky Friday shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kylo Ren is strong enough to not lose control of his mental faculties. Kylo Ren struggles to take control of his body, but subdues himself and his weapon while beckoning Rey to kill him. Kylo does the right thing and becomes Ben Solo again as he sacrifices himself to kill Palpatine. Rey never... Well, ooh, somebody's got something to say. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like Jake. Were you, were you going to say something? This, sound, this sounds no, pretty. No. Legi- this sounds pretty legit. I mean, it sounds like a, a a clean way to wrap up the whole Kylo Ren arc, you know. And it sounds um, like a J.J. Abrams thing. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like they're trying to wrap up the Emperor too, and kind of end mm-hmm. him yeah. as a, a baddie too. Everything. Ray, having never toyed with the dark side like Kylo Ren and the Acolyte, does mean Palpatine has. Uh, did mean Palpatine has body evil enough to inhabit. That's a weird way to phrase that. 
making Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not the biggest fan of bringing the Emperor back just to kill him in the same movie. No. Yeah. But I think that's where they're going to go anyway, even if it's weird and trite. Yeah, that's unfortunate. If we're going to go through all the trouble of bringing him back and we haven't seen him since episode six, I would like for him to be more of a force of the story than just this one movie. Mm-hmm. And if he's if he's not going to be, hopefully there's lots of explanations as to how he's been pulling strings all along, maybe. Or, like, I don't know. It's, just, it's very weird. Do you think J.J. intended for him to be uh, in Snoke's body before the Ryan Johnson movie? Mm. That's interesting. I don't know. We've always heard the rumors that Matt Smith was going to be playing some version of the Emperor. I feel like that's been a constant since the Matt Smith mm-hmm. casting rumors. There was that rumor. There was also the rumor that he could be playing kind of like uh, Richard E. Grant's character, like the one that was trying to usurp Hux uh, now that uh, um, Kylo Ren is the new leader of the First Order. I, uh, You know, that was just a, that was a very fleeting rumor, Jake. Um, mm-hmm. The Emperor has always been the most dominant rumor as far as that. See, here, here's the thing. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if there's smoke, there's fire on this one. Yeah, I, I think that Pal- I think that Matt Smith will be connected definitely to to Palpatine in one way or the other. As far as Palpatine being like a bigger thing going forward in this universe, I I kind of feel like JJ has already come out and said that. This is the if this is the end of the Skywalker saga, which they're penning like they're they're basically saying like this is the end of the Skywalker saga that they wanted it to kind of end with the same villain. Yeah, I've heard started that too. They've also referred to this as not just the last episode of this trilogy, but the last episode of all three trilogies. So right. I guess in yeah. that context, it, it's a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah. You know, it's not just that he's in this one thing and gone. He was in all these, you know, right. nine things. Yeah. It's an overarching thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because, right. like, if it ended with, like, just Kylo or even just Snoke, like, it's... I don't know how satisfying that would be. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's... No, honestly, nobody's ever going to be happy with this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like people weren't happy with the prequels. People weren't happy with Force Awakens. There were a majority of people that weren't happy with The Last Jedi. And you're going to have people at the end of the day that are basically just like, fuck you, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm out. Peace. So do you guys think the audience is going to show up for this in the way that they did uh, the first two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're smart in billing this as a bookend and announcing that there won't be very much Star Wars after this. I think those kind of things will help this movie draw those audiences. Just doesn't seem to be much of a buzz, right? I mean, we're what eight months away, though. Yeah, in today's day and age, we're still all you know coming back from Endgame fatigue. Yeah, but I also just remember after Force Awakens, we were talking about what episode eight would, you know, would entail for, for two years. You know, everyone was so invested in that movie. Think about and, this as Endgame, though. Like, think yeah, about this yeah. as Endgame, because, like, Endgame was, like, the uh, capper to, uh, you know, 
22, uh, 21 previous movies. And this is, I mean, this is Star Wars. This is the capper to, you know, 40 but plus years of Star Wars. I they agree with, they didn't bill, um, right, uh, what is it? Uh, fucking Last Jedi as Infinity War. I mean, Infinity War really set the ball for, for somebody to fucking hit a home run for Endgame. I mean, that, mm. like, that setup was, was beautiful and it was perfectly done. Um, whereas Last Jedi was not that and it wasn't supposed to be that and I appreciate it for not being that, but right. it, it was not the lob ready to get smashed out of the park for episode nine. Yeah, it's hardly a, um, like, a cliffhanger ending by uh, right. It, yeah, it's not, um, it, God, yeah, you're right. It's it's definitely not the, you know, the Empire Strikes Back. Like, the way that it ended, like, you could have actually just ended the, and you could have ended the, the yeah, yeah, you could have ended the yeah, saga exactly. with Broom Boy at the end of that, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's completely 180 different than the way you felt at the end of Force Awakens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much excitement in the Star Wars community after Force Awakens, and I didn't, I mean, it's nowhere near that right now. Yeah. yeah that's unfortunate. You're right. I think yeah. part of it you're has right. to do with the fact that there's such a crossover between MCU fans and Star Wars fans, and we're all kind of thanksgiving dinnered out with after endgame <laughs> I, know, I, I, I agree mean, with neil yeah the mcu just kind of took the mantle as being like the franchise of pop culture right now yeah you know and i think yeah. a lot of people are kind of taking a step back from star wars but who knows i mean the hype might be there later i know yeah. when christmas season rolls around yeah you know you might see everything star wars yeah it's ah. gonna be the movie of the winter it yeah. wouldn't have been a bad idea to just wait another year for this movie, honestly. Um, True. Ex- True. Especially with them not planning to do Star Wars movies for a while after this. Just another that year to get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just build or some even more excitement and push it back to next May or something. No, yeah. I, I, I don't think I, Star Wars. I after Solo underperformed in in the yeah. summer release. I, I think that that. Um, I, think, I like it having that December release. Yeah, Jake, I know. Oh, I love first, it as a Christmas release. I yeah. do too. I really do now. I, I do. I I know, Jake, that you always wanted it to go back to that summer release, but man, there's something about just knowing that I'm going to get a Star Wars movie in December. It's like Merry Christmas to me. I, I don't know. I, it's it's it works <laughs> yeah, now. I, it always just drives me nuts with working retail. It's just always like. Uh, Oh, I got Star Wars. Yeah, I got to cram in here too. <laughs> so I don't think yeah. real life tra- like tramples upon your fandom, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just always so busy and hectic in December, and then you got to deal with fucking Star Wars insanity on top of it. But I guess thanks to Ryan Johnson, it won't be Star Wars insanity anymore. <laughs> Tristan, Tristan, the um, yes, the final scene in Aladdin mm-hmm. uh, with Will Smith. Didn't it not look like the final scene in The Phantom Menace? The final scene in Aladdin with Will Smith. Um, you're referring to... Um, All of them kind of like on that platform and they're like... In, oh, you mean the, the very final yeah. shot of The Phantom Menace yeah. right before they... Yeah, <laughs> I see that. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Did they do the music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't make that connection until now, Brian. I totally did watching the movie, but I was like I was like I wonder if Tristan remembers that and you can kind of like put it together. But uh, guys, that is this is episode 285. Jake, we are only 15 episodes away from 300. I think that that episode is going to be sometime in September, the way it looks like right now. Yeah, that's exciting. It's I love when we do our 100 episodes and we just kind of get a sit back and let all the listeners come in and join us in yeah. the direct combo. Yeah, they get to Yeah, uh every uh centennial, every uh 100 episodes we have our listeners kind of join us and every I think what is it? Like every 15 minutes we have like a new person joining us and then another person drop off and then they just direct the conversation and we talk about whatever. Dude, I love those episodes. Those are so much fun. Yeah, yeah. that was the first time I was on was uh 200. That's right. I remember that. You were on 200. Yeah. 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 I actually like listening to those a lot because. Oh, thanks, Neil. <laughs> a lot less of you guys, a lot more of the other people. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have everybody get like their half an hour of fame yeah. and just kind of talk. And you know, you get to meet meet some people that yeah. you've interacted with online or um, just seen them post stuff on the Leftover Army page. And it's, it's kind of cool to put voices to faces and and whatnot yeah i mean yeah go ahead jake i was gonna say yeah don't be intimidated the people that are going to join us but those are kind of tryouts too right you'll notice the people (laughs) the people that were on those episodes that we've never had back again you know there's a reason (laughs) (laughs) you know you know we need to get we need to get fucking shy and back on here i love that fucking guy oh i love that dude too i love that dude too him and Dan's answer, Amsterdam conversation are oh, my favorite things so ever. One of the best <laughs> things ever. Oh my god, absolutely love. Uh, looking forward to three hundred. You know, yeah, it's like uh, I I knew after two hundred when we had you on Tristan that I was like, oh my god, we yeah. got we got to get this guy back on. We got to get this guy back on, and uh, you know we've had you back on a couple times now, and uh, every time we have you on, I, I enjoy having you on. I, you're one of my favorite people to have on the show. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Jake, uh, you know Water this. bottle and all. Water bottle. Dude, it doesn't matter how, like, all the fucking, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, this, I point out that, Tristan, here, okay, let me peel back the curtain a little bit. When people are fucking on this show and they're making all this fucking noise and shit, I point it out because I know that's what the listener's hearing. That's the only reason I fucking point it out. It it doesn't piss me off. It doesn't bother me. The only reason I point out all these fucking like random noises that are going on is because I know when people are listening, they're hearing it. And uh, for me to ignore it is for me to pretend that I am like not hearing it. Well, I'm totally fucking hearing it. It's loud as fuck. Like it's ridiculous. Like uh, it's like how am I not hearing it? I'm hearing it just like you people. I gotta, you know, I'm 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 here on your. I'm I, I'm hearing it just like you. I'm on your side, people. I hear this fucking shit. So, but no, like your your input, your um, just having you on. I think you're fantastic. Everything that you add to the show, your contribution. Um, I think you're great. Neil, you're the same way. I love having you on. Jesus Christ. You used to drive me nuts on Twitter, you son of a bitch. And I, <laughs> it's true. Jake, you, God damn it, you know it's true to you too. He used to drive yep. you, both oh, yeah, of us for nuts. Sure, for sure. 
And but that's the thing. I love your laugh, Neil. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God, Seth Rogen. It's, it's a very hearty, wholesome laugh. It's very hearty, wholesome. Seth Rogen, your laugh can go fuck itself. Neil Thalander. <laughs> I'm telling you, Neil Thalander has got the he's got the laugh down. So. Yeah, I just like to have a good time, man. And we, we after meeting you guys and mm-hmm. putting all that other shit in the in the back burner. Yeah. Um, it's it's been a really good time hanging out with you and talking to you guys and and just being a part of this whole weirdness that this show is. Things, it's awesome. Things are happening, Jake. Man, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even, like Jake. I'm not even denying it. Like things are happening. Things are moving mm-hmm. forward. If things aren't moving forward, Jake, you're at a stalemate. Things have moved forward a little bit, Jake. I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't like to. I don't like to pat myself on the back. I've never been that guy. But like one thing moved forward, Jake. We're Rotten Tomatoes approved publication right now i I can't even not i can't even not say that because it is true (laughs) pop culture leftovers is a critic on rotten tomatoes jake that's uh that kind of blows my fucking mind i don't know what that means for the future i'm not saying it's going to do anything but uh, as far as jake as far as as far as how people view their movies we have a voice now dude like you're going to affect millions of dollars you tristan (laughs) tristan you are gonna affect millions of dollars neil you're gonna affect millions of dollars because i've always called pop culture leftovers the people's podcast we can't do this without our listeners. And some of you guys have been with us for a long time. And I didn't want to just be like, uh, this is just me and Jake doing the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. I wanted to bring people in that have been like dedicated listeners, people that I trust and that I listen to, to also write reviews and give their opinions on movies. And, hey, uh, hey, let's also be real, Brian. You yeah. didn't want to write a bunch of articles yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, you know what I mean, dude, dude, you, you, you got the me, fi- you got me figured out. I'm a lazy mother, dude. I do, a, I do it's enough. People here, it's all about the people. It is. In order, to, here's the thing. Truth is, in order to, in order to do this, I do need you. I gotta, I gotta. We all need somebody to lean on. We all need. Somebody to lean on. So I'm leaning on ad lib lyrics. I know, I know. We, I am leaning on you guys. Just get me back to the chorus as fast as possible. Lean on me. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. But you know, yeah, I, I need you guys. I need, I need uh, our listeners in order to cast like a wider net as far as like uh, the content that we that we view and and things like that. I, to cast a wider net, I need you guys. And you guys answered the call, and we've got a lot of listeners that are going to be writing reviews for Rotten Tomatoes. And um, I, I feel. I don't know. Jake, I, I feel like it rewards uh, people that uh, watch these movies, and I feel like it rewards the listeners that have been with us for a while to be able to, like, 
put their voices out there. It's fucking cool to see your name on a fucking website like Rotten Tomatoes, man. It really is fucking cool. No, I agree, and it's well-deserved. I mean, like you said, these are people that have been listeners of us for a very long time. I mean, to the point where people bring them up even in emails and iTunes reviews. So yeah. They're, you know, even though they're not officially leftovers, they're still very much a part of the family and, you know, a part of the opinions. Yeah, it's, uh, the leftover status. That's stupid, right? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Yeah. 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 I the agree. Only, I agree. The only reason that we haven't christened anybody else a leftover is because, like, I personally enjoy, like, the, uh, the the two hosts and then bringing on one to two guests things. If we if we had three hosts and then I wanted to bring on two guests, we're at five people on the podcast and we're all talking over each other. It gets ridiculous. That's the only reason that literally, guys. That's the only reason we haven't brought on another leftover. That's the truth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you get five people on, it becomes a bit of a dick waving contest too, as far as trying to speak and everything. Yeah. So. You'll get the one silent guy that loses that contest. And you've already got also, me, who is like three people in one, so. <laughs> also, it's it's the whole um, legendary status of Jay. Yeah, yeah. To it me, is. I mean, like, you, you, right. you, you have three leftovers. You've, you've yeah. had the three leftovers for such a long time, yep. and, and, and the fact that Jay isn't on anymore doesn't mean he's no longer a leftover. Right. It just means he's not available to do the show right now yeah jay is always a leftover anytime if jay does an appearance on the show which he came back and he did an episode with us so good and yeah ant-man and the wasp if you if jay ever comes back you're gonna hear from three leftovers jay is always a leftover it's not oh, for sure and, and he's not like an honorary leftover he's a leftover so yeah, yeah. that's a thing yeah yeah, we did have a shimp too, and just like shimp, he's not an leftover. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we there was a fourth leftover at one time, and he is yeah. the shimp of the group. And he, yeah, he was stripped of his leftover status. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that day when we ripped that badge off of him, Jake? Oh man, that was a joyous day. <laughs> <laughs> I think the closest thing you have to an honorary leftover is Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He was the left out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He got at least half the name, half the right. title. Right, <laughs> right. It, 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 there's, like, it does, it's just, it really, it has nothing, like, I've had people every once in a while ask, like, you know, why don't you add such and such as a, as a leftover and blah, blah, blah. And it really has nothing to do with um, our love or, or uh, of that person or, anything like that it really has to do with like the dynamic of i i think personally that an episode shouldn't have over four people it just gets too crowded and so you know um it's it's me and jake we're the leftovers and then we'll have like i love having rebecca on you know i love having her on she's great but at that point like if rebecca if we if we christen rebecca a leftover then it's like she's on every week and then we can only have one other person. So, Jake, I, I love the episodes where it's just sometimes it's very personal. It's just me, you, and another guest. You know? Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with that a lot. It, it, it's be- The system we have, if it's not broke, well, why fix it? But I, yeah, love, right. I love episodes like this where it's like Tristan hasn't done an episode with Neil and now you guys get to interact. I love that shit. That's why I love episode 300 is because we're constantly bringing new people on. That's like where like I, I remember like in early episodes like 
we had an episode where Jacob Harmon was on with Aaron Claude Miller, and like those guys got to know each other. That's that's kind of like where the Leftover Army started. Was like we got mm-hmm. our listeners on our shows with us, and they got the podcast with each other, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, like all of them like started to talk to each other like outside of the podcast and on Facebook and on other social media outlets and stuff like that. And this whole Leftover Army thing started, and um, everybody became friends with one another and it just kind of like happened un kind of like unbeknownst to us jake like it just it just <laughs> formed right yeah yeah you're right about that we we could not control it or hold it back <laughs> yeah <laughs> well kind of like rebecca already has her own title she's the queen of the leftover army i mean she doesn't need to be in a yeah, left, left, yeah. leftover because she's mm-hmm. she's the queen yeah we all know that I think sometimes, like, when you get too much of something, too, you kind of, like, take it for granted. Um, you know, you take – so it's it's always nice. I think uh, listeners get really pumped up when they see it, like, oh, my gosh, this is a Rebecca episode. Mm-hmm. You know, or like – Or this is a Dan West. Or a Dan West episode. Old Man Shooty. Old Man Shooty. Oh, oh, fuck. It's a Hopner episode. I fucking love that guy. I fucking love him. I do, him. too. I do, too. That I know was, you do. I wouldn't even make the joke if I didn't. I know. I fucking love that guy. I fucking love that guy. Man, I, I swear. Like, you guys have no... Like, oh, God, I should save this for 300 But, like, you guys have no idea, like, um, how much I think about some of you guys on a day, day-to-day basis. Um, and how much you're a big part of my life now. Like, you have no idea. This podcast... You... you if people had any idea what this podcast and what you people mean to me, I think it would blow your fucking minds. I really <laughs> do. I really do. I really do, Jake. Like people have all the feels. I'm serious. <laughs> like this is 100 percent serious. Like I come on here and I'm cocky and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm that fucking asshole. But like explaining and shit. But in all honesty, like <laughs> I, I'm a mansplainer. But like in all honesty, like you have no idea how much this show, Jake. I can't imagine not starting the show and meeting all these people that we've met throughout um throughout doing this over six years dude i cannot imagine and you you son of a bitch i can't imagine not doing this show with you you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree i agree it's it's it is just crazy how not a day goes by where i don't talk to someone that i met because of us doing this podcast i mean i've met lifelong friends just from doing this podcast you know so it's unbelievable Fucking Tristan, you got to come to C two E two next year. I do. I really do. Yeah, catch a ride with Neo. You guys are close. Ah, ish. (laughs) (laughs) We're like we're like six. What like seven hours apart? We're like we're like three East Coast states away from each other. There you go. Well, never mind. (laughs) No. Wow, listen to Tristan already making excuses for like not showing up. (laughs) He's closer to Maribel than I am. Okay. Pass in the buck. That's a, hold on. That's a guy. Marable's actually really close to me, yeah. Yeah, because he's down in fucking Fresno, isn't he? Or uh, Modesto? Um, 
something like that. Yeah, something like that. Right. But I know he's pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Carmen San Diego Twins. <laughs> <laughs> California is a big place. All right. <laughs> it's the geography bros. Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, no. I'm looking at my guest. I'm looking at my guest list. I got to get Marable back on here. Marable. Yeah. The, Jake, that Marable episode was fucking great, wasn't it? Yeah, I love, I love podcasting with Marable. It's a lot of fun. He's yeah. a ridiculous human being, and it's yeah. amazing to talk with him. Yeah, it almost seems like he embarrasses himself sometimes too, which is a quality, a quality I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, he says shit. He's like, he knows it's going to sound bad. <laughs> yeah, we got to. Yeah, we got to get Marable back on here. I've, I, that's the thing, people. I book, I book our guests like. Uh, and I'm not booking, I'm not like Jimmy Fallon and I'm booking like, you know, like, uh, Hollywood stars, but to, to, but to me, and I think to some of our listeners, you guys are, you guys are stars. It's crazy. I, I really do feel like that. I really do feel like that. You know, I feel like that people are like, uh, people get, get excited when they hear like, this is a Neil episode or this is a Tristan episode or this is a Jacob Harmon episode or this is a Rebecca episode or a Paul Hart episode. I mean, I, yeah. I really feel like that. Like you guys have become kind of like, uh, um, something, uh, to, to, to a small group of people, but you're something special. And, uh, I, I know that you're something special to me. Like this is, uh, I love having you guys make the show, Jake. We, I, I honestly, Jake, the, it's what's keep it, it. What's keep me coming back every week is getting different people on here. I feel like every week it's a different show because we have different voices, and I love it. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it is fun to see kind of what combinations end up, you know, working really well, and just what different dynamics we find from having different guests on for the first time. Yeah, yeah I'm super yeah. pumped for 300. Like this, like this episode, it didn't work. You know, like we'll never have. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like the the whole the whole Tristan Neal experiment. You know, every once in a while, I, I already epic fail my wet erase board. Yeah, it, every once in a while, like you'll have an experiment and you'll invent penicillin. Like this episode turned out to be Chernobyl. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I got to record with uh, Rebecca and Paul on the animated Badcast recently, and that was super fun. Nice, yeah. Oh my god, I, I've always I, that's that's one thing I want to do is I want to have both Rebecca and Paul on an episode. They're great of, together. Yeah, on an episode of PCL. So that'll be fun. But uh, you know, let's wrap this fuck. Yeah, this is, well, let's say this for 300. We're all just like sucking each other up. <laughs> there you go. I gotta eat and get to bed. Sucking some. Wrap it up. Second some peen. Hey, Tristan, thank you so much, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Brian. Andre, good to meet yeah, you, man. You, you have a great man. night. Is it, are, are you done? Are you just like, this is my final episode of PCL? <laughs> no, I had a great time. I had a great time. Good. I really hope you did. I am ready to go to bed. I will admit that. All right. Neil, thank you again, sir. Uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure coming on here and talking with you guys. Uh, yeah, again, Tristan, it was great to meet you and yeah, talk with you. Um, yeah, this is this is fucking so much fun to do this stuff with you guys. Absolutely, uh, guys. Next week, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, coming out. Going to be reviewing that one. Uh, right. And just like all good leftovers, saying their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we'll see ya.
next week with episode what was it two eighty six? Yeah, you said fifteen away from this one, so that's right. Yeah, so we'll see you next week. Two eighty six. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's make it Hate erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture push over Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.